people would uh, would have different opinions on this. Uh, but let me send out the invites in the meantime. I'll give this a couple of minutes. So how's your? I heard you've been doing some like uh, meditation. How's it going? Are you feeling zen? Uh, bro, can you not start trying to to small talk, please? Yeah. Let me just know, bro. Because let's go through the I process. hate doing it. Can you can you do it with trash or joke? Because it's a bit boring, bro. I was trying to make make you sound interesting, but you're boring us. Hey, trash. <laughs> how are you, man? Good, man. How's it going? I was. Uh, let me see I was if going... Taylor Lorenz wanna join. Hold on, let me ping her. Uh, I think she left the platform. Oh, I, she, she I, left Twitter? I think so. I, I know she's over on Blue Sky. I see her over there, but I think she left the platform. Interesting. I, I wouldn't expect her to, have, to just to leave the platform. Uh, I think it's a step too far, but let me see. I'd be surprised because she had a pretty... No, she's there, but obviously you're saying she's not using the platform. Let me see. Um, no, she's, she's tweeting. She's retweeting people now. She tweeted it an hour ago. Ah, cool. Yeah, no, she's active, bro. Let me ping her now. Oh, I haven't seen her. She must have unblocked me, too. She had me blocked at one point. <laughs> it means you have an opinion when you get blocked. That's that's like my badge of honor is that Sebastian Gorka blocked me. I wear it like a I badge. Have... Yeah, I've got some scalps too, Joa. Back before we even was even trying to take myself seriously on this platform. I right, just pinged it now. All right, let me send out the invites, and then we can kick it off. So yeah, no, um, I, I've been checking. I'll let you get guy. the. I'll let you. By the way, I'll, I'll let you get the uh, thread organized. You've got it with you. Yeah, I've got to pull up my laptop, so like, when, when we get more people in here, I'll, I'll start to go through it. I've been going through it the last yeah. 25 minutes. It's pretty interesting. It's not super long. Bro, it's not. what's so interesting about it? What, why is it so major? I haven't gone through it. I'm so, curious. I'll tell you. We'll get to it, but I'll tell you what I thought was most interesting is that Taylor had special privileges with connections at Twitter and DOJ and were able to actually like streamline requests to the Twitter administrators uh, to get people taken down and such. So it, it wasn't, Paul said he wasn't clear whether that more people had that access, but the, uh, the people that he was working with at Twitter kind of was able to point that out. And he actually has screenshots to show that she was able to do that. So it's kind of a one-way street. Okay, your connection, uh, is it my end, Simon, or is the connection chopping in and out a bit? A it's fine. It seems, it seems all right to me. Ah, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, nothing major. I heard everything you said. It just chopped a tiny bit. If anyone is having that choppiness in the in the audience, let us know in the comments as well. Um, but I think we could start going through it. Like what one thing in there, and we're gonna go through it in a bit. But one thing in there that was um, just didn't seem that major to me is that the the fact that her uncle owned the Wayback Machine, and which I think she says he doesn't. But I don't know. I haven't verified it. But then he removed information from the Wayback Machine on her behalf. That to me yes. sounds very silly. Uh, it was true. So back when this whole debacle went yeah. down, um, but what's major it's, about it's, it? What's what's well? What's because, major about it though? Well, because once once the, uh, for lack of better terms, once the power dynamic started started shifting away from big tech and one ideology, and it kind of the dam started breaking up, and Twitter started opening up, and Taylor went after lives a TikTok. There was a lot after her MSN and MSNBC interview. A lot of people tried to go. 
you know, and go find her past articles and stuff she had done because she had egged on um, cancellation campaigns before. Uh, it, it, this actually speaks to a lot of that. So the fact that that was scrubbed and you could not pull the archive so it could just be deleted forever from the Internet was actually kind of a big deal. How is it a big deal? Do you know anyone could remove your you, – you can go right now and remove any information, request to remove information from the Wayback Machine though. Anyone could do it. Everything that she's ever had on the Internet is gone from the archives. Uh, uh, so what you're saying is that she scrubbed information yeah. that was on other websites, not websites she owned. Yeah. Okay. Old tweets uh, that didn't make it into it, – it's all gone. So, yeah, no, it was kind of a big deal. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you – because I know you can, anyone could request um, it, to remove a certain page or certain information from the Wayback Machine. But I don't know if you could remove stuff on other people's websites or only your own website. But let's, let's, let's start – before going through the thread, Max, do you want to offer clarity on this before we start uh, giving an overview for the audience? Yeah, I, the uh... – yeah, what what Taylor Renz did with Internet Archive is is pretty unprecedented. Um, I think it's you know we had this sort of image that she's this she's this gumshoe reporter. Um, in reality, she's she's heavily connected, and uh, so she was able to do something that you're not capable of doing. Twitter, for example, Twitter could say you you can exclude us. What Taylor Renz is she calls up whoever she knows at the Internet Archive. Apparently, her uncle, I don't know, and she said exclude everything. And so she wipes her tweets. Now you can't hold her accountable for the terrible things she's done in the past. The other thing is, um, she was very well connected to Twitter. She, as, as the Twitter files showed, and, and we knew this, but now it's it's nice to see like actual email proof of it. We knew that uh, that she had ins at Twitter. Part of the reason that she and many others had meltdowns after Elon Musk took over is that their uh, uh, their connections to Twitter uh, were gone. They got fired. And they were no longer able to, like, literally, they would call up or email or whatever and say, like, please suspend this person. And it would happen. And so the whole idea of this moderation, you know, it all had this human touch. And it was this very opaque process before. And then Elon Musk uh, just did a jailbreak. Interesting. All right, let's 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 give an overview for the audience. So, Sam, maybe you can kick it off. Who the hell is Taylor Lorenz? Because when I got into the Twitter space scene, uh, and we started doing the Twitter files, she was mentioned constantly, and, and she was one of the people that I, I, I just saw people love to hate her. But I never really understood why. Like, the main reason, and Ian, uh, I, I won't use the word despises her, but he doesn't doesn't like her. And, and the reason he gave me is that she uh, she doxed a few people, including Libs of TikTok. Is that the only reason people hate her? Who is she? What, what, what can you tell us? Yeah, yeah, I'll just give a brief overview because we're going to go into it because some of it's actually in the uh, Twitter files. But <clears throat> essentially, Taylor Lorenz um, is what one would want to may call a journalist, and she writes for the Washington Post and a number of other uh, mainstream media outlets. Now, with her, the issue is this. As you said, she's known for the libs of TikTok, but more, even in addition to that, what she's known for is essentially what this Twitter files reveals, extreme censorship. And an example of that was in my view, or the most flagrant, the most blatant example was when she went on TV, started crying about how people are bullying her and essentially used that as a tool to censor people uh, and make sure that no one can criticise her. And now you see that 
not only was it that no not only did she use that manipulation to do so um but essentially she had the powers to do so as well and so just think about that like and, and this is something that I, I wrote a thread about as well which you know about uh, and your and the bbc guys who were meant to come on your twitter space before but essentially what that she did is and she's probably one of the and, and for the record just sorry i need to, and i'm in time you fucked it all up for me so i had the bbc guys come in to talk about their piece on andrew tate very difficult to convince them you know bbc is pretty strict on those things and just before the space, you were invited guest instead of being appreciated for being invited. You do a whole thread about them and they ended up not coming. But yeah, please continue. Yeah, that's true, Mario. And essentially, I did a thread to demonstrate their lies and propaganda and misinformation. And then they cowered it out and didn't turn up. And then they did the tail. And why I mentioned it is because they did the Taylor Lorenz move, which is we're scared. You know, we're, we're, we're getting death threats. And all these kind of fake. Well, what if they hold on? What if they are? You can't just put it. You know, some people do get death threats, and that could be the reason. Well, bullshit, bro. Well, they were saying yes until you did your thread. Yeah, so they were saying yes, right? And everybody knew they did the Tate hit piece, and 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 so according to you, they never received any death threats, even though they basically attacked it. They basically lied. They basically did all this exposure. They got nothing, and then as soon as and they were willing to come to your space. And then remember, your, your space was <coughs> delayed. So it, was meant to be, it was meant to be on like a Wednesday. And then something caused it to be delayed. I think it was actually a Twitter files came out and you delayed it. And then what happened was it was delayed. And then I released my thread. And then the day later, they dropped out. Like, come on. Yeah, if you, if you went back in time, would you, by the way, can you mute hot mics? Uh, if you hear hot mics like I just did. If you went back in time, would you still do your thread then? Or would you delay it? Bro, I would do it then, bro. That's the that's the game, bro. Oh, you wouldn't you wouldn't delay it. You wouldn't delay it so you can call them out during the space. Anyway, let's move on. Taylor Lorenz, so he's saying she put she started pretending she's a victim. And and I'm actually gonna learn a lot in this space because I've heard a lot about her. I reached out to her, I'm like, no, hey, what's the story? Not, and I, I tried not, to understand Mario, it's not about her pretending she's a victim. Okay, people do that. But then she used that and that's the problem I have, and this is what you be the BBC guy. Cancel did. people. Yeah, to more than cancel... Well, she did that according to the Twitter files, but more than that at that time, she used that to be able to not allow anyone to criticise her or criticise her journalism. And that's where... How can you... Are. Being a victim, how can you be... How can you... When you're pretending to be a victim, how does that allow you to not... To to prevent people from criticising you? I don't understand. Other than censorship. That's what I'm talking about, censorship. So you're oh, okay, because you said... You said because you said other than censorship, which we're going to talk about in the Twitter files. Oh, yes. Yeah, so oh, other cool. than but the, 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 hey, hey, well, just yeah, quick yeah. thing, quick thing. How the fuck did BBC, how the fuck, just two seconds, and I'll move on. How the hell did BBC, how can you compare them? The BBC had nothing to do with censoring you. They didn't even mention you not coming on the show. Bro, so it's not related are you to joking? All, all them, I don't want to mention no names because I'm cooler than people now. But all those guys started doing drama and having a, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear now, but having a bitch fit that I'd done the thread and I was threatening their lives and, they, you know, BBC couldn't protect them and the FBI and the police couldn't protect them. But, and so, and yeah, so but they, they didn't try... They didn't, they didn't wait to censor. They've never tried to censor you. They used it as an excuse not to come on the show, maybe. That's a fair argument. Uh, but they didn't use it to censor. Just get your facts right. No, no, no. So what? Because what they do is essentially make sure that I can't talk about it anymore. So it's like, guess what? You're... You've How do they make thread. sure you I'll can't explain, contact I'll explain it. Yeah. I'll ex don't worry, Mario. I'll explain it. So, because basically you do the thread and then they do the drama. Oh, you know, this guy's, this guy's risked our lives, caused us problems, so on and so forth. And then I can't then continue attacking them or proving that what they did was a fallacy. Why can't you, hold on, why can't you, why can't you continue attacking do, them? 
because if I do, then you, then then a lot of people, many of which you know, were basically saying that I'm threatening their lives or basically putting the responsibility that I'm risking their lives and I shouldn't do it. Yeah, that's a stupid excuse. If they wanted to do that, man, they would have tried to get Twitter to censor you or they would have done a threat against you or tweeted about the threats they're getting because of you. Bro, they they didn't even say it publicly. They say it privately to us. And yeah, we exactly. Shared it. No, no, but the whole point is they did it privately to you guys, so you guys can put pressure on, which you, which happened, isn't it? Uh, yeah, okay, okay, whatever. Anyway, so let's get into the, the thread. Um, uh, I think we've got a good overview. So, so who is Taylor Lorenz? She's a journalist for the Washington Post, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And what gave her notoriety? Like, what, what, what made her who she is? I'm not sure if it's covered in the thread. I don't think the thread is about her life story. Can anyone tell me what made Taylor Lorenz... Um, there's thousands of journalists out there. Why do we keep talking about? Yeah, her? Um, she's a uh, she's a social media she's a social media reporter. Um, the Washington Post and others have have employed her to be in touch with the youth. She talks a lot about TikTok. She talks about who's prominent on TikTok and, and other social media. Um, and she's controversial because she tries to destroy people's lives. Um, just takes random people, goes on vendettas against them. And tries to get them banned from the internet. The, the thing is, it's it's more than just that. She she's not just a person who goes online and and tweets things. She goes and harasses family members of uh, conservatives online who she doesn't really like. Um, her 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 problem is this is more so for the uh, the rights and how we kind of look at this. Um, she goes after conservative anon accounts and tries the very best to dox them. And not only dox them, harass their family members, harass their business, and talk to them and make them fire them. That that's who Taylor Lorenz is, a activist with the cover of a non-biased journalist for a Washington Post who goes out of her way to harass family, friends, anyone associated with you because you say things online. So harass, so, so Trumpster is is so, so I want I wish we had some of her friends or and I pink Taylor to jump in as well if she has time. Um, but can you tell me more about harass? Can you give me examples uh, as in – so I, I would like those examples to be factual because people use this as a reason to get – whenever someone doesn't like someone that I bring on stage, um, they just start sending me all that shit. No proof, no evidence, but all these different things about them. It happens all the time. It's been happening since I started the show. So with Taylor Lorenz, what are the things we know she's done? I think the libs of TikTok is one known story. When I spoke to her, she said she didn't do it. So I don't know if we have evidence on that. But but can you tell me maybe three, four things you know that she's done? Yes. Um, I'll find the uh, the video. But she basically went and uh, went in person to her family's house. Not just one person, but several of them. Uh, I have a article from uh, TP, uh, yeah, again, yeah, the Post Millennial about that. Um she visited a house that belonged to a family member of Libs of TikTok. I saw the video um, like a year or so ago, um, but I, I put the article in the thread if you want to um, review it. But she she is going out not just online, but in person to family members' houses who aren't even associated with uh, Taylor or may not even share her, her – sorry, a Libs of TikTok – may not even share her opinions. Uh, but she went out of a way to actually visit the, this family and uh, – basically ask some questions about 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 lips of tiktok so i did reply uh with but isn't that so, no, so she went out and visited the family yes, in to talk to them about lips of tiktok but i don't i don't so what what's the big deal about that so 
Sorry for my ignorance. Like I'm just trying. I'm just curious. Yeah. So she's an anonymous account. So that, that that's the thing. Like so you're you're an anonymous account, random person. You're like Bob two hundred or something online, and a reporter from Washington Post with an agenda to get people visits your family, uh, visits people who you know in, in real life, harasses them, and and basically um, the video there. Um, there's a video in that article I, I posted there, um, you know, showing this this little uh, exchange. Uh, she's knocking at the door, ringing the doorbell. She's at the front of your of her family's house. That's harassment. That 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 is going out of the way to go after people who have nothing to do with this entire issue. Um, but that's relatively common for journalists. Like this is part of the ugly side of journalism. Like they do that. I know it's a thin line between harassment and trying to get certain information. And we've seen this all the time. Like whenever someone's under the under the the, the, the radar, everybody or the journalists will go around everybody that knows them and try to get information from that person. So how is it what Taylor did different to what other journalists okay. do? And again, okay. I'm coming from a place of ignorance, yeah. so giving me the basics will be I, good. I, I, I'll tell you. I, I can respond. It's it's not just, okay. Um, you know, talking to family. Uh, Taylor Renz contacted the uh, the employer of lives at TikTok and asked them questions about her. So it. The, the thing. Quick, Chief, yeah. real quick. What she actually did, she st she tried to stealth edit the piece that she put out on Live the TikTok, who's now unmasked herself as Chaya Rychik, which I've sent an invite to her to see if she'll come. I'd like to hear what she has to say about it. But she actually posted, I, I believe it was a business license that actually had the, the personal information that you could actually find where she registered the business under, therefore doxing her. And then they tried to go in and stealth edit it. Washington Post had to put out some stupid... Um, Response. What, what, so, trash. Just to come before we get onto your point, because I think that's interesting. But in terms of Chief's point, I don't get it. Like, what's like? I agree with Mario. Like, what? What is she yeah. doing different to anybody else? In that specific, we'll come to the stealth editing in a second. Cause that's a separate point. But that specific point, when you're a journalist and you're basically speaking to people around to get a story, to get information, to get background, like, should, isn't that what a journalist should be doing? Can I can I talk about why Taylor Lorenz first like her first big controversy? It was. Um, so so uh, let, let's let's talk about this yeah. point specifically. Well, no, I'm we'll talking. This is the journalism. This is she uh, reached out to Kellyanne Conway's 14 year old daughter to try to dig up dirt. The the, the issue. Uh, yeah, so that's that's crossing the line going to children. Oh, I, but I, I, other than other than I mean, other than that, her speaking to family members around whoever she's but, investigating, but, I yeah. don't see a problem with that. Or even but, if someone came along. And the reason but, I'm saying that, uh, sorry, Justin, one second. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is because I I was uh, covering a story and I was actually contacted by a family or member of someone uh, and friends and I interviewed them and they accused me of the same thing and I was like, what are you on about? Like that person, literally, it's a story. We need to get to the background. We need to find out the real aspects of the story. So essentially, you don't want the truth to come out. Is And then they accused me of harassing, but it wasn't harassing. It's just normal journalism. Like you're meant to be interviewing people to find out the truth and the backstory of the matter. So obviously if the argument is that oh, it was underage children that's a problem but other than that i'm not sure so Justin, were you gonna say something? yeah yeah the, the the problem with this is that it's not that she was just showed up and asked some family members some questions like is she lives at tip top this is and this is what we'll get to in the twitter files what this drop reveals is that this is the activists portraying themselves as journalists and how they attack <laughs> activists from the other side hold on just a sec sorry he doesn't agree with you, bro. 
Chief, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so the, the, this is my, my, my kind of take on this. This is kind of how journalism is weaponized against, like, this is my, my, my opinion about this. When the, the purpose is not just to ask questions, but is this person lived a TikTok? It's to make people get fired. It's to go and um, intimidate um in this case, family members, because it was repeatedly going to their house. So it wasn't just one little walk by. It was several little walk bys. Um, so it, it's multiple times. It's going to the business and asking them, you know, questions that are leading in a way that will try to get this person fired. It, it, these questions that these journalists or quote, quote, independent journalists, uh, you know, do they 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 uh, say them in a way to have implications to get people fired or to uh, hurt them in some capacity. And that's what they're trying to do. Um, Lizzie Taylor did lose uh, her job from from this um from the and it, it really is more about the the doxing which is you know doxing of a ram anon and having a journalist with an agenda um go and visit family members multiple times not just one family member but several of them who weren't even really close to her you know not just the, the mother but other associates as well um and even reach out to family and, and other friends and uh, business so it's a uh, journalist with an agenda who wants to hurt someone and uh, is militia. So again, like she thinks she just she's. All right, look, let me let me read this out to you, uh, Slam, and let me know what you think. So you can see us were playing. You know, me and Slam are kind of pushing back because everyone here is obviously very critical of Taylor. Uh, let me read out. So I I checked on Bard and, and I checked on uh, ChatGPT. Why is Taylor Lorenz hated by many? <laughs> so go the following. Taylor is a technology journalist who has been criticized by many for her reporting on social media influences and online culture. Some of the reasons for this hatred include there's three points and and two of them are linked to libs of tiktok number one her reporting has been accused of being biased and unfair you know, welcome to journalism for example she was criticized for her coverage of the libs of tiktok account which is a uh, which is a right wing blah 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 lauren's article about the account was accused of doxing the woman who runs it oh it's a woman i didn't know and she, she i think i don't know she's been on our space and she was also accused of anti-semitism for mentioning the woman's religion number two She's also been accused of hypocrisy. For example, she has spoken out against online harassment. Oh, that's what you said, Slayman. But she has also been accused of harassing people herself. For example, she was criticized for tweeting a photo of herself standing outside the home of the woman who runs the Libs of TikTok account. And number three, she's been accused of being a bully. For example, she has been criticized for her interactions with other journalists. For example, she was criticized for tweeting a photo of herself with a smirk on her face after she was awarded the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> like, who gives a fuck? So she seems like a journalist um, with an attitude. Um, a journalist that might that might be a bit vengeful, that might cross some lines in the eyes of many. Um, I just don't see what makes her, and Sarah, maybe I'll give you the mic, but I just don't see why she's getting that amount of hate. And, and I'm trying to understand it. And, and when I spoke to her as well, when I first heard all the hate towards her, I, as you know, we always like to get both the base. I pinged her. I'm like, hey, do you want to come on the show? Um, so when we jump on a call. And she was open to come on our space one day when it's relevant. So maybe the, she'll come on today if she's online now. Um, actually, I'll ping her on Twitter as well in case she doesn't check her phone. But I, I talked to her and she started telling me her side. And I'd love her to come on. But she's telling me about all the threats she's getting. It doesn't mean what she did is right. But like she's getting death threats to her family. She read some of the messages to me. So the amount of hate going towards is insane. Um, it's like she killed someone. But um, let's see. Maybe there's more to it than what I just read. Sarah? Did somebody, did the chief Trumpster guy say that she caused some, that 
Taylor Lorenz caused somebody to lose their job because she doxed them? Yes, he lives a TikTok yeah, woman. Directly, yes. Well, you said directly. And is that and proof? I, so, Chief, I, Chief, Chief, hold on, hold on. Is there proof on that, Chief? I'll just push back against this a bit, Sarah, before I give you back the mic. Is there any evidence for that, Chief? It's well. I mean, she did. Did they say that she that uh, she's gone or she's leaving her work because of uh, ex reporter? No, they didn't explicitly say that. Uh, but she's not in capacity uh, working um, be after the whole ordeal of doxing happened. So it's it, it's indirectly caused. That's my take. It's indirectly, not directly, but is indirect. So. But did someone did, did did the employer say this is the reason she was let no, go? Or no, they they they, they, they no. Um, there there's okay. So we're so I would say, chief, if you if you allow me, I would put that as it possibly led to her being fired from her job. Is that a fair way to, to would you would is it fair to say that? Well, and well, I mean, it's like why why would she have been let go? What what was the event that changed that? Right. But you don't know, and so well, therefore saying that is irresponsible. But but what what event if we're to be like upfront like what event caused her to leave her job what was the nexus that made this happen it wasn't like she woke up one day and she was gone there is a, a report there is an investigation into her which resulted in her being gone so it's indirectly responsible a hundred percent you can't say that her that... i don't agree with that i don't think i don't think what he said is irresponsible i actually think I you think if you're of... saying that that some that uh, that she is the cause, he said she was the cause. Now he's backing up well, and saying indirectly. Yeah, she is the cause. It's not directly, but it's indirectly. It's not. It's yeah. She is the cause. She her her reporting resulted in, uh, you know, in her being gone from that place. So, is she not the cause? Wait, 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 wait. That. Chief, that's different. So, you, are you saying it's her reporting or the fact that she was contacting the employer? Because I think that's quite different. Well, I believe she contacted the employer, um, and I don't know if that contributed. But you don't know that. What? Okay. okay she guys, did that, that. guys, again, so what happened was, why uh, this, this is going to tie up a lot for you guys. Number one, what she did was in that article in the Washington Post, she actually posted a, a picture of the information of the business address registered to Chaya Rychik, who is lives of TikTok. She then had posted it. Washington, then she stealth edited it out. Washington Post had to issue a statement and then they removed it. So people went back into the archives looking for it. And that's when they discovered all of Taylor Lorenz's stuff was gone out of the archives. That's how people discovered it was because of that stealth edit, then subsequent statement by the Washington Post. So um, whether and, and it was actually a business license that was actually posted, and that's where her name get. And the only way and the only reason, especially when you are acting as a kind of... So back up, back up one sec. Yeah. So, you, so she posted the address, and then she stealth edited, which means she basically edited the address out, right? That and then Washington Post act like it, but it's yeah. Okay. That's, so it's indirect. I'm, I'm okay. sorry, but trash so it's not her... cutting out. What 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 did you say, Trash? You were cutting out, and I couldn't hear everything. Yeah, Trash, you are now. Mario's right. I didn't. It's actually quite bad. I don't know. I've got full bars. Um. Yeah, I'll try yeah. to. I'll try to get you to. Yeah, trash. If you can fix it as well, because I've you've been cutting out a lot. It's hard to hear you. Yeah, yeah. I I heard him actually. Oh shit! You did come to us. I heard him. Yeah, go ahead, chief. Um, he he was saying that this is kind of what I was getting to indirectly. Uh, he so Taylor Renz posted the business license of where the TikTok worked, which got people to know she works at X place. 
So that happened. And then Taylor Ren self-edited her piece. So instead of having a revision, you know, where you have the documentation on, on their website, she self-edited her article. And that's what happened. So she covered up her little doxing where she posted the business license of where Lizzie TikTok worked. So that's what I'm saying indirectly for. She's the cause of it by putting information online about where she works. It wasn't directly, you know, she going after them, right? Call, you know, like, uh, and then they saying, this reporter called me and that's why this person's gone. Um, they had the business license up and people contacted that business and she departed from that. So it's indirectly caused. Uh, that That's all it is. That's a fact. I mean, like, that, that, let's, let's, that caused I, this all. I think... Okay, so I think um, I'm, I'm going to start reading the thread in a couple of minutes. Um, we've got a pretty good panel here. But say, man, from everything you've heard so far, what would you summarize are the concerns? And I know you're very, just for, for disclaimer for the audience, Slayman is very critical of journalists, like extremely critical of journalists. Um, from what you've heard so far, yeah, yeah, I, um, I, what I, makes I, Taylor I, worse than other journalists? Yeah, yeah. What, for me, what makes her the worst, I mean, <laughs> there's so much... Um, so some of these arguments are a bit more weaker, but the stronger one for me was when she's basically using her power to censor a journalist, getting people banned. And more specifically, before we even knew all of this, was her using tactics, emotional tactics, because like she is a woman and, you know, people feel more emotions in that regard as well, uh, using that to make sure that no one can criticize her journalism. All right, so... Um, I yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, th I think these are all valid points. I think we're going to see, for me, the most concerning thing that was mentioned and what we're going to see in the, file, in the Twitter files now, and I'm going to read it out for the audience, is the, the use of uh, influence to censor people. For me, that's really concerning. Uh, and I want to see the audience, like if you can go through the audience points as well, uh, Slayman, see if there's any other points of concern, anything else that we missed. Um, yeah, but right I'll read out comments, other things. Right let me read out, let me read out according... Yeah, so comments is bottom right corner, that purple circle. Let me read out what uh, ChatGPT gave us. Gave me five reasons why she's hated. Hated misrepresentation. Some individuals believe that Taylor misrepresents or misunderstands certain online communities and subcultures. Boring. Number two, cancel culture and online harassment. Fucking cancel culture is insane now. Lorenz has been associated with reporting on cancel culture and online harassments. Some critics claim that her coverage often focuses on negative aspects. Yeah, welcome to journalism. Lame. Number three, Twitter controversies. Lorenz has been involved in several high-profile Twitter controversies where her interactions with other users have sparked heated debates. These incidents have led... Okay, I need to know more about point three. I think this is the... Uh, please give examples. I think this is Libs or TikTok examples. All right, let me read out the thread. Um, let me see if uh, trash is. I here. am back. Um, you guys hear me okay? Oh shit! Can you guys hear? Me? No. How are you? There you are. You're a speaker. Yeah. Let me call right. you. All right. Um, let me start reading out the thread. Uh, I've got it open in front of me. Front of me. So I'll, if you can pin it above uh, someone, uh, Max already pinned it above. No. If someone pin yeah, out the thread I above, please, my man. Pinned it All already. Right. Pin it again, so it just shows at the top. Or remove other pinned tweets so people can see it. Twitter provided privileged access to banning Queen Taylor Lorenz. Twitter engineers walking me through their reporting system. Wow, she's a heavy user. All right, let's start. That's the heading. That's the title of it. Tweet number two. Shortly after Elon Musk bought Twitter, Taylor Lorenz got apoplectic, writing that Twitter was opening apoplectic. Is that talking about an apocalypse? Writing that Twitter was opening the gates of hell by letting banned accounts back. 
Uh, I'm going to read out the, 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 the article there, the heading of the article she wrote. So Taylor just started creating a lot of, she was just very concerned about, uh, and a lot of people, especially people from the left, were concerned about all the accounts Elon was bringing back onto Twitter. And Taylor did a whole piece on it on the Washington Post. The heading is, Opening the Gates of Hell. Musk says he will revive banned accounts. The Twitter chief says he will reinstate accounts suspended for threats, harassment, and misinformation beginning next week. Number three. So, so, so that's important, isn't it, Mario? Because uh, essentially, I know we're going to come on to it, but I mean, she does that drama about Musk taking over, and obviously we're going to find out now why the reason, what is the reason for it. It's because she had inside access to get people banned. She had complete carte blanche to silence anyone who even dissented with yeah, her. But doesn't mean, yeah, yeah, but doesn't mean so her concern is not valid. A lot of people... That's why it's the apocalypse, because it'll be her apocalypse. Yeah, it could be, it could be, but also a cop apocalypse because it gets clicks for a news story. So being dramatic is pretty common for journalists. And uh, there were a lot of valid concerns from people from the left who like, had genuine concerns about all these accounts coming back onto Twitter. Um, well, I don't we'll agree go- with that. I, I think people from the left may have genuine concerns, but these journalists clearly had an agenda and were worried that they're going to be exposed. If ju- okay, so people from the left includes journalists. I don't get it. I'm saying some journalists might have had an agenda. I, who said that they include journalists? I'm saying people from the left, genuine people, normal people, fine, they, they were concerned. Genuine people. Bro, hold on, bro, bro. Ge- gen- what the fuck did you... Genuine people, normal people... Not every journalist is a bad person. You crazy journalists do some of the most important things name in our me, world. Name me There's one a, good person. Name good. me. Name I won't name. Hold on. Are you saying I'm not going to name you? Don't play that game with me. I can tell you right now. Name me one good surgeon. You don't know any. Does that mean there isn't any? My Naming friend, one my good friend, journalist. Friend, are you just saying? Are you? Are you? Hold on. Are you? Are you? So okay, bro. You get my point. Yeah. Don't play smart. Are you saying there's no good journalists out there? Hold on. Journalists that go die in the war to cover the story. I'm not saying they're not biased. I'm not saying the system is not flawed. I'm not saying there's a lot of journalists that are bad people. I'm not saying there are journalists that don't do a bad thing. But to go to an extreme and say journalists are all bad people. Ruin the, the the freedom of the press is one of the most important things we have in the West. Now I know it's not as exactly, free bro. as we'd like we it to be. Freedom. Let me finish the point. It's not as good as we'd want it to be. And I'm one of the main people bringing criticism to it. But I try to be objective. And when you make a statement, especially as the host, when you make a statement saying all journalists are bad, I think it's just disrespectful to all the journalists doing the right thing. You can't put any position, anyone, not all pol- even all politicians. You can't even say politicians obviously is a more difficult one to protect. But even all politicians are not bad things. There's politicians out there trying to do the right thing. Highlight the bad apples. Don't put everyone in the same basket. That's just very yeah. unfair. Okay, yeah, so Mario. let me let me come back on that because I was saying it as a joke, but now you're making me specify my position. So yeah, m- the mainstream media journalists are all bad. Obviously, there are certain journalists who aren't. So for example, Glenn Greenwald, I'll help you out, is one example of an excellent journalist, uh, someone you can respect uh, and you can value his content. Matt Tierby is another example. But in terms of mainstream media, I can't think of many, to be honest, but I'm sure you've got a, a few you can you can look up. So if I can real quick, I, I, I do want to, I'm actually going to read just real quick so I can bring kind of get the color to this and specifically why Taylor Lorenz and people of the ilk like her were actually very much loathed. So like her first line in that article, the Twitter chief says that he will reinstate accounts suspended for threats, harassment and misinformation beginning next week. And if we've learned anything from all the Twitter files of what they actually deemed misinformation, what a lot of times was malinformation, meaning it was information that was true but they didn't want people to react a certain way to it. So it was labeled as mal or misinformation. The other thing is 
is people like Taylor Lorenz, they report on violence, violence, literal violence, which are words, which has been carried out. And she has reported on this multiple times that misgendering someone or not using appropriate pronouns is violence and harassment towards somebody else. So you have to be very specific when they're using these words like this is because they're using it because it's just words that go against the narrative that they don't like. And that is the problem with people like Taylor Lorenz. I can actually name you about 15 journalists that I think could do an excellent work out there. But this is not one of them. This is an yeah, I think, I think, but yeah, I, I think I've, I'm glad, by the way, I'm just chatting to Taylor now. So I'll, I've asked her to give me some points. Uh, she cannot join this space. She's on the move. Um, so maybe another time. But I've asked her to give me some points to her perspective so I can mention them in the space as well. Um, so, but Trisha, I like the point you've made. Like we're, we're focusing on Taylor. Let's focus on Taylor. But for Slay Man, and, and I understand his concerns, but for Slay Man to come in and make a statement like all journalists are bad, it's just heartbreaking. It's ha- First, it's, it's just very disappointing. Uh, and Simon's an extremely close friend and, and someone I respect tremendously. Very disappointing, but also heartbreaking. Heartbreaking because it's it's a shame to see because of the media bias and how flawed the system is. It's a shame to see the the trust broken to such an extent where there is people that make such crazy statements. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So there's journalists. There's journalists. There's journalists. I'll just finish. I'll finish one last word. I'll finish one last word. There's journalists don't get paid much. And there's journalists that go to war zones so they can film atrocities we won't know about. I can give you a list of things. I can get it now. I'm sure I can get you a list of things, things that were exposed by journalists. And they don't make much money from it. So what's funny is that journalists exposing these things, they don't know how to make money from these things, yet they focus on exposing the story rather than profiting from the story. Obviously, I'm not saying, I'm sure you'll find bad apples, but doesn't put, make, um, they make them all bad apples. I'm just pissed off about it, man. Okay. Yeah, well, speaking Mario, of bad Mario, apples. Mario, 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 can I push back on that for a second? Don't get, Mario. don't get emotional. The issue is Mario. this. Look, let's be clear. When you've got the mainstream media, a corporate media complex, there's a reason why real journalists, distinguished journalists like Glenn Greenwald can't exist in those entities because that entity or that entity... What about... Yo, yo, what about... What about... Okay, what about the journalists? There's gonna, a journalist... Oh, yeah. Epstein. No, yeah, I will, I will. I'll let you finish. But there's, there's a journalist... Oh, when I was looking into Epstein, I'll get his name. There was a journalist that, that, that triggered the investigation into Epstein. And he made a statement. said, I'm not going to stop this. And he's still working at, at, uh, in what, what you call the mainstream media. Um, and he said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, I'll quit my job if they don't let me run with the story because it was such a groundbreaking story. And that was triggered the first investigation that led to the first arrest of, of Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein uh, and led to where we are today. So to put this so, journalist in the same basket as everyone else because everyone's bad is ridiculous. Okay. Well, Mario, do this. So now, look, wait, everyone, look at, your, look at your phone for a second, okay? Look at the speakers. Speakers, look at your phone. This is a simple thing. Raise your hand if Taylor blocks you on Twitter. Um, I was just. So I, I'm pretty sure she blocks half of the people on stage here and probably half of the audience. It's her MO. Look, okay. one, two, three, four, five. Yep. She Justin, Justin. Okay, okay. Justin, Justin. Oh, okay, you're in the same group on. as. Hold on. Let me ask she you, Justin, and I'll give you some and the ability I just to. Her. Yeah, okay, okay. So just Justin, on that point, yeah, good. Great, Justin. Wow. Well, Ian, uh, Ian, who's a friend of both of us, and we're both in the same group on WhatsApp, uh, he blocks a whole bunch of fucking people before before he used to do it more than he does now. Um, uh, Kim.com has probably a third of Twitter blocked. Uh, this is it's not that uncommon to find people yeah, blocked. It, I don't think those that are very anything. similar, very high intensity accounts, right? And, and I just it's context I think for talking about Taylor is she's very sensitive, and in fact, the big thing that I had a problem with Taylor is when she went on MSNBC and cried her heart out 
about how she's being harassed and everything else there. It's like she can dish it out, but she can't take it. And I, I have no problem. If she came and haunted me, that'd be fine. I, I And she could talk to my family, whatever she wants to do. But the minute that someone starts pushing back on her for her efforts, she folds like a card table, blocks you like it's no tomorrow. And she's just no journalist. She's just not a journalist. As far as my, my anyway, Mario, coming back to the point where I was speaking about before you before you didn't let me finish. When it comes and what I was trying, what I was saying was when it comes to the mainstream media establishment, to be part of that establishment, you won't exist in that. If generally speaking, obviously there might be some exceptions, but generally speaking, you will not exist in that complex, which is a propaganda based complex, which is there to manipulate the populace which is no longer there to hold power to account, which is what we want and we want him to go back to, is the reason okay, so why... so you've already stepped... You've already stepped... Hold on. You've already stepped back from your statement. So now you're saying, generally speaking, not... It doesn't... So you're saying it doesn't apply to everyone. Generally speaking, journalists can't function. So you've already well, moved away a bit from well, the statement of well, all of them. Well, but I'm let's move on. No, no, no. I'm saying generally, but okay, you can find me a journalist. And again... You may give a name. You gave an example of the Epstein one, but again, we don't know what the what what the what the what the situation on the back door behind the scenes. Whether there was a was a decision to go after him. For example, let me give you another example. I give credit to those people who exposed the Uyghur uh, situation in China, but at the same I'll time, give you more. I'll, I'll give no, you more, let, me finish, let me finish my point. Uh, but at the same time. One may argue, and actually a lot of people do argue this, that actually the only reason they did it is because that was going on for ages, but they only did it now because the West wanted to go. Oh, how about okay, okay? How about the Watergate? How about the Watergate? How about the Watergate? All right, okay, 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 bro. Okay, what about the Watergate scandal? Journalists Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein of the Washington Post uncovered the Watergate scandal, which eventually led to the resignation of President Richard Nixon. The <laughs> bro, Pentagon Papers. Are you joking? That's consistent with that. That's not, not inconsistent. That's exactly the sort of messaging that they want. It's good journalism. Fair point. Fair point. The point, that, the, point that Sul, the point that Suleiman is making is if you're a good journalist, even if you, you can be a great journalist, you will not be permitted to print any sort let of Let me give you, let me give, okay, let me, okay, investigative, the, the investigative, okay, how about Jody, Jody Cantor and Megan Twohy of the New York Times and uh, Ronan Farrow, the New Yorker, the the New Yorker uncovered multiple. They uncovered the sexual assault and harassment allegations against film producer Harvey Weinstein. Their reporting sparked the Me Too movement and led to a widespread reckoning of sexual exactly. misconduct. Exactly, that's my point. Uh, now they, I, I so, what saying, so what you're saying? So what you're gonna? So what you're gonna, what you're gonna say is they did it. So what you're gonna say? You're gonna say what you're gonna say, Slayman, is that? Oh, because because so what you're gonna say? So what you're gonna say now? Now let me say it for you. So now they started the Me Too movement is not evil movement. It was abused by some. Doesn't make it. Evil movement. Why are you so extreme with everything you say? Why are you bro, so binary, bro? I'm not binary. You oh, need to understand bro. the ramifications of these things when you're basically being all like arty farty about important issues like this. This is when you have a problem. Essentially, the Me Too movement has caused a massive shift in for society and is the reason, in my opinion, that is going to be the collapse of society. Well, hold on. Well, for the Epstein thing, wasn't there the Prada Veritas tape that kind of showed that uh, one of these ABC reporters said they had this story for years and they were told not to cover it? The, 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 yeah, the, Chief, can I jump in on that? Awesome, like, Chief, we're, that point. Well, I, I'll, I'll say real quick, real quick, I'll say this, like, the, the problem is that the mainstream media and how they operate and how a lot of them are biased. Everybody is biased. We all have biases. I have biases, you have biases. Everybody has a bias. Uh, but whether or not people choose to 
Bias and propaganda is different, Chief, though. When you try to manipulate the populace to create a narrative, that's what the Yeah, yeah, of course. And it happens more more times than not. So when, 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 like, this happens so much throughout the media, and we see selective reporting, and we see activists out of these reporters, we, we have a, a view of the media in a very harsh manner. So it's not... It's not uh, to say there's no good journalists out there. We can pick a couple, but the entire mainstream media has engaged in this selective reporting uh, in some capacity. At some, and it's like we have examples of collusion with media companies and governments, uh, media companies and private corporations to push agendas or propaganda out. Like this is the issue with the mainstream media. We should be uh, critiquing that and saying if we have actual objective journalism that you know is not going to be so slanted and people like taylor wren's popping out of the woodworks that would be actual journalism and we we don't see enough of that we see more of these activists and less of actual reporters that's the issue here yeah i think i think chief chief i think this so see this is a good way of articulating a point very objective way so you kind of what you're what you're saying is that the system itself is very biased what we're seeing is that bias slowly take over not only bias but you know influencing or propaganda or influencing based on their biases it's starting to become creep up and become gradually uh, more and more important and focus is moving towards that rather than just making money and focusing on being objective. So that, for example, the, the way you've described it and the way it's more of a systemic issue and journalists have to try to, they might cover a good story, but that story might not come out, might not get the same coverage because of the bias, is a good way of articulating it. But the, what really triggered me, so and that's, a, that's something we've talked about a lot in this space, but what really triggered me is when Slaman comes on and says, all journalists are bad. Um, that, that's just such an, such an extreme stance to take. Uh, I do want to start going through the thread. I'm not sure if any more comments. Please comment on the bottom right. I'm seeing all your comments. I appreciate all of them. Thanks. For all I'll stop time. doing that, bro. <laughs> Mario. The thing is, don't, don't just yes, talk about the topic. I'm gonna read your comments. I think yeah, Patrick, with, actually, Patrick, hold on. Let's, uh, Patrick, please. I, I want I want Patrick to speak. So Patrick, um, I I I, I want to ask you a question, um, and maybe you might you might have a stance that could uh, also strongly disagree with what I just said, but. When I say the system is flawed, when I say the system is corrupt, but to say, am I wrong to say there's journalists within this system? There's obviously a lot of journalists that are not doing the right thing. They don't give a fuck. They want to get paid and they just follow the rules um, that, are, that they have to abide by. But there's journalists doing the right thing. There's journalists dying covering stories that need to be covered and they don't get paid that much. So I, I want to kind of, I'm happy to criticize the system. But to go in and, and just start painting a picture that says all journalists are bad, I think it's just very dangerous. Can we just agree that good journalists are good and bad journalists are bad? Yeah, good. <laughs> I like how you said. Patrick, I'll let you wrap it up before we move on to the thread. Sure, yeah. And just firstly, there's only there's only two types of people in this world. Uh, the binary you're talking about, there's pro-tate and anti-tate. <laughs> just to back up slime in there. Um, so, uh, Mario, you know, some of them do make a lot of money. And, and the, what, what the problem is, and I think where a lot of the criticism comes from, is that these are not journalists that speak truth to power. These are journalists that defend the centers of power. These are journalists that are, are uh, habitually establishment gatekeepers. They're hired for that very reason. And they're rewarded uh, handsomely for their loyalty to the system so this idea of what a journalist used to be that ideal and those are there's still some good mainstream journalists out there but fewer and fewer as time goes by because the system is geared uh, against 
that sort of level of independence. And there's so much churn between, let's say, you know, government positions and media, between the intelligence services and government, and then to media again. There's like three or four revolving doors uh, that all these people just uh, go through in their career. And, they're, and, and often they're rewarded uh, for things that they do that probably are not in the best interest of, uh, of the public. And, and there's too many talking heads and too many journalists um, it, that, that are former government, for starters, former intelligence agencies, former military. And there's no, no independence whatsoever. Just like there's too many people in government agencies that are former uh, investment bankers that are from the big banks and then cycling back again into the regulatory agencies and the same with big pharma and the regulatory agencies and government again. So this is this incestuousness, I think, has taken hold of media and journalism and the real journalists are the are now off of mainstream and clearly the best ones, uh, Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald and a whole bunch of bevy of other you know, pretty good journalists uh, and bet ones that we don't even know the names of. And you probably don't know. They're not household names, but they're doing really great work and they're being attacked by the mainstream media. People like myself and my colleagues are the, 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 the mainstream are doing hit pieces on us. Anytime we scratch the surface of anything sensitive, whether it's the Huffington post, the BBC, the guardian, uh, NPR, NBC, I've 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 had I've been uh, uh, pursued by Vice. All these people—they're the, you know pumping you for information or trying to set you up for a fall because you're actually doing some work that could undermine the official narrative in a war zone, for instance. Let me let me kick off the let me continue with the thread. Um, so we're up to number three. And it's it's pinned above. Um, number three goes the month prior. Taylor. Okay, there we go. So this is where this is for me the most concerning part. And Kim, you were talking about this earlier as well. So it'd be good to get your thoughts. And um, if we miss anything as well, to highlight it. Good to have you back. So we're up to number three. The month prior, prior Taylor Lorenz got this tiny account banned. Surprise! The account detailed Lorenz as a Manhattan rich girl who attended Swiss boarding school, and whose uncle owns Internet Archive, thus erasing her past. Okay. So the thread is not saying unless it says it later. It, the thread itself doesn't say. Because I had a few people DM me that this is not factual, and and I'll ask Taylor now, um, in, when when you guys are speaking, I'll just ping her and see if if that's true or not, or what she says on this. That's erasing her past, uh, but yeah, the thread doesn't make that statement. Someone made it, and then the concerning part is that Taylor Lorenz got that account banned, and there's a screenshot of the tweet, um, or the thread that that person made, and it seems that thread did didn't go viral, but does definitely got a lot of engagement. Number four, but did fear the flo- floof? Let me see if that account still exists. No, still suspended, shit. Um, but did Fear the Floof violate Twitter's rules? Nope. No ban evasion, abuse, harassment towards Taylor Lorenz, platform manipulation, or the sharing of personal information. Inverted commas. The account was generally healthy and mostly conversational or commentary in nature. This is according to, I think, Twitter. Let me see. Um, I think that's how Twitter came. Does that how, who said that the account was generally healthy, mostly conversational or commentary yeah. nation? I think that's that Paul that Commons. Twitter, team? I think that's Paul Commons after he reviewed the account. Okay, cool. So that's tweet number four. Let me read a yeah. couple more. By the way, Mario, yeah. about yeah, while, while we're on Taylor, because I'm not, I don't have much time. I just want to point out there's an ongoing lawsuit that was filed by Ariana Jacobs against Taylor Lorenz uh, because of the fact that uh, allegedly. That Taylor works her PR place 
basically is in competition was in competition with Ariana for representing young social media influencers. And she put out a devastating hit piece, hit piece, which Ariana claims is full of lies that's basically designed to state, to, to allege a claim that Ariana had been taking advantage of her clients. I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure in what way, but I, I, whether it was financially or, or in other ways, but basically what, what Ariana claims to be a complete set of lies. And Taylor never disclosed the fact that her own PR team are like basically the primary competitor for Ariana Jacobs. So that's a, that's a situation where she's, where she's potentially using her power and influence to, to bludgeon a competitor without disclosing to the public that she has a bias against Ariana based on the competitive nature of, of, of her associates and Ariana. So is that, is that, so is that, that an abuse? So logic is, so that's an abuse of power. So maybe you want to summarize Logic's point. I know he's on the move, so I can hear it too well. Sorry, I, I was I was just checking something. I didn't fully hear, hear what he said. Uh, great, great co-hosting, bro. All right, so so I'm gonna keep me, that in mind. Logic and get through. It. No, no, I, I got it. I, no, no, all good. I, I no, no, I I heard you. I did my job and actually heard what you said. So I'm gonna add it to the thread as we continue the discussion and we paint a character here. And and I'll try to keep pushing back as well to kind of balance out the panel since Lauren uh, Taylor and and we haven't been able to get anyone from her team or friends. To join us, so I'll try to do that myself. Number five. Nonetheless, Twitter so suspended Mario, the Mario, account. Mario, I think you should read the image because I think that's imperative. Uh, yeah. Which one? The image in yeah. tweet number four? Yeah. Yeah, so that's what the image is, is. And what it is, is it's saying this is all the feedback, basically all the feedback from all the reporting, all the reports on like flag tweets. You want to read the... it, Trash? Yeah, sure. I mean, absolutely. Well, just summarize it. It's just very detailed. Maybe just summarize it would be better, no? No, no, it's only four bullet points, Mario. Okay. All right, go ahead. Trash, yeah, you want to so, read that uh, screenshot? Yeah, it's just saying we reviewed the account and did not see any linkage via our tools or similar profile signals to Rob Province. Basically saying that this Rob Province is another person connected to the Fear the Floof guy, uh, which is not. Neville the Cat or whatever is not. Uh, it's also saying it's generally healthy, mostly conversational and commentary, not spamming. Uh, no abusive safety policies are being broken. Uh, no possible sole purpose of harassment towards Taylor Lorenz. We can only see one interaction between the accounts. No other mentions aside from the tweets flagged. Uh, no, no action needs to be taken. No spam or platform manipulation detected. Uh, and then it has that the list of the tweets. So it's basically saying that this is all of what this is in response to all the reporting that Taylor Lorenz by sharing it and then accusing this person of attackment, attacking and harassment all that this mass reporting that occurred by her ginning up this this thing that this person is hateful because he put together public information thread about her she didn't so like what's it important there, what's important there for me is like she's claiming harassment or like a campaign right. against her and there's only right. one interaction between them <laughs> right and it's a mass reporting event well, right that's how a lot of accounts get taken down i'll say this like because the, the thing that makes this one special right she went on nbc was crying about harassment and she made this whole big you know, uh, you know, video, you know, video interview about this whole thing when she was engaging in harassment, um, and well, she was and she was engaging in this type of you know dirty journalism, I'll call it, um, that you know really hurt people. Uh, and for her to collude with the private company like Twitter to get people removed, it really shows that this person is engaging in like some you know dirty type of tactics, but. When there is pushback, she plays the victim, and that—that's the problem I have. Like she, yeah, yeah, that's a. I think that's, that's a good, a good. That's a valid concern. But for me, her playing the victim and stuff. Look again, I, I, I see this shit all the time. 
I see a lot of politics. I see a lot of these things in Slam, and you're probably starting to see those things happen as as you co-host the space with me. This happens a lot, guys. This happens in business. This happens in life. And the more people you deal with, you know, I have over 100 employees at my companies, and, and, and I deal with this shit all the time. For me, that's just human nature. What concerns me is her ability to get an account suspended that easily and the influence she has within Twitter. That is a very valid concern and, and one I really want to focus on. But let me, let me read a few more tweets in the thread. Um, number five, nonetheless, Twitter suspended the account because it, quote, violates the Twitter media policy. I don't know what the Twitter media policy is. The account then deactivated. Um, well, why that's important, Mario, is because, look, you see, in a pro- and, and I think this is a good cut-off point, because you see in a process where Twitter is going through a process of checking if this account is violated. So it looks at the harassment, and she's only done one tweet. It looks at, um, for example, whether the account is, um, what was it again? Uh, you know, whether it's um, being abusive and then the, it doesn't meet that part. So it's went through four bullet points and showing that, it, look, it didn't meet any of them requirements. And despite growing through that process, they still banned the account. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to invite Adriana Jacob. She's been on the space before talking about Taylor. I don't know how we talked about Taylor in the past, uh, but we have. Um, so I think she can offer some good um, context here. Uh, Joa, anything to add before I, I invite, before I send an invite to Little Miss Jacob? Yeah, I mean, I'm just like kind of like, okay, one more person that could censor. Don't we already know that Twitter lean left and and you know people yeah, were, we're talking using about it to we're censor. talking about yeah, but we're talking about journalists now. I never thought it was that it was that easy. It's that, that easy it, to get influence within Twitter. For example, you run a company, Mario. Like, imagine you're friends with a good uh, with someone who's always looking at the news. So you tell him, hey, anytime you see something interesting shoot me a text, right? This person was supposedly fact-checking things and would say, hey, here's false stories, right? And it kind of says it says that in a thread as well. Um, who knows if she just wasn't working with Twitter as like a person looking for false stories. I don't, I, look, I don't like her. Wait, wait, you can have from because up to now in the thread, that doesn't, it doesn't say that, does it? It says, I saw in one article that it was basically she would point out what was misleading information. And that's what was the reason. Well, we're, we're talking, well, first of all, we need to look at that because, again, this is the, uh, this is the point. She was, she was claiming misleading information. She was claiming harassment. And now when we're looking at the information, nothing meets the requirement, even according to Twitter themselves. They're going through a process and it doesn't meet that requirement. So, so for me, it's what Mario said. What makes this much more bigger is that it's journalist. So, yeah, people are trying to, like, for example, cancel me, censor me. But that's different. But that's a that's a hater. That's whatever they may do. But this is like a journalist who has a responsibility to take power to account, and yet she was using that to basically censor people. Yeah, like hey, the look, willingness, the willingness to censor. Yeah, uh, but the, the willingness to censor happens all the time. Like if this is a nothing burger. I can promise you, if anyone had influence to remove people from this space, or to get accounts banned on Twitter, or to get whatever, if you give anyone that level of influence. They're going to abuse it. Most most or large, a large chunk of people will abuse it. The fact that they were able to is the main, the, the, the main point of concern that I have, Joa. Yeah, but if, what you're saying if, is that it's, if, we know this already and it's – well, go ahead. Yeah, if this was the first that we hear of anyone being able to ban something on Twitter, big deal, right? It would be a big deal. The fact that it's one more person, we don't know what her relationship was. We don't know if they looked to her to like – Maybe she was, was bribing. Let's see, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's let's see. Let me read a bit more. Maybe she was bribing. We don't know. Like some people on the panel that might have read it already, 
maybe people, some, some people in the audience read it. But let's see what we do know. Six, a month prior to that, Lorenz went after um, Batacharya, who's been on our stage before, for tweeting an email, email by a friend and and itinerant blogger, Walker Bragman, Batacharya. Okay, I don't know how to say that name. But we have Batacharya tweeted an email by her friend and another blogger. They were both uh, suspended. She went after them. Let's see what she did to them. Batacharya tweeted a harassing email Bragman sent him and it had Bragman's contact info. Okay, maybe Kim, you've read the thread. Can you tell us more about this particular story instead of me trying to read it and understand it? Yeah, I could, but I'm, Are you there, Kim? I'm currently uh, in another conversation. I'll be right back. No worries. I got this. Bragman no played... Oh, good. Here, I'll... George, yeah, I'll... yeah, Trash, you go ahead. Go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually a screenshot out of the Gyra reporting system. We saw this in other Twitter files drops. Uh, the Gyra reporting system was used, and it had connections not just within Twitter. So basically what this is is a ticketing system where you flag content that needs to be moderated or accounts that need to be taken down. And basically you had this Gyra system put in because Yul Roth was getting requests for censorship or requests for suspension or, or uh, some kind of other action through several different people. He wanted to kind of optimize the system. So they had this Gyra ticketing system. And what you're seeing here is an email uh, into this Gyra ticketing system, basically a ticket that was put up by uh, Lirial uh, at Higgin News Partnerships. So this is kind of like a media watchdog type organization. I would call it a censorship apparatus, but I'll try to be fair here. Uh, and they actually sent this in the ticket about Dr. Bhattacharya, um, who was obviously very critical during COVID, so on and so forth. And that's why his stuff was always flagged. Uh, but this this screenshot here says Taylor Lorenz, a reporter at one of my part uh, at one of my partners, just flagged this tweet to me that shows the email and phone of Walter Bragman, a journalist who is writing a story about Dr. J. Bhattacharya. Uh, please note that Walter Bragman is not one of my partners. However, he is verified and has turned his tweets private, suggesting this tweet is causing unwanted attention. So basically, uh, th this Walker Bragman guy sent an email to Dr. J. Bhattacharya, who was critical during COVID. And it was very hateful. I don't I don't recall exactly what it said, but I remember seeing it and said because he posted it and had it. I guess it has email address on there or something. He didn't scrub out the screenshot. He's saying he's trying to dox him and this and that and the other. And he's now this Walter Brogman's being a, a targeted and harassed because of the things he was saying to Dr. Bhattacharya. So his tweets are private now. We've got to do something. And this is the impetus to try to get Dr. Bhattacharya taken down. So this is how another way that they were using it. Um, and it was yes, a, so I was going to ask, so what's the goal? Because yeah. they're complaining about that person being targeted. Which is like, uh, would be do. But what you're saying is that was used as a way to to, to censor Dr. or to get the account, uh, Dr. Bhattacharya's account taken down. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Yes. That's what that's, that's what this okay, is saying. Okay, Yeah. Okay, can you, can you read number seven and eight then, yeah. if you don't mind reading but, that one, but, please? But Thank that you. plays into my point of it being like an external, like you just talked about an external ticketing system. Where no, no. reporters that, could say flag things as misleading. No, no, that was a that was a, a backdoor system, wasn't it? Trash. Yes, Gyra. That was even used by the Intel. That's correct, and it was being used by Intel communities. It was being used by media groups like this. It was being used by a lot of people, specifically though the Intel communities. Yeah, but that means so. So what you're saying, um, what you're saying, Joe, is that that was built for people to request those things. So th the request itself, not bad. Anyone, any of us can send that request. So is that what you're saying, Joe? That anyone, right, if there's exactly. a backdoor, if there's a system created for people to send out requests, whether they see intelligence, etc., what's the big deal? They just 
you're just giving them the ability to send reports as long as Twitter follows their guidelines before acting on those reports. That's not that concerning. And what you're going to say, probably trash now as you read through the thread, is we're going to see that they did not follow their pro protocol and they probably acted on um, bias or personal we, favors. Or yeah, so we actually know that from previous Twitter files. So Global Engagement Center Twitter files drop was really good at, at, at illustrating this, where they were getting to up to 50,000 requests a day. There were just buckets of usernames. And these were actual Americans, right? And what they were doing where they were using the, the rules of propaganda and censorship for international propaganda campaigns. And then they, what they were doing is they were taking these tranches of accounts that were I don't know, maybe spreading malinformation was the biggest one, right? True information, but it went against the narrative of what they wanted. And so what they were saying was that these people were, were spewing Russian disinformation or Hindu nationalist misinformation or whatever. But these were American citizens that were not part of any of these groups. But this global engagement center was then taking tranches of these accounts. They were, they were sending them through the driver ticketing system and they were not going one by one. They were just nuking them. They were just taking them out right away. So they had full unfettered access and full control over who they wanted to censor and not. And that's what this gyro ticketing system came out through the Twitter files. But this one specifically, I'm, I bet Paul can talk more about this because he just got here. But that's what I'm seeing here when I see this screenshot of the gyro ticketing system. So I'd be interested, Paul, to see what you found when you were reporting on this some more. So uh, what happened was I, had, I knew that um, Jay Bhattacharya had been, um, <clears throat> had been, since, uh, had been suspended um, for whatever reason, it had something to do with with, with Walker Bragman. Now, like, let me just tell you something about Walker Bragman. Um, look, I mean, to some degree, like, there, I, I wrote a law on disclosure of financial conflicts of interest when I was in the Senate. Um, so you can now look up your doctor and see if your doctor is being paid for by a pharmaceutical company. It's a really important issue. And the reason why we did that is because every time we ran into a um, – a, a corruption scandal involving pharma, inevitably, it, the only reason why they were able to do this stuff is because of, of doctors helping them. The doctors wrote, wrote the prescriptions, they did the studies. You can't have pharma corruption without comp complicit doctors. And so we wrote that kind of issue. So I'm very well aware, I spent years on this issue before I like to start yammering about like what financial conflicts of interest are. And so Bragman has written several stories about this stuff, trying to tie um Bhattacharya to the Koch brothers. And there is there is some like some some threads that's like actually true. But I talked to Jay about this, like what happened, who was funded, whatever. I don't want to get on down into all this stuff. But when he got banned, I went to Twitter and I was like, well, who got him banned? And I saw that it was um Taylor Lorenz, based upon the fact that after um, Walker Bragman sent him an email asking a bunch of misleading questions and, you know, why wouldn't you stop beating your wife questions? He then got pissed off and tweeted that email out. It's like, hey, here's how this guy's harassing me. And in the process, you see Bragman's phone number and email. Now, now let me tell you something. You can look right now on Twitter and a lot of reporters have their phone numbers in their Twitter accounts. Because you need to be able to contact them. That's how journalism works. You can't be a functioning but they, journalist but they, but they, without people being so, able to contact so, so, you. So Paul, the whole thing Paul, never two questions. sense. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you can't yeah, hear yeah. me. Oh, you can hear me. Yeah. Perfect. First, Paul, I want to give you a massive shout out. Not because only you came on. We came on. You're in Italy, I think. So it's very, very late for yeah. you. So I appreciate you actually coming on at this time. Um, so, Paul, uh, two, uh, two questions. Um one, do we know this is the reason why he got suspended? Is it causation, correlation? And question number two is, 
Uh, yes, so you're allowed to post your own contact information. I'm not really defending what's happening, but you know, we try to have a lot of pushback and debates here. So you, a, a journalist or someone's allowed to post their own contact information, but to post someone else's contact information could be is a breach of terms uh, of terms of, of the policy of Twitter's policy. Is that correct? Well, so like, just okay. So yes, I am. I am. I'm in Spain actually. Um, and so like, I'll give you how, kind of how crazy some of this stuff. I, I've actually tweeted out. Um, emails and documents released under the Freedom of Information Act request or state uh, corollaries to that act. And in that, it might have a phone number or whatever. This is now public information. The government has now said it's public information. But because I tweeted out a publicly available document from the government, I, w- I was once suspended because it had someone's like whatever personal whatever on there. It's like this idea that like you can't like this, there's this like bright line, like if I share it, whatever, that's kind of nonsense. Like, look, you can find my number in my email on my personal website. Why? Because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a working journalist and I need people to be able to contact me if they want to give me something. So this whole thing was kind of nonsense from the beginning. It was like, it was like, what was, it was, no, 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 like, it's like, it was like Neymar diving in the middle of a, of a soccer match. Like, do people get kicked in but soccer then, but matches? Wouldn't you yes. have, wouldn't you, but it was diving. But wouldn't you have two phone? Wouldn't you have two phone numbers, a business one and a personal one? I'll give you an example. We had one speak. We had Tom Fitton who was on stage, and we had another speaker, William Legate, who shared his phone number, who texted him. So he had his phone number. Tom, right. like I, everyone went crazy in telling me to remove William for sharing his phone number. Everyone was saying this is a big deal and they should never be allowed. It should be banned from the space. But he didn't. He didn't share uh, number, Mario. Just, but he just texted him. He texted him, yeah, but then the yeah. fact that he had his number, so he didn't even share it. So sharing it is even an, a, 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 even worse than that, Simon. So what I'm saying is that, you know, some, it's a big deal when it is, but it's not a big deal. Isn't Taylor Lorenz, wasn't she uh, criticized for doxing the, uh, I don't know what details of uh, Libs of TikTok? So I, I don't know, like if, if you have your business number, it's one thing, but if you share your personal number, then people could just abuse that. Um, and that would be concerning. But then you make the argument, but that if that number is available publicly, then anyone should be able to share it. But then you go to Twitter. How would Twitter know what's public or what's not? And they just make a policy. Hey, don't share the contact details of someone else. It just makes it you – know, it, it's tricky territory. It's very hard to know it, to say, hey, this is right, this is wrong. Um, what, what do you think of this slime man before we continue? Well, I, 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 I agree, with, I agree with like that's kind of the, the case. But I think the problem is that like what – what 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 triggered this suspension was the, of sharing a working journalist purported like private information. Like as a working journalist, you have to have information public so that people can contact you. That's how it works. And so then after I saw this, I went through other the, the entire reporting system that involved Taylor Lorenz, and that's when I found these other examples. Like that just triggered the initial issue. You know, so I don't want to get stuck and, on this and, this and, like and issue about what is be, doxing, what is not. And to be honest, like let's really be clear. Care. Yeah, and to be clear, let's be. I mean, let's be clear. The reason she wanted, or people wanted him banned, is because of his anti-COVID policies. Right. Well, right. Well, exactly. That's, that's what triggered it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and I think we're we're up to number. We're up to tweet now. We haven't gone through the entire thread yet, Paul. So maybe we'll get, we'll get you to summarize it. We're up to number. I think you've read seven. seven. The Bragman I, trash. The Bragman. Do you want to read that one quickly? Then we get Paul's yeah, thoughts on real it. Quick. Yeah, number seven. Uh, Bragman played uh, this all up on Twitter, of course, to call attention to himself, uh, retweeting Bhattacharya's tweet before people made fun of him for, quote, doxing himself. Uh, Manhattan rich kids playing at journalists are easily bruised, it seems. <laughs> and then it shows a tweet from Martin Koldoff below. Um, <clears throat> I guess it was somebody responding, it looks like, that said, you know, Dear Walker Bragman, your tweet below contains your email address, so you may want to delete it. Just friendly advice since you want it private. 
Uh, Dr. Bhattacharya is still locked out, and I don't want that to happen to you. So, yeah, they, they, I guess they pointed out that you... question, Mario, doesn't it? He actually had it out, out there himself. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but, but the point I was making is like it's hard for Twitter to know. So Twitter's policy, I think you're not allowed to share someone else's contact information because Twitter doesn't know what's public, what's not public. And they they're trying to figure out each case. So it's put a blanket rule of not allowing to share it. But obviously, you know, it's hard to deny this was abused uh, with a certain agenda in mind. Um, but um, yeah, I was just trying to push back on the on the concept of sharing one's contact information because in some cases everyone goes crazy when it happens, but in other cases they're like, yeah, but this is pretty normal. You know, you're a journalist, for example, sharing your contact information should be um, should be okay. But uh, let, let's go to the next uh, point of concern, trash, and we get Paul's thoughts yeah. on it. Where are we up to? Yeah, so we're at number eight, and I'll, I'll go ahead and read this real quick. But Paul kind of already brought this up. However. Uh, tweet nine is where it's going to start to get pretty spicy because Alejandro Caraballo is a whole other topic on itself. But number eight, Bragman's game is to constantly accuse people of, quote, being co-funded, as you mentioned. You know, FYI, source. So, yeah, source fun funded you, uh, Paul, uh, for a 2019 BMJ conference. It's not quite the same thing uh, as making you completely source funded like some of these DAs, I might add. But but there was it was basically to go make a plan. Uh, it's like trash. trash. Like we can never yeah. have a space without Soros somehow coming into it. Hey, it's right here in the thread. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not criticizing for it. It's just funny how Soros is yeah, in I know. every <laughs> single discussion recently. Uh, all right, what's the next one? Because you said the next one's pretty juicy. Yeah, well, we're, now we're starting to get into it because Alejandra Caraballo uh, is another one altogether. She, she, he, whatever, I don't know, they, whatever their pronouns are, was on Capitol Hill, and this is actually what's prompting this. So, um, number nine. Uh, several of Lorenz's past reporting targets uh, tell me she seems to work in concert with her sources. After Lorenz doc lived a TikTok, Shire, uh, Kaya Rychek, uh, in the post, Alejandro Caraballo sent Twitter a private letter to remove libs of TikTok. Lorenz quoted Caraballo in the post the next month. So I'll just give you a little bit of background. Alejandro uh, Caraballo is a trans activist and is also one of these people that, that was floating around uh, Twitter and was having these like hyper mass reporting events to try to get people removed. I don't know for maybe saying the wrong pronoun, gender, whatever. Uh, but this Alejandro Caraballo is is a pretty uh, notorious and vicious uh, trans activist on Twitter. I was on Capitol Hill, and I, I'm trying to remember when this was because this uh, email down here, somewhere around that time. I'll read the email. Uh, this is from Alejandro, and this was to Twitter. It looks like. Uh, so good morning. I'm reaching out on behalf of the coalition of multiple LGBTQ. Uh, I plus and anti-hate organizations that have come together around our grave concerns about the imminent public safety risk posed by Libs of TikTok account. Mm -hmm. The attached letter details this account's hateful conduct and the impact it is having on children's hospitals, LGBTQ community events and venues, and LGBTQ teachers and school staff. We believe this account is directly inciting violence and hate against the LGBTQI plus community. Uh, we ask that Twitter take action to suspend the TikTok permanently to prevent prevent further harm to the to the LGBTQ community, as well as address the torrent of anti-LGBTQ hate allowed to flourish on your platform. The letter is not public and is only addressed to Twitter executives. We would like to schedule a meeting within the coming days regarding this matter, and we greatly appreciate it if you could respond by Tuesday, October 11th. And that is from Alejandro Caraballo. Uh, basically a clinical instructor, cyber law clinic, Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society, Harvard Law School, pronouns, of course. Um, but this is now, and the people that were actually... So, how so before you, I mean, before, before you go on, um, Trash, <clears throat> just on that, um, obviously we know Alejandro uh, Carabello, who's basically a self-proclaimed 
misinformation expert. So, Paul, if you want to just um, ex- expand on that, because what was her agenda to try and get Libs of TikTok banned? And what was your thoughts when you when you saw that? Well, first off, I'll just point out, you'll notice that like I redacted part of the phone number there. <laughs> Just back to our back to our, our prior discussion about like not doxing people. I actually I did it the last minute right before I put that up there. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Like, I, again, you have to understand. I'll just give you my, my background on this stuff. I don't follow lips. I did not follow lips of TikTok. I didn't know who they were at all. I kind of had a sense that there was this thing floating around on Twitter called lips of TikTok. And what happened is when Taylor Lorenz wrote her story about them, I read that story and I thought, this is some really weird reporting. What's going on here? And so then I, at that point, started following them. It was a TikTok. And I thought like, okay, this is just someone making fun of like nutty liberals. Like what's wrong with this? And that's when I first realized that time, this is like back in like almost a year ago, 10 months back. There's something really weird going on with Taylor Lorenz, right? Like there's something really odd and weird about her reporting. Now, I can't tell you exactly what's going on. I don't know. So again, I don't know anything about like libs of TikTok and Kaya and her arguments with um, Caraballo. Like I don't know, but it's pretty obvious what's happening here is they're trying, they, they they, they want libs of TikTok off. Um, and so what I remember at the time was there was also like Libs of TikTok was, there was then Taylor Renz did multiple stories. There was something about when Libs of TikTok did something about like transgender surgeries for like minors at some hospital. And then like, oh, this is creating hate. And then it came out later, like, but actually they are doing these surgeries when they say they're not like, here's the webpage. So like, I'm just, I, I only peripherally paid attention to some of this stuff. Like it's not something I focus on, but, um, there's definitely something, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but like as an American who lives in Spain and I'm outside the country, so like I'm an American and I'm part of you guys, but I'm also like, I'm at a distance right now. There's something really weird going on in America now with transgender issues, which is not normal. And I don't know what that is because in my life as a man who's 53 years old, I know one transgender person, one, one, one guy um, who became a woman like in the last like six years. But I read these stories all the time in the media, and it's really weird. There's something weird going on here, which I weird, don't weird get. How, Paul, I, know, I know we're moving a bit off subject, Paul, but I'm curious on this point. Weird how? Is it like talked about way – like it just become too mainstream, too divisive? How is it weird? I, I think the fact that like I know one transgender person in my life, and I know a lot of I know, people. I know I know none personally. Like oh, personal, okay. I don't okay. know. I don't. I don't know many. I don't know many people personally. But I agree with you. There's just not not, not that many around. Okay, but how but, does that relate and, and, to how how it's being covered in the U.S.? So I can tell you right now is what happened when I first realized something weird was going on. Was a friend of mine at the Washington Post, believe it or not. We were talking on the phone. It was, I think this was last summer. Or maybe it could have been the, the summer before, but like within like last year. And it was like, have you noticed all the trans stories appearing in the posts? And I was like, oh yeah, there's there's quite a few. Is it there? It's like, don't you think that's a little bit weird? And I was like, and that's when I thought about like, based upon the number of stories that I see in the Washington Post about trans people versus the number of people I know who are trans versus like, let's say the number of working class Mexicans that I know, like 
I don't see those stories in the post. It's just yeah. been very weird. But isn't, isn't just, but isn't isn't just uh, Paul? Isn't, you know, weird things go viral all the time. Things that are that that just sound like they're not as important, but they just they just either they're too divisive or they're designed to go viral. For example, in terms of any anything about trans, you know where I see it go viral more than the mainstream media, social media. People love to share those videos. Uh, in most cases, criticizing um, the trans community or certain aspects of the trans community. Um, so is it just people that are paying attention to this because the story clicks and it's become very political? Um, no, or is it the mainstream the media? Sorry? I think I think the mainstream media is out of whack from the rest of America. Like, I mean, I don't mind if there's trans stories. I mean, there's trans people. Like, we have to have journalism on that. We have to have stories explaining, like, what's going on with these people. Like, what's happening in their lives like that. But, like, I mean – it's so out of whack the number of stories that appear in the mainstream media compared to that population. But doesn't that, doesn't that mean, but Paul, doesn't that mean just people are loving those stories, getting clicks? Their incentive is to, in most cases, obviously, with the biases. That, and, that, and that, 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 that might that might very well be. That could very well be. Yeah, that could very well be. Yeah. But it is it is weird. Like I agree with you though. It's just covered way too much. Uh, Kim, any any comments on this? Uh... On this particular point, before Trash continues with the thread? Yeah, there's a very simple explanation for why all of a sudden the LBGTQ topic is exploding in the U.S. And, um, you know, it's endorsed and, uh, you know, there's even promotion for it in schools. Because um, in a recent study, uh, it shows that 86% of the LBGTQ community vote Democrat. So the more... LBGTQ stories there are and the more people they can turn into changing their get genders, the more likely it is that they, they increase the vote. Uh, the other th That's also happening with illegal immigration. 90% of people that uh, become eventually, uh, you know, eligible to vote in the U.S. that have immigrated uh, illegally and have been supported for years by the Democratic Party are all becoming Democratic voters. So there's a very simple explanation to why these things are happening. It's the Democratic Party harvesting potential future votes. And add and talk to people about why Democrat rather than have them change their gender to vote democrat and also like aren't they aren't, could they be democratic or liberal before they change their gender and then they change their gender so i just don't think the argument i think the immigration one it clicks more for me but to encourage people to change their gender to vote more I will, liberal i will put the study uh, i will put the study in the nest for you mario and you should have a look at it we'll check you know it it's quite interesting because um when you now have uh, drag shows at schools to educate young children about their right to be different, you know, and almost kind of putting it into their heads, they would never maybe even have had these thoughts, but you will see a massive increase in the next decade of, you know, youth changing their genders simply because the, they were indoctrinated with that stuff at a school age and there is a method behind it and the method is and you see it it's primarily happening on the left the method is to create more voters for the democratic party in the future should, should we stop I mean, just Kim? to add to, just i mean just to, oh, sorry go, go ahead Joel. Should, should we should we stop it kim 
because I, I isn't, think, that, isn't I think, that censorship? Yeah, I think here's the here's the problem, right? Kids can be indoctrinated. Kids throughout history have always been the subject of propaganda. You just have to look at regimes like in North Korea, where kids at an early but, age are taught. Uh, who their enemy is, how they have to fight the enemy, uh, who who their god is, you know, in, in the leadership of the North Korean government. But that's true for it's true for adults though too, Kim. That this is my whole argument about censorship. It's like sometimes it's good, sometimes like stopping school, like stopping a teacher from bringing in someone who's trans into the classroom to talk about their story. You don't want it. We should censor it. Well, just yeah, think about I, how I absurd it is. Just think. Agree. Just think about how absurd agree. it is that you ban religion from school. You are not allowed to teach kids about Christianity or, uh, you know, the Muslim faith. Uh, but you, it's okay for you to teach them at a young age that they can choose their gender when they are easily manipulated. I don't think that makes any sense. I'm just trying to keep it on subject. When is it okay to censor? Because we're talking because a lot of people are like censor-free maximalists. Let, let's let's guys. Let, 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 I, I want to go back to the thread because I know Peter. I don't want you to fall asleep while we're doing the spaces. I know again it's like what four, three, four a.m. What is it? Two, three a.m. in uh, Spain. Spain time. Let me check. Oh, uh, two yeah, a.m. almost. I'm now at one one thirty. One thirty. One thirty. I'm about to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, let, let, all right, let, let me go through a bit more of the thread. Where are we up to trash? Which number? Uh, right now we're on number 10, but this is the same email. It's just actually showing uh, a response um, and then who the, all the emails to. So what I was going to bring up earlier was I wanted to note this, that Alejandro Carbio has Vigigati's actual Twitter, official Twitter email that this letter was sent to. Paul, so she, let, me, I, let me do this. Let me, let me do this. Try, uh, uh, Peter, I've got two questions for you. So I'm talking to Taylor Lorenz in the background. I'll read out what she said as well. Because um, you can't jump into the space. So I'll read that out in a bit. But my first question to you, Paul, is can you just give us a summary of what's left in the thread? Like, what have you learned? What do we know from the um, from the Twitter files that you covered in your thread? We're going to continue reading them afterwards. Um, and then number two question is, have you heard back from uh, any pushback from Taylor Lorenz or anyone from her team or friends or, or anyone else that you could share as well? So the first thing that we, um, like, just from looking, like, first off, like, I realized as soon as I started asking questions about Taylor Lorenz, I got a lot of people contacting me, which I was not expecting because I don't know Taylor Lorenz. I don't know social media. And I learned a lot about what a terrible reporter is she is. And I put some of that stuff in here, like a couple of statements from people who've signed affidavits after lawsuits. And then we also noticed further down that, like, after Tucker Carlson did this very short piece on her, like, about two minutes or something like that, you know, and again, this, what, what, what Twitter did is they sent out this email saying, Hey, we got to be careful with her to all their top people, like to watch for her on Twitter. Well, like, look, I've been harassed like hell on Twitter. Like, I mean, I wrote a story about Monsanto in like 2015 and the shit that I got on Twitter, I woke up the next morning and there'd be like 18, like direct messages to me, like what an asshole I am. You know, and I was like, what is this? Like, it was very weird for me. Like, it was actually very, like, physically assaulting to me to wake up to have this kind of stuff. I'd written only factual stuff about Monsanto, which, by the way, it's such a terrible corporation. Like, when Bear bought them, they they destroyed the name. Like, that's how bad this corporation is. And they're gone as a corporation, but they're still in litigation for terrible things they've done, right? 
So, you know, Taylor Renz had this ability, like, you know, to get all this help from everyone. And then what she did also is she helped one of her sources, which, again, this is kind of weird. And I don't know from the story exactly if she was helping the person directly. She's probably going to try to say, like, well, I was doing this as part of my reporting process. But this guy got his, you know, account killed. And so he went to Taylor to, like, you know, bring it directly under the nose of, people at Twitter to get his account turned back on because a lot of people have lost their accounts, but they don't have anyone who like brings you up to the front of the line to say like, Hey, please look at this guy's account. That's what Taylor did, you know? Um, And so I think that's kind of um, what we have um, from the total Twitter files. But, you know, the thing that I learned about Taylor is that um, she has some incredibly unorthodox reporting tactics. I sent, um, uh, emails to herself and to um, to um, the Washington Post. I'll read you. Let me see if I can find this one. Um, if I can find this one email that I sent to her, which I can't seem to find. Um, I'll just give you a sense of like what I sent to her, you know, because. You know, she, I don't, there's, she is a, um, she's a very odd, hold on, let me see if I can find this, Taylor and Taufanian, trying to find the exact, trying to find the exact email that I sent to her. Okay, here's what I sent to, here's what I sent to Taylor, okay, it's two days ago. Hello, Taylor, I've heard from several friends of the Post and from one of the times that you're a bit of a handful which, which, which I have. So I've looped in Cameron and Matea. These are the two top editors of the post. I've already sent questions for right to reply. I'd sent them questions like asking them to respond um, the day before. I've gone twice to Twitter. I'm going through documents that concern you. I'm releasing some tomorrow, letting her know that maybe I have a little bit more. In the process, I spoke with Arya Tufanian. You wrote about him in 2019 while at the Times. After you published your Times piece, Tufanian sued you. You then began messaging people to contact Ryan Finkel, an AUSA, Assistant U.S. Attorney, who works at the SDNY, Southern District of New York. And at least one message you provided Finkel's DOJ email writing, again, just do not say you got it from me. That's weird. Then that, that next month, Tufani received a subpoena. I, re- I read the subpoena, by the way, with allegations ripped almost directly from a New York Times piece. Tufani was never charged, and DOJ investigation ended this January when DOJ emailed him to pick up his three-year-old MacBook that they confiscated. Tufanian tells me you gin up a criminal investigation against him to retaliate against his lawsuit. So now is when I get into the questions. The questions I asked to Taylor because she's now tweeting about me, right? Can you please explain why you were secretly directing people to contact the DOJ? Also, were you working with the DOJ? I don't know. Maybe she was like, maybe the DOJ contacted her. I don't know. That's why I asked her the question. Finally, do you plan to cover the fact that the investigation was launched after your article led to no criminal charges being filed against Tufanian? Is she going to follow this up? Also, can you please explain which tweets are factually inaccurate in this thread by Fear of the Floof? This is the account that she got nuked in uh, September. This is the account you reported in September to Twitter and got banned. This is an archived version of those tweets. So I sent her an archived version of those tweets to let me know, like, are these tweets true or not? Like, I don't know. Like, they banned the account, but maybe some of them were wrong. I don't know. It's, it's their tweets, right? One final question. Besides Ari, Ariadna, Ariadna Jacob, are you facing any other current litigation regarding your reporting? If yes, who else is currently in litigation with you? So I asked her a lot of questions to get a response. She responded to nothing, and now she's on Twitter saying 
everything in my thread is wrong. So there you go. I gave her a chance to respond and explain. She chose not to. And so, has she specified what's wrong in your thread, though, rather than just give a like an all? No, out? she has not. I don't think has she specified, Peter. Paul, I think he means Paul. Paul, has she? Paul, sorry, um, yeah, so, Paul, has she so, specified so, exactly so I what, what was I wrong? I haven't seen it yet. Someone sent me a message. I don't follow her on Twitter. Someone sent me a message. She says everything in this thread is wrong. Like so, like yeah, I'll I tell you what she told yet. me, Paul. Let me let me read out what she told me. In the and and I was just messaging her. Yeah. Um, I don't know her personally. We've just spoken once. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, to learn more about her when um, I started seeing, learning everything about her. And one of the Twitter files, I think, Kim, you were there when she came up in the discussion. But anyway, she said, oh, my God, the thread is so – um, let me see she allows me to read out exactly what I said. Okay, when I asked her what can I share publicly, she says, I mean, it's literally just made up nonsense. I don't even know how to dispel it. One of the guys on that thread literally sued the New York Times and lost so badly, he owes the New York Times hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees. I don't know who she's referring to or how that's relevant. Um, it's all just so abs absurd and hilarious. I was laughing on my family group chat like, where is this $5.7 million house we're entitled to? I'd love to get out of my shitty rental. Uh, what's that thing about being entitled to a $6 million or $5.7 million house, uh, Paul? So that's some something in this thread that I asked her about to ask, tell me like if that was accurate or not. Like I give her a chance ex to explain is this true or not? She chose not to. I mean, this is a pretty common tactic. Mostly corporations use this. And I actually, it's really funny. I saw this first being used, believe it or not, by the Koch brothers about six years ago. And this is when the Washington Post was going after them. And what they would do is they would take all of the um, questions from the environmental reporter at the Washington Post, not respond, but they could tell from the questions what the story was going to say. And they would come back and they'd say, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And then you would like realize like these things in the story in the post were wrong, but they'd ask the, the Koch brothers first, like, can you please explain if this reporting is right or not? That's what I did with her. She chose not to respond. Now she now she wants to complain that things are wrong. So you can see but, like, so, and, and you so what does your story what does your thread because we haven't gone through the entire thread, what does your thread say about that five point seven million dollar house? What's that story? Oh, it's it's not a story. It's just a screenshot that I did of that account, Fear the Fluke, that she got nuked. And so it has a screenshot of like one of the one of the um, tweets in the th in the but thread. But that's a bit off. But that's a bit off topic, no? Because that's that, that's not that that's not the important part of the thread. The important part is how she silenced people, uh, how she she oh, requested right, Twitter yeah. to silence certain no, people. No, no, that, so it says that, she. That, that, so what that, she, what I'm saying is that she responded to a, a, a something that's not really that important. I don't want to, you know, Taylor's right, not here, so I try right. not to criticize her while she's not right. here. But to me, that response just shows that she's, you know, when when I when I when there's some story and. And someone wants to refute it because I always try to get their take as well. When they want to refute it, they refute the points one by one. In this case, Taylor was very, um, very vague and just saying, "Hey, all of it is wrong," but not giving any specifics. Now, I do want to give her the benefit of the doubt because she did, she is on the move, um, so maybe she's just in a hurry. But it would be good to um, also have um, point contradictory, Mario. Because if you look at the on the thread, it's basically post number three she's referring to. And in post number three, it's Fear the Fluff who's posted that information that you're referring to. And in there, it says that she was raised in a $5.7 million mansion. Now, she had his account nuked for basically giving his pri her private information. But if it's false, then how is it private information? No, but he, he get, the account gave other private information as well. Not It's not private information. It says, I was raised in a $5.7 million house. Maybe there's other things in there. We haven't seen the entire post. Well, the entire post is there, Mario. So it says, Taylor Lorenz was born to mega-rich developer Walter Lorenz and Anne Lorenz. 
and raising a five point seven. Isn't that part? Isn't that part of a thread, or is it just that tweet? All oh, right, okay, yeah. There, so you go, there might be other stuff in the thread that is worse. You're, bro, you, you're sitting there criticizing journalists, and that you can't even analyze evidence like a journalist. No, no, I, um, bro, bro, I said, I, I said, you made a fair point. There could be it's, it's a thread, isn't it? So no, but the, but but the point is, is that like I sent her the entire thread, and I asked her to explain if any of those tweets were wrong or not. I sent her the archive thread. Which is in my story, like in my story, I link so to the Paul, archive Paul, thread. Let me, I let me, Paul. Him. Let me ask you another yeah. question. So, so, yeah. Paul. So, essentially, what we see in this thread, how would you summarize in that, in one minute? What would you summarize the entire thread for people that just came in in the last few minutes? What, how, what did we learn? I would summarize it as Taylor Lorenz had too much influence within Twitter uh, to be able to silence people that were critical of her. Is that a, a fair? Um, kind of basic summary of of what we learned from the thread. Oh yeah, the not, not, just, not not just that, but also like Twitter was so in love with her. Like here's here's how the thing you have to understand. I think she was in a very powerful position at the New York Times to report positively or negatively upon any social media company, and I think she leveraged ah. that position in order to like influence things within what was happening in social media companies. Like one of the things like this is not in the thread, but in my story, you can find at the bottom of the thread where I go into a lot more detail. One of the things that Aria Tufanian told me is once he started complaining about um, Taylor Lorenz um, uh, story about him and sued her, he suddenly lost his Instagram account. Now, I don't really think about the kind of stuff, but appearance is really important for people in with certain companies. He lost his Instagram account with a million followers is what he told me. He has he can't prove to her prove that Taylor Lorenz shut it down, but he told me she's friends with a guy who owns Instagram or started it or whatever. Like I don't know this area. He's asked them like why was it shut down? I sent an email directly to Instagram asking them why was his Aria Aria Tufanian's Instagram account shut down? This guy can't do a business now. Was Taylor Lorenz involved? And they've not responded after two days. So, so the other thing, if I if I may, real quick, if I may add on to that. This is kind of like the old mob trope, right? Where it'd be, wow, it'd be a real shame that this place burnt down. So basically you had these journalists, quote unquote, that go to these companies or they go to these uh, these individuals, so on and so forth, and say, boy, it'd be a real shame if, uh, if I printed a story like this. And then they could actually leverage that power because they were directly influential within that arena. So it's like uh, Paul actually referenced this a lot earlier when he came in. Um, and I, it, it slipped my mind what, what it is, what he what he said, but it's it's ha what these activist journalists use to get stuff shut down or to to, to lever their power as, as they see fit. I, I always just say it's the would be a real shame this place burned down type trope. Can anyone can anyone do me a favor, um, including you, Paul? Has anyone? Because again, we try to always get different sides of every story. I'll try to get Kent, Katie, uh, Nonopoulos, Notop. Katie Notopoulos onto the stage. If anyone knows her, please do invite her. She's been on our stage once before. Uh, but if anyone knows Taylor in the audience, if you know Taylor or you've got a different side to the story, you've got more context to give us, I want to get the full story. Do come up because I don't want this, you know, all of us are talking about Taylor. Taylor's not able to join this space and I'm sure she'll join, uh, you know, she did say she'll join our space when I invited her a while ago. Um, so hopefully she'll join maybe tomorrow to discuss this if she's free. But if anyone else can give us a different take, and I want to go back to you again, Paul. Um, was there anything else you've heard? So I know you got a lot of messages of people critical of Taylor, fair. But was there anything else you heard about um, uh, from people that are close to her, people that know her, that were positive, or that were, that were kind of contradicting any aspects of the thread that is worth mentioning, just to balance out the discussion? Then we'll go to Sarah. 
Um, so I'll, this is my last question. This is my last uh, response. And I'm going to go to bed. I'll leave Perfect. you guys. It's two o'clock in the morning. Um, Thanks, I didn't like, I, I'm not a guy investigating Taylor Lorenz. I don't care about Taylor Lorenz. Like I don't care about social media stuff. This is literally like I went to Twitter to get documents. And in the process, I tripped, tripped over these Taylor Lorenz documents and that's all it is. And then, and then I started asking questions and people started calling me. I have no clue who really Taylor Lorenz is. It's just like, I have no clue who, you know, higher right check is that she wrote about. Like, these are people that I've read about and I've seen some stuff about. And I was interested in like, okay, how did all this function? And what I found out, which is what I'd heard from a lot of people, which is Taylor Renz has a lot of, had a lot of power inside Twitter. This is, I think this is something like, we all know this, but I'll just repeat it because I think it's worth repeating. We're only seeing a tiny bit, right? Of what went on inside Twitter through these Twitter files. We also don't know what happened in all these other social media companies. I'm giving a talk this weekend about this very issue when it comes to vaccines. What we know right now, this is from some twi- prior um, stories I've done on these Twitter files. While um, Twitter was regulating what is and what is not vaccine misinformation, they simultaneously had a client, Johnson & Johnson, who they were helping on their marketing strategy for their COVID-19 vaccine. I don't know what it, what like this is what I know for like one small little thing that I tripped over in the Twitter files. I don't know how much this was going on also at Facebook or Instagram or other things that were going on. I can tell you right now, I have a Substack, um, the Disinformation Chronicle. I can put it on Twitter. If I had someone who was running my Instagram account for my um, Substack, <coughs> she couldn't. Things kept getting shut down all the time. So I don't know what's going on on Instagram. But apparently, whatever I write, you can read my stuff. It's it's pretty normal, you know. It can't make it on Instagram. So I think that's something to think about. Is that like this really goes beyond Twitter? Twitter is just giving us small little insight into what's happening in these broader social media companies. I don't think I don't think that like Taylor Lorenz had any, you know, more influence at Twitter than social than um, Instagram or Facebook. I think she had a lot of power within the social media companies, and that's um, concerning because you can see what I found in one small part at Twitter. So there you go. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Paul. I appreciate you for joining. Um, I do want to uh, just read out some tweets by Taylor Lorenz and people she retweeted. Never thought I'd be talking about her again. Jesus, she gets a lot of attention. Um, all right, so we have a tweet she retweeted from Katie Notopoulos. Taylor Lorenz's uncle owns the Wayback Machine, has this energy. And then she that was a retweet of, oh, nothing. I was just buying some e-meditation for my medication for my sick uncle. Laura says to look at you dead in the eye. Who's a model, by the way? All right, so I think there's a few people saying that this is not, uh, this is, it's is not, the Taylor Lorenz's uncle does not own the Wayback Machine. Uh, ben Collins says the following, so she's retweeted Ben Collins as well. All of these extremely affluent adult men obsessed with making things up about Taylor Lorenz for literally years have a clinical disorder we don't have a name for yet. Um... Again, I would love someone if they can find some tweets breaking down exactly what is made up because I love, you know, I want to fact check things and I don't want to spread uh, misinformation. And we do know that Paul did reach out to Taylor Lawrence to clarify things and hopefully she does. Uh, Jen Takahashi said the following, it should not be socially acceptable to call someone a Nepo baby, a Nepo baby who controls the internet archive unless there's unequivocal evidence for such a claim. Um, Trash or anyone, has there been any evidence that uh, Taylor Lorenz's uncle owns the Wayback Machine? Because I don't think the thread even makes that statement. The thread quotes someone who's made that statement. There's another no, one here. There's a lot of people that are very critical of this. So let me let me read that one more and then I'll let you respond, uh, Sarah. 
Uh, Ari Drennan said on Twitter, the false claim that Taylor Lorenz used family connections to remove information from the Internet Archive was swiftly debunked, but is spreading far and wide on YouTube after being amplified by Elon Musk, including the Quarterings 1.5 million subscriber channel. So it seems that a lot of people are saying this is this, a lot of people are pushing back on this particular point. A lot of claims made in the thread, um, but instead of pushing back against the influence within Twitter, they're pushing back on the uncle. Uh, owning Wayback Machine, which again, I don't think from memory the thread makes that statement. They just happen to be quoted. But Sarah, go ahead. You know, that was debunked pretty quickly, the Wayback Machine and that her uncle owns it. Um, That was debunked really quickly um, by several people. In fact, the gentleman that is the digital librarian actually tweeted, no, I don't know her. No, I'm not her uncle. Um, I'm hearing a whole lot of... um, supposition but i'm not hearing any facts i mean she yeah, but, but that's the whole thing it's, it's just it's not about the facts hold on sarah and then we'll go to justin thank you she may or may not have gotten somebody banned a small account banned off twitter she may or may not have gotten somebody fired from their job or she may or may not have gotten somebody um banned off t- off uh, instagram but where's the proof and where's the proof? I mean, if she, if I, you know, I, I know you, Mario, if I go to you and I say, you know what, I don't like trash, I'd like you to not have him co-host anymore. It's totally up to you whether or not you have him co-host. Am I using my undue influence to, uh, to influence your decision? Or and I've I had, and I've, and I've had, and I've had a lot of, a lot of people telling, giving me reasons to remove trash, slay man, even I, more than trash. No, Kim.com probably a record number <laughs> but yeah I get those and, and yeah generally you'd ask for evidence and, and what you're saying is that there's no evidence I'm, in I'm this thread show me show me the show me the document that says that she had somebody removed from their job she had somebody removed from Twitter and she ha- had somebody removed from Instagram otherwise it's all just talk but I also do want you to remove trash and Suleiman as co-host. Thank you. <laughs> okay, uh, Justin, you were oh, you were uh, responding. Don't, don't don't be trying to censor us. We've already, yeah, got, we've got, we've already got loads of people trying to do it. Ta- but, Taylor, um, and yeah, friends, Justin. Taylor and her friends are trying to Go dig ahead, into the post. Yeah, Taylor and her friends are trying to dig into the post, and they're trying to say, "Hey, this thread of this now defunct account is full of holes." It's like it's not about those facts. It's about the screenshots that Paul actually brings up, the discussions within Twitter, the evidence of the timing of when she influenced people to make these decisions and and, and everything that came about there. I mean, look, it, it's fine if if you're just a, a lay person and you want to, you know, throw your weight around. Right. But she's a journalist. Right. And the worst than that is when you have people that are part of the government influencing twitter like i said i've got my lawsuit against the government because around that time july uh, 2021 when jen saki and vivek murthy right got up to the pulpit and said social media companies aren't doing enough to take down accounts that aren't towing the narrative line my account was taken down on facebook my account was taken down on twitter and it had a lawsuit to get it back and reinstated because i said that the impact on children for COVID is very negligible. In fact, as we pointed out, Scott Gottlieb, who was not at the White House, but was the former FDA commissioner, he was at Pfizer. He used a White House connection to connect to Twitter and try to get my account taken down. 
We know my good friend Scott Bacitaria and his account was taken down. It was literally labeled as blacklisted, right? Ironically, Paul's account was down. A dozen other, two dozen other accounts of my friends were all down. When Jay got reinstated in the first Twitter files when that came out, right? He or, or when when it when it came out, he was reinstated earlier. But when it came out that, that was the case, he went to Elon. And he got all of our accounts reinstated, I think, including Paul's. So it, the, the irony of Taylor's influence and other influencers trying to get Jay to be taken down and, and, and rung down a notch. And that happened. He was suppressed on Twitter. And then he comes on. Elon buys Twitter. And he's the guy who ironically gets the accounts restored. Sarah, I don't Actually, Trash, you've gone through the entire thread. What, 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 Is that to Sarah's point? Yeah, go ahead, bro. Sarah, I mean, I'm not understanding your point. Is your argument that the only way you're going to believe it is if you achieve certainty? So it's basically Twitter saying, okay, Lorenz, we are now banning this account based on what you said. Because if you look at tweet number uh, three, actually number four, she makes the complaint. They go through the process of explaining how he doesn't violate. And then they still ban the account based on what she said. So I'm... So your argument is essentially... My argument is essentially, how do we know it was just solely based on what she said? That's my argument, essentially. Causation. It's a whole causation-correlation it's, argument. It's, it's there, a weird Slayman. argument. It means, basically, in Sarah, according to Sarah's argument, we can never know anything because we actually need philosophical certainty. We need... No, so you don't need philosophical certainty. Hold on, hold on. No, That's a do. stupid... Look what a way to characterize it. I, I think I just first... I, I think Sarah's asking good questions. I think it is the reason, and, and I, I think that this is... Enough information, I haven't gone through the entire thread, but it looks like enough information to be critical and to be concerned. But the way you've characterized it, Slayman, they cannot have philosophical certainty. No, man, if you have an email like says, like we've had in the Twitter files, we've removed this account because of Taylor, uh, based on uh, Taylor exactly. Lorenz's request. That's, called that's certainty, certainty, man. Yeah, that's called evidence, man, not philosophical no, 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 certainty. No, no, no. That is called Whoa, certainty, bro. So I think you, I think the problem is Mario. You you have a lack of understanding of the levels of proofs and evidences and what uh, constitutes certainty, probability, possibility, most likely, in these type of uh, statements. What you oh want God. is, although this is essentially very obvious that it happened, what you want is those words. And if those words don't happen, that means it didn't happen. Come on. No, I'm I'm, ex I'm talking about Sarah's argument. And she's saying it's causation versus correlation. This, what the example I gave would be more evidence than this stuff, which shows that it's likely because it happened at the same time. Because they could, despite all these, it could, and haven't gone through all of it. But the Sarah, Sarah is making an argument that it could still not be the exact reason. Whereas the Twitter files, we saw direct evidence. This is the reason because they said, hey, we've got a request to remove this. Let's remove it. Or we've, re we've removed this based on the FBI's request. That's direct evidence. But I just really think your condescending answer is like, hey, we don't have philosophical certainty and making it philosophical. It's nothing to do with philosophical. She's just saying we don't have enough evidence as we did. In, uh, and, and now I'm going to add to it as we did in so other Twitter files, which so I think is a... No, no, it's not a good ar hey. argument. It's a very weak argument because... It's not, it, though. It, it is. Now, with the so, okay. files, there was evidence. No, no. So, what we could get behind with this, this isn't evidence. This is just somebody's opinion. No, no, it's not. So, basically, it is evidence. But what you actually want is a certainty based on epistemology. And the problem is in everything Stop in life. using epistemology in words. No, like let this, me explain, Mario. You make a good the point. Is, Go ahead. The problem is that you, you guys literally make arguments but specifically on a point but then don't don't apply to the rest of your life so uh, as an example you don't oh have God. this certainty for all other aspects of life 
and I can give you many so, examples. Give me an example. I, oh. Give me an okay. example. Okay. Okay, so oh, gra- gravity, prove that, for example, gravity isn't oh, small little aliens. Fuck, bro, 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 okay, okay, <laughs> sorry, sorry, okay, sorry there, there I know, and I guess it goes, guys, 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 uh, tr- yeah, let's go, let's go back to the, to the thread, because uh, every time Simon wants to go down philosophical routes, I end it right there, because it gets really fucking dumb, and you do exactly, Simon, what you criticize others for doing it. They start complicating things just to sound it's smart, when they're exactly making very, very stupid easy. points. It's, it's not, a very, let me simplify, let me simplify what you say. Sarah's saying that we don't have enough direct evidence, you're saying, okay, we don't have direct evidence that certainty. this person says this is a, we don't have certainty which is fine you can have certainty i gave so an example time, of one certainty, more certainty. You, i'm have... simplifying it without starting to talk about epistemology and starting to talk about philosophical certainty and what you're saying is that we have enough evidence though to be concerned and to be able to to say taylor lorenz is the reason xyz happened and i'm leaning more to your point i just get pissed off the way you've made it but let me they see a lot of hands up and people being very cordial and not jumping in ryan you've been very quiet hey guys i think the biggest issue here with the situation whether we have direct proof or not that she did this is that she was in a position of influence right as someone who has a high-ranking position of influence in journalism as a journalist where if she's swaying her bias to to contact these companies to remove certain individuals Maybe Twitter removed it because she asked, or maybe they found another reason for it. It's the fact that you're putting your weight into a situation to make a certain number of change due for, not for a great grander reason, but for a personal reason, it seems like. That's the way that I'm understanding this situation, because I'm also catching up with the story with you guys in real time and trying to understand it. And as a journalist, the, the point of a journalist isn't to go out and find, isn't to start with a certain note of bias that you start with and try to prove that bias, right? The, the note of a journalism is, from my understanding and looking at definitions, is to find the truth on a certain number, a certain matter, right? It's to go out and be like, okay, this is happening. Let's go find the truth about it. But it seems like this person, unfortunately, again, correct me if I'm wrong, and allegedly to this whole thing, because this person seems very legalese and very happy to sue people, it could be that this person is very biased and influenced, is going out there as a journalist to prove certain points. And throughout this storm, this person ran into enemies, people that they don't like. Let's and see. Let's, so let, let me do this before going to Adrian. I've got a lot of questions for you. So uh, we're probably going to spend a, a fair bit of time. Let me just do one thing first. Chief, I want to go to you and tell me one tweet in the thread that you think has the most incriminating evidence. Let's go through the worst one, Chief or Trash, or whoever's gone through the entire thread. Can you point one out that we can go through it and use it as, yep. as a good indicator, Trash? Yep. So I already mentioned earlier the JIRA ticketing the system, but I'll even go one further. So on tweet number 13, this is actually a screenshot from Unified Escalations from the Global Escalations team, right? Get. And in this, it actually has. So I'll read the. I'll read what he said, but I have more context to this. So uh, he says Lorenz had more than special reporting access to get accounts banned. When Tucker Carlson did a piece ridiculing her, uh, Twitter put out an alert. "Quote: We need to be careful with her." I couldn't evidence that Twitter provided the support to other reporters, meaning he could not find that any of the reporters had this kind of preferential treatment. And in this screenshot, it is from Unified Escalations UE seven nine seven three one. I'm assuming that's the ticket number. It says, hey, get team on the bottom of the description. Can we please monitor the conversation around Taylor Lorenz? She was specifically targeted by Tucker Carlson on the show tonight. And I think she's going to be in the center of an abuse campaign on the on the platform. She's had tremendous trouble with abuse on here before. and We need to be careful with her. So basically what she's saying is, number one, she has priority access. Number two, she ha- she was on an email to Vijagati herself. Number three, it, this is actually escalating and saying we need to monitor anybody replying or saying about Taylor Lorenz and we need to try to like monitor them or or, or flag yeah, them. So, so I think, Trash, the way, the way I see this is there's two ways of looking at it. I'm going to make three points. 
num uh, number one, I want to say that this shows that they she's getting preferential treatment. That's point number one. That's one way of looking at it. Number two is that she's been targeted heavily, and we've seen that she has, and others have as well. She's not the only one, and we don't know how many people have had this this identification. Like, hey, we have to watch this account carefully because they've been they've been targeted very heavily. But that's what it says. That's another way of looking at it. And number three, and a kind of a general statement I want to make. You know, we've covered a lot of things in the Twitter files. This, to me, seems like the it's important and it's concerning. And it shows that uh, Twitter is being biased and, and being influenced. And, and they can start, you know, if we say, if we, Taylor Lorenz having that much influence being a tech reporter, how about other more influential people, uh, executives at the New York Times or, or billionaires, for example? How much influence did they have and how much corruption is in, in, the, in these social media platforms? But to me, this part, this thread, this, this drop is the least concerning out of all the Twitter files, but concerning nonetheless. That's the, the, these are the three points I'd want to make. Um, considering this tweet, tweet number 13, uh, to be the, the, the most concerning in your eyes, uh, trash. And again, trash, you know the entire Twitter files. You might even agree with me. Um, it, 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 we can go to Adriana now, because I know, Adriana, you have a history with Taylor Lorenz. Um, you've covered it in, in our spaces before. Trash, do you want to add anything before we go to Adriana? Yeah. And like, this is one of the least consequential, like obvious of any of the Twitter files. Like we all knew this. Um, there are some seriously concerning stuff because you know how much work that I've done on censorship and uh, national intelligence and our intel communities doing the censorship. So like that's way beyond that. Like this is just one that confirmed a lot of bias that we saw. But yeah, go ahead to uh, Ariadna. And again, just a reminder before Adriana goes on, if anyone, um, and again, I, I want to see if Taylor could jump on, but if anyone knows anyone close to Taylor or anyone has a different take, uh, we're inviting other journalists that were re retweeted by Taylor or spoken out against the thread and in support of Taylor Lorenz, um, just to kind of get the, the different sides of the story. Uh, but if you do know someone, please hit us up, DM me, and, and the team will check it out. Or just have them come in and, and request and DM us, uh, DM me, so the team can see it. Uh, Adriana, uh, you would love your thoughts on the thread. I know you have a history. You can maybe do a quick introduction for the audience and your your background and, and your your uh, issues with Taylor Lorenz. Um, and I've got questions for you. And I'm sure Suleiman does as well. Um, thanks, Mario. Um, I know you guys. Uh, everyone has a problem uh, pronouncing my name. It's Ariadna, but you can call me Ari if it's easier. Oh, um, so sorry. No, 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 don't be sorry. Um, usually everybody can pronounce Ari. Um, but uh, I, I can't say a lot, and, and I probably won't be able to answer a lot of questions. But, um, you know, I'll just say this. You know, currently um, I am pursuing a lawsuit seeking justice for defamation. Um, I sued Taylor Lorenz and the New York Times. And it's a process I believe will prevail once we advance in court, uh, which isn't easy against, um, you know, one of the biggest, um, you know, most important news organizations in the world, arguably. And I want to emphasize that I'm not politically motivated and having bootstrapped my own business, politics just simply wasn't a luxury I could really afford to spend too much time in. Um, yet Lorenz seems to um, insistent on branding me and people like me as right-wingers. Um, I, I believe she tweeted something in, in that realm today. Um, and yes, I appeared on Tucker Carlson's show or Carlson's show after I lost everything I worked on, you know, 15 years of my career um, and I filed a lawsuit that, however, doesn't affiliate me with right wing media, nor should it diminish my experience. And 
platforms and media, particularly those favor favoring Lorenz, just weren't as open to hearing my side of the story. And as an immigrant from Mexico, from Mexico City who moved to the United States following my uh, the death of my father when I was a little girl, I was taken aback that even Univision and Televisa, they all seemed reluctant to challenge the narrative presented by the New York Times and Lorenz. And it was Fox who stepped up to give me a platform when I didn't have anything, um, allowing me to expose the harm inflicted by, you know, the quote unquote journalist in question here. And the issue at hand isn't about politics. It's about power. When influential individuals unjustly attack ordinary people with limited platforms, lives can be decimated and counteracting um, can feel nearly impossible. Um, you know, people say it would be impossible to go after um, justice, but it, it is possible. And um, this is why my case, um, which is ongoing, is crucial. And I just think we have to ensure um, justice prevails and that this alarming trend of media behavior is checked. And here's why it all matters, because if she can misrepresent me and my experiences with impunity, then she can do it to anyone. And without checks Aria. and balances, um, the truth can be lost. So, you know, if uh, this should be concerning to everyone because today it's me and tomorrow it could be you. So, Ari, just can you tell us more very briefly about the lawsuit, uh, what, what it's about? Just very, very briefly in like one or two sentences. I had a uh, management, um, you know, company that was working with creators, social media cr content creators, and um, she wrote an article full of lies about my company um, and how I treated um, the the talent. Um, and you know, this is somebody that is. Um, Aria, can I just ask what yeah. was the specific points of defamation? Because it won't be the whole article. So what was the, what's the bit is what are the parts that you highlighted that are part of the litigation? I mean, there's dozens of 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 um, statements that were defamatory, um, but the the judge has allowed five to move forward. Um, what are the five? Um, I'll 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 link the um, the article. I don't know if Joe is still in here, but. You know, I again, like I really don't want to speak. I think there's going to be a lot uh, when my case moves forward that will be shown in discovery. And um, the I can tweet right now the link to the to the um, to the filing. Um, but yeah, I I just I want I want justice, so I just want to be careful. Is it like things you can't talk about? Basically, is that what it sounds like? What's that? It's like an ongoing legal thing, so you can't talk. About yeah. Right. That's what I'm guessing. I I think it would be wise not to. But the thing is, you are talking about it because you've explained that you're suing her. Obviously, I'm assuming that the um so in in the UK it's called particulars of claim. So I, I'm sure you guys have got something similar. I'm sure that's out in the public because you're gonna. Is that what you're linking, or what are you? What are you going to link? I I can I can link the the um second amended complaint, um and I'm here because you know. Despite what happened, aside from what happened to me, and I feel like in some ways it's selfish to just talk about myself, but I just feel like it's just dangerous for somebody to be able to have the kind of power to destroy somebody's life and livelihood. And when it's not somebody that's important, I'm not chirachic, I didn't have a million followers, to get anybody to listen to the story was like impossible. And so, you know, sometimes like I just want to come into rooms like this and just and just share why it's important 
for people in power in the media to not do these things and you know for them to for the platforms that are part of the media today to not give these people special privilege to destroy others on false accusations you know or whatever i just it's just not right and that's why i i feel compelled to speak sometimes um even though you know i i do want to take my lawyer's advice and and i want the court case to play out um but, you know, I don't see Taylor here either. So I, I really wonder why. And the last time I was in one of these spaces, um, her uh, her ally or her friend or whatever, Katie, uh, I think her name was Katie from from BuzzFeed, I think it was. Katie Natopoulos, I think it was. Yeah, I brought up some very direct points about how Taylor asked me for my uh, an ad the addresses of where my content creators were living in the houses I was renting, et cetera. And she promised it wouldn't be on the record or it wouldn't, wasn't for publication. And then in the article, she linked to a Zillow account of one of my private property rentals that was not a business address um, where I was living at the time. Um, so, in, you know, she doxed me. Um, I brought that up to Katie. And then essentially she was like, well, I don't know anything about that. And cut me off and, and just dismissed me. And I, I think this like elitist dismissal of people that are just, you know, I, I didn't have a bone to pick with Taylor at all. Um, you know, I was focused on building my business. And now that that's, you know, once she did what she did, um, then I, I, I started focusing on on how I could, um, you know, expose and and what she did and, and, and um, get justice. So and, hopefully and that that gives you some context no it does yeah and and i was just asking questions just to get more information because i do get it essentially if someone is defaming you normally if you're not someone who's completely like extremely rich you you haven't got that much it's very first of all it's very difficult to get justice and the second point how many uh, uh ari how many lawsuits are you part of if you don't mind me asking or have you been part of um, we filed a lawsuit against new york times and taylor lorenz and um uh, Who's me? Well, my, my my company. The company, bro. The company. Yeah. Pay attention. Oh. Okay. And how many how many lawsuits are you part of? Whether you filed or someone as someone has a lawsuit against you to, in total. Um, there's three lawsuits where I'm the plaintiff. Okay. Cool. Um, that's all. I, I there's a reason I'm asking that question, um, but I can't remember the reason because I remember when last time you were on stage there was something to do with. I don't want to mention something I remember because, but I can't remember exactly what it is. So I don't want to mention it until I know exactly. So what the concern you can was. ask. But let's go back to the. If there's any cases where she's the defendant, I think that's what he's trying to get at. Yeah, but there's not that many. So she said there's three others where you're the plaintiff. How many? Okay, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, cool. So Ari, the point I was making is how many cases, how many lawsuits is there where you're the defendant? Thanks, Sarah. I don't believe there are any. Okay, right. cool. Done. There's no point that I have no point to make then, Ari. <laughs> Chief, go ahead. It, I'm, I'm not sure if you're able to answer this or not. Like, is the uh, Taylor Lorenz defense saying you're a public figure? Are they using the public figure type of argument where, well, I guess, are they classifying you as a public figure or are they um, like doing something different with their strategy? I'm not sure if you're able to answer that or not. Yeah, I don't want to go into it. Oh. I think, like, you know, uh, like, good logic, a bunch of the people that have been following my case, hopefully they can do, like, a follow-up and, a, um, you know, like, a summary of what's going on. Um, uh, because, you know, I, I learned so much um, just about 
how difficult it is for to, to file a lawsuit against the media. Um, I think my my lawyer tweeted something like it's easier to uh, for the state to um, take you to court for murder than it is to take the media to court for lying. And um, it really is true. It's it's so difficult. And when everything happened and you go to your lawyers and they're like, you know, essentially, you know, honey, like, I'm sorry this happened, but, you know, there's not much you can do. Um, it's it's infuriating. And I think, like, if anything, I'm just proud of myself that I stood up for myself because God knows how many other, you know, young people that are out there just trying to trying to start a business and, and you know, just I don't know. You, you work so hard when you're an entrepreneur. I know a lot of people in this room know what that's like. And for somebody to come with false um, accusations about you that are you know completely untrue. Um, and, and, you know, the fact is, like, maybe people are more interested when, you know, somebody does a hit piece on, um, you know, a political figure or somebody like, you know, that's that's really big in the news. But my whole thing was I think she... Um, I think she targeted me and I think that uh, a lot of people didn't really care. Like what was in it for anybody else to tell the other side of the story to have Taylor and the New York times mad at them? Like what would, what would be in it for someone to defend just a little person that nobody really cared about? Like, you know, a Twitter agent, like it was just so sort of dismissive for everyone, but people didn't realize, you know, that um, that industry was a multi-billion dollar industry. And some but, of my former clients have, the, you know, have made over area, 70 the, million the, dollars. The, pro the, pro the problem I have is, and this is the first time I've heard about your case, is that your case is public. And obviously you've come on the public platform to talk about it to an extent. And so for me, it's like to understand your perspective, I would want to know like the information that's specifically in the claim. Do you get what I mean? Because I understand if somebody wants, if you made the claim and you're like, look, I've made the claim and I don't want to talk about it at all, but then you have come up to talk about it. But then when we're asking yeah, questions... I've, I've talked about it. I just, I just don't want... Uh... I don't want to seem like I'm attacking her unfairly. I just, I, I believe in the court system and, um, the, you know, the, the judge is going to make the right call. I think, um, you know, the, the case is still alive. Um, and uh, I, I would just say, you know, look into it. I, I, I just don't really want to, um, oh, I, I think that we're progressing um, in a good way right now with the lawsuit. And um, I just think it would be smart. I mean, I, I, I think I can jump off. I just, I told, uh, you know, uh, the person no, I appreciate Ari. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's, she's had, yeah. And Ari, Ari's spoken about the case a bit more last time she came on during the Twitter file saga. You came on, you gave us, uh, uh, you gave us a, a deeper story into the case. And I think some people came on, on stage and tried to push back and poke holes into the story. We've had that whole debate. I can't remember what the what uh, that other counter argument was, so I couldn't take that position. Uh, today. Um, the other thing was, I just uh, want I to mention quickly is I also tweeted, um, you know, I think the reason why people believe that her uncle um, owns the Internet Archive is because um, there was a tweet that where he, I believe, called her uh, his niece. And um, I, I tweeted that in the thread um, and I shared his profile, like what it said that he's the, I think, founder. Can you, can you pin it? I'm actually curious. Can you pin it above? The tweet in I'm which she sure says uh, he calls that. her niece. Uh, you got to click on this. So go to the tweet. Anyone could do it. Go to the tweet. Click on okay. the share button where you can share with someone. But, and then click on the first option, which allows you to share in the space. The first option should have the space name. Not sure if that pops oh, up for I you. See. but. Yeah, okay. yeah. So click on that, and I will yeah. pop it at the top, and then would uh, love to have a look at it because that's 
this is getting interesting. Like, it's just, we're starting to feel like a Mexican drama show. But oh. drama's fun sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Let me see. Hold on. Okay, this man. Okay, there it is. So, uh, Ari's. Okay, you tweeted it yourself. This man tweeted to her, calling her his niece. Do you have that tweet? Okay, there it is. Live screen recording of her alleged uncle's live tweet was filmed by Chrissy Mayer. Who's Chrissy, by the way? Oh, no idea. All right, comedian Chrissy Mayer. All right, so there's a YouTube link. Uh, from November 2022. But I also the, included the screenshot. Oh, uh, the screenshot. Taylor Lawrence, you saw your New York Times piece this evening on Facebook's policy statement. I remain impressed with all that you do and proud to be your uncle, silly. Hmm. This is interesting. And this is the founder of Television says, Archive, Internet Archive, offering yeah. journalist scholars. So can yeah. you send that to um, can you send that to Taylor and ask her to comment on that, Mario? Yeah, I'll do that now. This is getting interesting. Well, not really. I mean, not not to think it, but that doesn't pro- like that doesn't prove he's an uncle because some people. That's right. Yeah, some people. Yeah, are it like, doesn't oh, yeah. prove. But even it's a, even, it's... even one of my followers is a joke, so I was calling me uncle. Like I'm not his uncle. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, but the point, point being, you could forgive someone for thinking that after seeing the tweet. It's not like it's out of the blue. So well, it, seems like the, it seems like that whole thing was suppressed, like almost as soon as somebody um, told that story. So because um, that wasn't, you know, it, uh, I think that tweet went away. I, I don't remember at the time, but, you know, obviously we were paying attention enough to that the tweet was still live at the time. But. Um, I don't know when she got the cat account um, suspended or whatever. I'll, I'll say, so, um, kind of bringing it to, um, I think your cake. I was looking through uh, at least your uh, your law, the firm that you hired, what they're saying about it uh, for context. The article that you're talking about or what the defamatory comments are from, uh, according at least to uh, Dylan Law Group's uh, post, was. An article called Trying to Make It Big Online, Getting Signed Isn't Everything, which they allege published several defamatory statements that devastated Jacob's business and reputation. When the Times published their defamatory statements about the plaintiffs, even though they had been provided with evidence contradicting the false statements prior to the publishing of the articles. Uh, I don't think the actual post from the law firm says what those defamatory statements were. Um, but I guess the point, the point I was making though, about the, the public figure part is because if you're a public figure, it's very tough to prove libel or defamation. Um, it's extremely difficult and, and there's very rare instances where it goes through most time people don't really get, uh, they don't really get anywhere with that, unfortunately, with the laws we have in our country, um, which is kind of what Trump is alluding to a lot, um, about during what we saw about libel and how he wants to sue people and all of that. So, um, and, and right now we don't know, like anybody could be considered a public figure, a limited public, a limited purpose, public figure. Like if you're an expert in your field or something like that, um, you know, I don't know in my case exactly what the, the case is, but you're right about that, that, um, you know, what, what, if you, if you get sued for defamation, the typical, you know, I guess, um, uh, response is that you would say that the other person was a public figure and that and then you would have to prove malice 
Yeah, the, the the bar for for public figure. I'm not sure the legal for each state the legal like actual bar to be a public figure. Um, but it, it's very difficult if you are like a celebrity or someone who is known um, in their field to get defamation or to get libel lawsuits in your favor. Um, just yeah, and I think I had like five thousand or less followers on each platform at the time, and wasn't right. involved in any public controversy. Yeah, I need to look this. Well, you need to know the state where this is all going down and like what, well, I mean, it depends on what the judge says to you about public, if they're, if they, I, mean, I don't even know if they are or not making that, that, uh, that argument for Lorenzo's side, but it's a very common tactic what the media does a lot with the public figure, uh, claim. So. So, um, Sarah, did you, uh, sorry, Josh, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I'm still reading through a lot of the, the, the court documents here. I'm kind of reading through the thread again. Yeah, a so can bit. we go back to the thread? Um, what yeah. thread? What number are we on? Um, I actually skipped ahead to 13 just because I knew that uh, Ari was here, and that's when uh, that gets first brought up. So I kind of went to 13 anyway because uh, Mario had asked what I thought was very consequential and, and seeing this in the, in the global, in, in the global engagement team, escalation team is quite interesting. Cause I, I can guarantee you there weren't many other people. And like he alluded to that, there weren't other people that had that kind of luxury, but number 14, uh, Taylor also provided special support to a source in stories. She wrote for the Atlantic New York times and recently for the post. And um, this is Jackson Weimar, a uh, Weimar, uh, Jackson Weimar's account was suspended. Lorenz put this in front of Twitter. So, uh, it's actually, so what it's doing is actually an email that was sent from Jackson to Taylor it says, uh, today I was suspended on Twitter for impersonation on my account, uh, Jay Weimer media as someone with a large following on Instagram and as an editor for Evom's world and contributor for know your meme, uh, I've taken action and used my following to help bring light to a large group of, uh, chats on telegram who harass scam and fish people on Instagram and other platforms. Thank you again for including me in your article. Um, and then I guess she forwarded this to, to like, uh, Twitter and all the other social media accounts. This is from Taylor. So it's, she's kind of, there's not a lot here. They're just saying that there was a false Twitter impersonation account, but what it's showing is that she did have some kind of pull, uh, with Twitter where she could jump people to the head of line and have their accounts looked at because there was impersonations going on. Uh, and then number 15, uh, Lorenz has incredibly unorthodox, if that's the right word, uh, reporting tactics. Here's an affidavit signed by someone she quoted in the article about Ari, actually. Uh, and FYI, this person was a minor. Now, do you, should I read all of this? It's a, quite a long thing, but I guess, Ari, let me ask no, you. No, no, just how summarize it, it briefly. I, w I wouldn't read the whole thing. Go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. So I was saying in, in around 2020, uh, Miss Lorenz called me again that this person was a minor. This is someone that she was reaching out to for the story um, and asked if she was working with Ari, right? Uh, and then so basically all of the she, Taylor was asking her all these questions about all these things that were being, were being said about um, Ari. And then basically this person was saying like, I, I don't have any experience or knowledge of what you're trying to say. Um, she said, she said she followed up by asking if I heard all the stuff going on with Ms. Jacob and about her manipulating talent, uh, behaving badly and other things and sounded very negative about Ms. Jacob and influences. Uh, she told me that she had spoken to Alex, Yuzumara, Emmy Combs and the girls in the Valley. So on, on and on and on. And it's saying here, she said she felt pressured by Miss Lorenz uh, to actually give negative information about Ari. Uh, but she said, I had not experienced those negative interactions at any point in seven months. You've been working closely with her. I uh, did not witness Ari behaving unprofessionally or anything like that. So basically saying uh, Miss uh, Taylor Lorenz 
was that I knew Miss Jacob for a while, but she didn't experience what she was describing. So basically it was like Lorenz wasn't really asking questions. She was more or less like saying, so this is what we're hearing. This is what we're hearing. You, you saw this too, right? Right, right. Like a pressure type thing, uh, which is what I'm gathering from that post. And then saying the affidavit signed by the story. And it, it kind of goes more into it on the, on number 16 there. Um, and again, this, this is all, this is all just the stuff that she's been kind of working on. Um, Ari, I'm assuming that this is from the affidavit. Is this included in the case or is this something separate? Yeah, it's included. Okay. All right. So we can actually go find this full case file and actually take a look I, at I it. I just too. pinned the, um, the, the lawsuit and the, uh, I pinned a link and there's a link to the lawsuit and there's a link to the two affidavits that we included in the lawsuit. Awesome. Thank you so much for posting that, by the way. So that's up in the nest. Great. Thank you. Uh, and number 17, uh, Tufanian told me he sued Lorenz over the article and she then began sending messages to gin up a deal. Oh, I, think, I think you should yeah. go back. Sorry. I think you should read 16 because that was different. It was, a, it's, it's referring to an affidavit that explains, I think the next, what the next one is about. Sure, no problem. Yeah, so it's saying it's an affidavit signed by Lorenz, uh, by a Lorenz story, New York Times story about uh, Aria Tufanian. Uh, and this is Aria saying, I, I was a source of information from Ms. Taylor Lorenz, a uh, New York Times reporter, uh, currently with WAPO, uh, provided with information uh, that she used for a November 6, 2019 article called Thousands of College Kids Paid to Work for a Viral Party Kingpin. What Could Go Wrong? Good Lord, that headline. Uh, in the article, Ms. Lorenz asserts that uh, Mr. Tufanian quote, promised students Instagram fame, then silenced them with threats. Uh, Ms. Lorenz uh, never asked me for any documentary proof showing that Mr. Tufanian defrauded or scammed anyone or that Mr. Tufanian was operating any kind of pyramid scheme. I was also the founder of GroupMe uh, group chat. Uh, I've used that before. Whose members were directed to source information to Ms. Lorenz for her article. He said, provide any material to Ms. Lorenz to support a tweet thread she wrote about Mr. Tufanian that reads, quote, Blah, 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 blah. Yet don't put any of that energy into actual scammers. So basically, this is like a defamatory type rhetoric on social media uh, about Arya Tufanian with no, nothing substantiated, basically, is what this is saying here in this affidavit. Which then... <clears throat> Arya, can I ask you a question on that, please? Um, so it, it says that, and, and you say in your affidavit that you were the source of the information. So what information do you provide? I think you're getting me confused with Arya Tufanian that that um, had a different um, thing I, uh, with Taylor. This oh, is that not a, you? No. Okay. No. Well, can you see the last name? Can't you see Jacobs in this? Uh, in in uh, uh, No, I don't know. Arya I don't know her name. Last I don't know her name, and I don't know that person's name. Is the first time I'm seeing. And then and then and then earlier you were criticizing journalists, yeah? No, no, no. Do their due diligence. No, 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 no. Let me just, let me be uh, let me be clear because you, you keep saying that. So the reason I criticize journalists because I'm basically reading this in real time. If I was researching it, obviously I would never be publishing this without verifying it, checking it, and know what I'm doing. Where that's why I have a problem with journalists. I'm literally reading this real time, and because she told him to read it, and it's important, it's an affidavit, and the you, name. You know why same. I want? You know uh, I want I want reply back on this one. I'll let you kind of say what you want to say and and. and like move on to another thing. We have a guest that's coming on that you like, and the reason I'm going to do that just to show that I actually care about you. And I don't want to call you out in a way that will destroy your career. But so I'll let you finish your point. I will not respond. You can never do you that, bro. You can never getting do all that. your you facts know right, how, You know how my PS was by me destroying you, and you don't want it to come again. 
Yeah, no, no, so, no. Um, you should see the messages. I looked at the messages behind the scenes, but uh, about like, hey, Mario, there's this thread of this guy I made against you. I'm like, oh, let me check it out. It's like, yeah, it's full of bullshit, but at least he's arguing pro Tate, and we need more pro Tate. People are like, yeah, we'll bring him, try it on. But they're like, why are you sure? Like, all his fucking thread didn't have any DD. Like, no problem at all. We can call him out when he talks shit on the space. And um, that's how we bro, brought I you smashed, on. I smashed on that space, bro. After your first couple of spaces, I showed your boys. Yeah, because whenever, whenever you, they make a point you don't like, you just get philosophical, and suddenly you think you're right because you got philosophical. We do have that account. You know the account that got suspended. Let me tell you what it is. That's kind of, they, they have a different account now. They're gonna come on uh, with that account, and that's uh, Neville the Cat. Feed the Floof. Feed the Floof, which is the account in question that was uh, apparently suspended based on uh, uh, Taylor Lorenz's request. They do have another account, and they're going to come in through their other account uh, in a bit. So we've just sent them through an invite. Make sure you use your phone if you're listening to us now, Neville the Cat. Um, and we'd love to get hear your story directly from, from you and see what you could uh, share with us. Uh, so, Trash, you were saying something? Yeah, so the reason – I'll go ahead. So the reason Ari wanted me to back up and read Seven Teams is because we're talking about Aria Tefanian. And it actually was important to bring it up. So Ari, I really appreciate you for backing me up on that. Uh, because now that I'm looking into it, because the point I was going to make, this is another one that was concerning to me because this is the, a tactic that, that, that she's been using. Uh, number 17, Tufanian told me, and this is uh, Tufanian's telling Paul this, uh, that he sued Lorenz over the article and that she began sending messages to gin up a DOJ investigation against him. So basically, Taylor looks like she's been DMing people. This Ryan Finkel at uh, usdoj.gov, which is a an assistant U.S. attorney, and, and I'm assuming yeah, so the trash, So trash, just yeah. before you continue. So obviously, this is not the same area, but the issue I have with that one, or, and if someone can clarify, if even though there may not be area, is that in that affidavit, he's admitting that he was a source. So he says, I was a source for information for Teller Lorenz for that specific article. So the question becomes, uh, what did he actually give? What was he the source of? And then no, what bits was he uh, denying? Aria Tufani wasn't the source. The, the, the affidavit was, was given by somebody else. So who was yes. the source? It's not naming it. Okay. Uh, it's, it's in the link of the, laws, uh, the lawsuit um, that I posted. Uh, Ari, what are you doing? We've got speakers that want to come on that, are, that know Taylor well and they could uh, you know, give us the other perspective. They're like, you've been, you've been aggressive to them, Ari. What are you doing to us? We can't bring people on stage. <laughs> He's scaring people away, Ari. Um, we do Me? have Mr. Fluff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. You sound pretty nice on stage, but I don't know if you have a feisty side where you just eat people alive, like Slay Man. Slay Man. Or someone talks shit to me. I'm, I'm a nice guy. Like I just ignore them or, or you know try to be understanding. Someone talks well, maybe shit, people don't shit want, to Slay Yeah, Man. maybe people don't want me to to talk because I know so much about. And the last time. That's what. That's what Slime Man. That's what. I don't know. That's what Slime Man says. He's like, yeah, maybe people don't want to talk, talk to it because I just destroyed. I. I. I've got too much I, information. I'm too smart for them. And they're like, no, man, you're just too aggressive. You start attacking people on a personal I can, level. No, I don't think I'm too smart. I. I just. I. I know. No, I, no, not I you, not you. I'm. I'm let me. Let me go. But I. I, I love let, to let me go. I've got other people. No, 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 no. Oh, good, August. Oh. Uh, the Mr. Fluff, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good man, you're all over the news. What is going on? You got suspended. Uh, you got your account <laughs> suspended by by Miss Lorenz, and now you've got a new account. Let's hopefully make sure it doesn't get suspended as well. Um, <laughs> Actually, this is what's... my old account. Uh, Elon gave me my old account back, so this is my original account from 2013. Uh, I like how. Right... how, how when you say Elon, you mean Twitter or Elon himself? Because I like how people just always use Elon when it's Twitter. <laughs> um, well, his uh, takeover of Twitter uh, allowed me to get my account back. 
Cool. Yeah, man. So tell us, uh, tell us a story. What do you have? I know you said you have some screenshots you could share. Is there more to the story? Is there anything the thread got wrong? Is there anything you can add to it? Have you spoken to Paul, who wrote the thread before he he, he published it? Uh, I know. Uh, nobody knows uh, in that whole article who I am. Um, my name, my real name is Rob Province. Uh, this is my original account from 2013. Um, it got uh, suspended in 2020. Um, I, I do believe that Taylor Lorenz was somewhat involved in, in that as well. Um, and to be uh, a background on me, I, I'm literally a nobody. I, I'm literally a, a hick in Missouri. I'm, I'm not a journalist. I'm a shit poster. I, I'm just a guy who makes jokes. I like to have fun. I do. I post things that make me laugh. Um, I, I'm literally a nobody. Um, I don't know what it is about me that makes her so angry. Um, I don't think she's a particularly nice person and I like making fun of her behavior because I think her behavior is quite humorous. Um, I wrote that thread um, at work uh, because my account had been uh, suspended and I had another account that was for my cat, Neville. Um, I have lots of pictures of him, <laughs> um, but it was just a, it was just a silly cat account um, that, picked up steam um, just like this one. Um, I was at work. I was in my office. It was a slow day. And I had a thought one morning that it was interesting that people like Gay Wonk and Ben Collins and Miss Lorenz dive into the personal lives of nobodies and ruin their lives. And yet nobody knows anything about them. Um, you know, nobody knows anything about Ben Collins. Nobody knows anything about Gay Wonk. Uh, nobody knows anything about Taylor Lorenz. And it seemed like Taylor Lorenz had gone to quite a bit of effort to make that happen. Um, you know, the, the old joke about her birthday in Wikipedia. Um, so I just decided to start poking around. Um, I found out a lot of things about Gay Wonk that he was raised by billionaires. Uh, I posted that, you know, that was the first uh, subject of the thread. The second one was Ben Collins. And my only take on Ben Collins that irritated me was that I had made the point that when you Google Ben Collins, you get a ton of Google bios and they're all wrong. They're all Ben Collins, the Stig. And I'm a huge uh, Jeremy Clarkson fan. I'm a huge Top Gear fan. And I always found that humorous. I kept finding these Google bios about Ben Collins with his picture, Ben Collins, the journalist. Uh, with the bio of Ben Collins, the race car driver. Um, the only thing I could find out about him is something that he posted on LinkedIn of the college he went to, which was a very rich, very exclusive. Um, I'm going to say as somebody who went to a poor cow college, I went to Southwest Missouri State. Uh, I'm just a poor hillbilly redneck. I mean, it's the kind of school that as a kid in the 80s, I'm like, oh, that's where the rich kids go to school with their BMWs and their convertibles, and they buy their education. And he just came off like another spoiled rich kid to me. But that's literally the only information I could find on him. And I made the joke, well, the only thing I'd find out about him was that he's the Stig and he went to this college. And he engaged in his own misinformation by claiming that I actually said he was the Stig. By saying that he was, whatever, 48 years old and all that stuff. And it was clear if you read the thread that I was making a jab at that and I'm just going to, just for the listeners who don't know who Ben Collins is, so Ben Collins is a mainstream media journalist who is part of a propaganda com campaign who just pro does full-on complete propaganda. And a good example of that is when Elon Musk took over 
he was one of the one of the people involved in using the verbiage, the same one everybody used, which is that he is do so that, about Matt Hebe that he was doing PR for the world's richest man. So just for people to know, he's basically. And how does that relate? Yeah. And how does that well, relate? Actually, how does that relate to the story of of Taylor? Uh, Guys, I'm just I'm, I'm a bit confused. How does that relate to the whole Taylor Lorenz story and what you've posted? Uh, because it was uh, a thread stuff. about all of them. Uh, that that screenshot you see in the article is, uh, I think, screenshot ten of an entire thread about those three people. Um, and then I got to Taylor, and I had found who her mom was, her dad was. There was a public record of her home, which was a five point eight million dollar mansion. Um, her family is very involved in politics in Colorado. Um, her uncle is R. McDonald. Educated. Uh, educate, uh, sorry, what, what, I'll call you educated. So educated, what, because um, uh, she has text Mario and she's specifically denying that she owned a 5.7 million. Well, dollar. her parents so what, did. Where did, you, where did you get that? Her parents, she also her posted parents. on her Twitter. Sorry? Yeah, what did she post? Sarah, sorry, what did she post? What did she post exactly on her Twitter? I'll put it in the nest. Go ahead. I'll put it. But in did the she, but did she say? Did she say she doesn't own it? Because technically, she doesn't. It's her parents that do, and that's what right. said. Yes, she's saying so, that okay. she doesn't. Yeah, that's how misinformation works. Is I say her parents own it. She said I don't own it, and that's kind of a cute little turn of phrase. So, real quick, if I can, uh, Mario, I know that this isn't about Ben Collins and and Brandy. Uh, I'll just call her Zamboni, but um, but there is some context here of how this actually works, where the circular reporting that they're doing this. I have a feeling this is why he put this thread together. Uh, if you don't mind, actually Dustin can probably talk to this directly because he was actually uh, the ire of Brandy and uh, Ben Collins, but it is related on how this, how Taylor was using her news articles and then the censorship through Twitter. If you want to go to Dustin, that's, this is, it's really this relevant. Is, yeah. So, so, so I will in a bit, uh, Dustin, oh, you mean Dustin, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Dustin, the other account. I, I, I will, because I, I just don't want to move in and, it's just beautiful to see how Floof, who's been an anonymous account that got suspended, that no one reached out to, became the center of the Twitter files. And then no one reached out to him because no one knows who that is. And then he just comes on. He how did you find this space, uh, Rob? It's just fascinating. That's what we'll go to you in a bit, I promise. Uh, a lot of people know me, and a friend of mine texted it to me and said, hey, you're blowing up. They're all talking about you. That's so cool. I love this. Slayman, how cool is that? It happens a lot on the space. Is that we're talk everyone's talking about someone and that person just pops up in our space out of nowhere and suddenly he's like everyone freaks out. It's amazing um, as well. Like as he said, he's, he didn't have a voice and so now he's got a voice to, to basically back up his position. I don't have a voice. I'm still a nobody. Can yeah, I just but now say you've got a voice the on the biggest to... platform on all right, Twitter. Guys, guys. All right, okay, Slayman. All right, all right. Fluff, you've got a voice. Now, let, let's go back to the, to the topic. Uh, sorry, Sarah, you want to add something on this particular point before we continue? Yeah, it seems, for, and I posted her tweets in the nest, it seems like she's alluding to never, ever living in some $5.7 million mansion, just reading her tweets. But the, so, so Fluff, where's, what's the source? Yeah, Sarah, I think you're about to ask the same question. What's the source? How do you know that she lived in that mansion? How do you know that other gentleman, the, the Wayback Machine guy, is her uncle? How did you know this stuff? Um, so I was poking around on the internet. And um, I have to be honest, it would take me a, a little while to find it again. But there was a gentleman who on a uh, forum board um, posted that husband, her father's name, her mother's name, their ages, and had the public records of the home that they owned uh, when she was a child, uh, I believe. And I, I don't want to say actually which state, um, 
because I can't remember off the top of my head, and I wish I had the thread in front of me, honestly. Um, but when you say the it's, public, it's it's, it's okay, man. Uh, what the thread? You say thread. Um, uh, it, it, sorry, they had public records. Um, public records from where exactly? And did you f- verify that these were the actual public it, records? I I didn't. I have to be honest with you guys. I wrote that thread. I don't know what it was. Seven eight months ago, I was literally bored at work, and I was in the bathroom. I'm just being honest. Oh, hold on. Okay, cool, cool. So, so I do want to uh, do want to point out that it is possible, and, and Floof, I, I think that doesn't really matter if what you posted is true or not. I think it still doesn't move away from the point of having too much influence and censorship on social media platforms. But I do want to say to you, Floof, and you've been pretty honest on the space, so I appreciate it. Is it possible that this information is actually incorrect? Because you said you got it from a thread, um, but it's public records. You don't know what the source of the public records are. You don't know that the name is actually actually. I I don't. I was uh, riffing and I was having a good time and having a laugh. I believe it's true. Um, And honestly, I just... I don't expect anything I write to blow up. I'm a nobody, and nobody cares about me. Um, no, I didn't it's figure anybody cool. would I, I, I love, I love, I love how you keep saying this. No, no, but, but, the, what's but the thing is, look, look, um, um, Rob. The issue is that even if you're a small account, you're first of all, you, even in this account, you got forty thousand followers. So I wouldn't say you're a small account. Like, irrespective, like I don't like Taylor Lorenz. I don't like the way she tries to censor people and so on and so forth. But Whenever you put anything on the internet, it should be it sh- you should verify. Like you can't just put something. On I verified it to my own satisfaction, but that's not acceptable. I I understand it is not acceptable to you. I appreciate your honesty. Uh, so two two things, two things. First, Slayman, I was about to literally I was preparing to give you shit. I'm like Slayman, you're the one that breaks down everything and dissects everything and pushes back up against everything. And why aren't you doing the same to Floof? Uh, and you're just sucking up to him and being nice. And then you did exactly <laughs> just, just broke it down. So so I want to give credit to Slayman just about just before you took my shit. Um, but but Fluff, all right, cool, and I appreciate you taking it in. So the other point I wanted to ask you, Fluff, and again, uh, you do have forty-two thousand followers. I didn't check that, so you're you can't say you're a nobody anymore. We get that out of the table. Stop trying to pretend you're humble. You have forty-two thousand followers. Mm. Now, next question, man, is yeah. uh, the gentleman from the Wayback Machine being her uncle? Uh, can you give us a bit more context on this? Is that that tweet that was I shared don't, earlier? I don't. I don't believe no. I said. I I may have. I I don't believe i said the wayback machine if i did that was a mistake on my part i meant internet archive oh, it's, sorry, sorry, internet um, archive not wayback machine it's my bad bro sorry yeah I, I i believe i said internet archive um you did and, yes. um you know that that was my connection is that i did find that tweet of his uh the mcdonald's uh are i believe her uh mother's side of the family uh very involved in politics i believe her uncle wa- or great uncle was a uh, state senator um, they are, uh, very prominent in, uh, Colorado. Um, and yeah, the, that R McDonald, uh, tweet was like, Oh, that's her uncle. Um, and I did know that her mother's maiden name was McDonald and that I did find a couple of, uh, family members that she was related to with the last name McDonald's that were very involved in politics. Um, and that was, again, I understand that some might not find that high enough standard for, a. a non-journalist to post that but i i was comfortable with saying like hey i think she's from a very rich well-connected family what aspect of the uh, thread was actually doxing is it the, is it the names of the parents i don't i never got told what was doxing um that day was very chaotic because i tweeted this out while i was in the bathroom uh in about 30 minutes and and went back to work and i was getting calls i got a call from my father 
telling me I was on the news. Um, I got a call from a friend of mine telling me I was on uh, Tim Pool's podcast for something. I got a call from somebody else uh, telling me that I was on some YouTube video uh, from somebody named The Quartering. Um, uh, I was getting my phone was exploding while I'm trying to like do my work, and I I just it just kept vibrating and kept going off, and I kept trying I just kept ignoring it, and uh, I mean, then I my accounts. Was that? I do appreciate your, like, you know, you've been so honest and forthright and you're not trying to, uh, like, blag it, which a lot of people do. The I got nothing is, to gain here, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I appreciate, I appreciate that and I appreciate you. But the, but the issue is, and I don't want to, like, restate the same point, but, like, I mean, how many followers did you have on that account when, when you published that? Uh, the Fear of the Floof account, my cat's account, I think I had, um, before that all started, I think it was 15,000. So fifteen thousand is a quite a large number. It's not gigantic, but it's decent enough. And I know, and but I post now, stuff and no, I don't get any responses. It, it just I, didn't I, seem like it was gonna go anywhere. I understand that, but whenever yeah. anyone posts, even if it's a small account, and this is just for everybody, you should verify. And the reason I'm saying that is because even though you were a small account, you just explained how that blew up, and then now, like nine months later, Paul has put that as part of the Twitter files, and now we're finding mm. out that none of that's verified, and and it's it's not based on any kind of substantial information. Uh, so that's I mean, what, and what it does is illegitimate for me even when it comes to what Paul's written on Twitter files I, it, it basically degrades his reporting as well because he should have also verified it and try to find you and find out what it is but um, does it does but Simon, does it remove from the substance of the Twitter files because if the information is true or not that's not what 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 the point of concern is whether this guy from the internet archive is your uncle or whether she does own a 5.7 million dollar dollar home because that moves away from the point I think you make a valid point I'm glad you made it and uh, that this wasn't verified and, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, Mario Floof came up and shared that but it, the, the 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 Twitter files talks about um, Taylor Lorenz's influence within Twitter and the ability to censor people yeah go ahead Sarah it is important because it talks about how she's getting these accounts suspended. This gentleman is calling himself a big nobody on Twitter. Then why would Taylor Lorenz have a big nobody on Twitter suspended? Um, because his tweet because when, his tweet went viral. Okay, but he became um, somebody that day. But Mario, every single person on here has haters, and every single person on here has people that will die on a hill for them. I'll so take my reputation it, and I will take Taylor Lorenz's reputation for going after people and I'll let everybody judge. Is it possible, though, that she, that her fans reported your tweet, mass reported, and therefore you got suspended rather than Miss Lorenz contacting Twitter? I think that screen grab that was posted today says it all. Yeah, what does I, it, which I, screen grab? Can you? Yeah, yeah. Which screen grab? Can someone tell me which from screen grab the Twitter files that says that yeah, she specifically one? reported me? Uh, for her various reasons, under the uh, search of Taylor Lorenz. For context, the number of that, I believe, is number four on the thread. Oh, that, cool. Thank you. Uh, that, that, that also, hey, Mario, there's also, Thacker has a second thread, right? So really what he covers in both threads is the media's role in the censorship apparatus at the big tech companies. So he has a second thread that talks about Ben Collins, Randy Zandrosny, uh, Brian Stetler, uh, Dana Perino, and the rest of these media hosts, and the way that they were, that the role that they played connecting um, the censorship apparatus to the media corporations. And the way they do it is like what we see in the email from Taylor, which is, hey, 
I'm writing a story about so-and-so and you're giving this person a platform. And I would love to include that you guys are not platforming a hate monger in my story if you're willing to remove them. Or, right, I I'll talk about like the great uh, content moderation policies you have. That's how they abuse their power. And that's what showed throughout both the different threads. And you know what it is, Mario? Like, I just want to add... It's clear for me, I know you. I know uh, Sarah wants almost certainty, but it's clear from me from this that she did cause him to get banned. It, you can see it from tweet four. Uh, yeah, so so, how that, so just to clarify oh. how that day went, um, so yeah. I was getting all these phone calls from everybody and my account was taken down at noon. I appealed it um, very quickly and it was it was reinstated and then it was banned again almost immediately within about 30 seconds. Um I put in an appeal for that, and it really was impressive. It was getting reactivated within, like, minutes, um, which I was kind of shocked by. Um, but it was banned three or four times in a very short succession of time um, in about 30 minutes. It shows, like, it shows like an internal struggle within Twitter. It's getting juicy. Uh, something. Um, and so I decided to deactivate the account because at that point I was like, this is just getting weird, and I'm just here to shit post and have fun and laugh. And so I deactivated the account, which is why it says that it was deactivated at the time it was. Uh, and oh, I was on my oh, lunch on. break. So, so, so Fluff, you actually ended up deactivating the account. So maybe it would have been back within a period of time. Uh, I deactivated just, just to get it to stop because, I mean, my phone was blowing up. Uh, I was picking up like thousands of followers a minute, um, which is not my goal in all this. I, I have like a couple of hundred friends that I'm really talking to and everybody else is just kind of there. Um, and I just kind of was like, it was getting out of control and I just decided to, to take myself offline and took the account down and then I just reactivated it the next day. All right. All right so this is how this, yes, yeah, Lemon, go ahead, man. No, no, I do want to finish your point because I wanted to add a slightly similar but different point. And no, then, and then just to clarify, it was it was banned. I think within a week of that, it 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 never stopped getting reported. It it sure. was a constant battle of getting it, getting reported so to the point it, it was getting so ridiculous. The thing I'm seeing on here is, for example, one of the things that I thought she was doing drama about, which obviously she it does do drama. Let's be clear, this doesn't. But from that, from this, it said from a possible sole perp. So basically, they said we can only see one interaction between the accounts. But obviously, you mentioned that. The reason for that is because you used your cat's account. Is that right? Uh, well, that's the only account I had at the time. Uh, my my account that you're I'm on right now that we we're talking on uh, didn't was banned. Uh, ah, okay. I, it got reactivated maybe six months ago. Okay. Why did this account get banned? <laughs> what are you um, doing? I honestly, um, funny enough, it got banned because I uh, posted a meme of Winnie the Pooh shooting an AR-15 at a honey at a honey hive, um, and I was told that was a, a threat. Oh my god! All right, um, just I want to go to that screenshot in tweet number four, Suleiman. So I'm just going through it from an account perspective. The account feed the fluff deactivated the account, so he deactivated his own account. We've reviewed the account, did not see any linkage via our tools or similar profile signals to Rob Province. Okay, hold on. Just checking something. Okay, so you're listed there. So everyone, people know it's you. So you're mm -hmm. listed in that screenshot, Rob Province. No yeah. violations under multi-account or ban evasion policies. This account was generally healthy and mostly conversational or commentary in nature. No actions to be taken under majority abusive 
safety policies as well. From a possible sole purpose harassment towards Taylor Lorenz, we can only see one interaction between the accounts. No other mentions assigned from the other tweets flagged. No action to be taken for this angle as well. No spamming or platform manipulation detected on the account as well. So there, Suleiman, they're saying that the account is healthy. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Let me let me finish. Let me finish. Okay, let me finish. From the tweets, uh, so usually I kind of don't don't kind of dig too deep into those, but uh, this is getting interesting. From the tweets flagged, we have not seen any personal personal identifiable information shared based on our posting, based on our the posting private information policy. No action to be taken for the tweets below. Okay, so based on the screenshot. It says that Fluff's account hasn't broken any rules and mm. seems to be a healthy account. Correct, Suleiman? That's right. Okay. And Fluff said, the, tw the screenshot says that he deactivated his account. Fluff said he deactivated his account because it kept getting suspended and then returned and then come back and then suspended and come back. Mm -hmm. And then Sarah, Sarah asked a question. She's like, how do we know this isn't just Taylor Lorenz's supporters report, mass reporting that account? So they mass report it. Twitter like Twitter system suspends it, goes through the check, like hey everything looks fine, brings it back, gets mass reported again, Twitter's account gets suspended, and then you jumped in some and said no, this screenshot proves otherwise. If anything, this screenshot proves that theory more than anything, and that theory now makes a lot of so, could, uh, because Rob, a plausible how, how theory. Quickly, how quickly was that happening? Uh, what was how quickly was what happening? You mentioned that your account was getting suspended, then reinstated, then suspended, mm. then reinstated. So, like, what period? What, what minutes? Period it, minutes. Yeah. It so was then, stunning. It was minutes. Yeah. So that's Mamari. Then it's not your point. It well. The what do we start? My point. If people, if it's, it's actually going viral, people could be mass reporting it at scale. I've seen this happen again before. I've seen this happen before, where an account, like when it's getting mass suspended, the system brings it back, but this because there's I so much I can tell you, I was getting mass. Gets, I was telling you, I can, I can tell you flat out, I was getting mass reported because even when I go. reactivated, when I got it so reactivated the next day, um, yeah. it, it was getting reported for the next seven days, and uh, I did finally get banned for again another very innocuous tweet that I still can't believe is what got got that account banned. If so, so Fluff, I can I ask I you a question? Fluff, can I ask you a question? Um, yeah. You said that you were getting mass suspended. Do you think it's a it's a plausible scenario that you were getting mass reported, and uh, this is why that your account kept getting suspended, and you kind of got sick of this shit and just deactivated it? So is it possible then that Taylor Lorenz did not directly instruct Twitter to suspend your account, or maybe she did and Twitter didn't suspend it for that reason, but it's for the mass reporting? I Basically, believe it was being mass reported. I believe that. I believe I read that screenshot to say that she didn't go through the reporting process that she I, I read that as is that it was so detailed. I was like, I think she had somebody there that she was talking to and was like, here's very, very detailed information that I I'm going through that. I would like you to look at this. OK, so I've got one. More. I think oh, both on. things I've can got, be true, guys, basically. OK, so chief, two seconds. Uh, Slyman, um, is there any other evidence other than this screenshot? that Taylor Lorenz requested Twitter to suspend the account, number one. Number two, do we have any evidence that Twitter acted on requests from Taylor Lorenz from this thread? Suleiman? We, we just have that tweet there. Okay, so can I ask you a question, Suleiman? How, based on that tweet, is that evidence that Twitter acted on Taylor Lorenz's request to suspend it? And number two, when you said to, uh, to Fluff, you're like, hey, 
did your how quickly did your account get suspended? And then he's like, within minutes. Since when are you an expert in that stuff for you to conclude from this? It's not from mass reporting. So I'll explain. Um, so I, obviously I could be wrong in terms of like how quickly it's uh, been suspended and reinstated, but I'll explain my argument. So essentially what it looks like to me is she's got someone on the phone who and that person is basically manually susp suspending that account. And then when he's reporting it or he's basically appealing it, it's getting reinstated. And so it's because it's happening in such a quick period of time. That's what it seems like. It seems like it was actually somebody. But happened. OK, so let me I got, I got So I actually wanted to mention that theory because that theory does make sense where it's someone that has, you remember I said earlier, it could be an internal struggle within Twitter. So, yeah, I think this is a plausible theory. Let me ask Fluff one more question. Fluff, when your account got suspended um, and, and reinstated and suspended over what period of time? Is that within a day, within hours? The, con the, 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 the process of it? No, no. Let me ask my question again and maybe focus on the question, Suleiman. I'm not saying how quickly from getting suspended did it get reinstated. That reinstating suspension, reinstation, suspension, being reinstated, being suspended. Over what period of time did that constantly happen? It started at noon. And I would say it went until about 5.30. And that around, I can't remember. I, it, I think the time, I don't know if it's the time that I was in as far as Central or whatever. Um, I believe it was around 5.30 when I was finally able to get it activated and keep it active long enough to be able to deactivate it. And how long were you able to keep it uh, active? Uh, it, it, it took me three attempts to keep it active long enough to deactivate it. I kept trying to deactivate it. From when it got activated, how long was it activated for before you deactivated it? maybe four minutes okay so Suleiman what you're implying and, and I think that theory makes sense uh, but I, I, I'm a bit annoyed and, and again I'm, I'm criticizing you with a lot of respect because you're usually really good at doing those things so it's just critical feedback I don't want to take a jab at you in this time uh, but I want to say what, what I got to know is like you con immediately concluded um, before you said after you said that if you listen to the record like yeah see Mario exactly it was it was not mass reported Whereas that's a that's a very weird conclusion to come to. Now, Fluff, one and the other thing as well, Simon. So I think both explanations are plausible. One of them is being mass reported, another one is that internally someone is being required. So, uh, and it's a very logical explanation that Taylor Lorenz had someone within Twitter suspend it every time it got it got brought back. Okay, very very possible scenario, um, and one I wouldn't be surprised by. Now. There's two things. Number one, you expect that person to be not doing their job and just sitting there refreshing Taylor Lorenz's account every few minutes. Whenever it comes back, he suspends it, which is unlikely. And, and, and usually do it like they bring it back and then half an hour later, he spots it or she messages him and then he deletes it. He, he suspends it again. And then another thing I'd say is like if, if it was within Twitter, then that person would have probably left a note for others instead of suspending it every time again. It just it just sounds it seems odd. Rob, We've never then, seen that Rob, scenario. Robin, then five hours. Let me finish. How many times? How many times were you suspended? Oh God, I lost count. Um, it it was nonstop for five hours, oh. uh, five and a half hours. It, See what it, I mean? It just I, I could never hard. have counted that many times. So would you say more than twenty times? I'd say it's closer to a hundred. Okay, so th that's a good point. So, Slayman, I think you'd agree with me that it, based on the information that uh, Fluff just gave us now, Rob gave us now, 
um, it's unlikely to be a person manually suspending it again and again and again for a hundred times, which could have gone on for another hundred times. Um, and it seems to be just systematically just getting constantly mass reported, which is, it just ticks so that even, box. Even, I mean, so. even that side is also, so, I mean, both, both, and I guess both that shows that we need more information because what you're saying is for the five hours straight, people were mass reporting it to such an extent that it was kept on happening. Yeah, that's actually relatively common. So when you have, when something's going viral, people, man, just when people, I'll give you a more easy, simple example. When a video is going viral, people are clicking on it nonstop for days, weeks, months. Um, so for people to be mass reporting something constantly, you know, I've been mass reported once on another platform uh, and it happens constantly. You brought back and mass, mass report, it was, uh, it, I won't mention the club, uh, the, the, sorry, fuck, I just mentioned the platform. It was on Clubhouse. And that when people mass report an account, it comes back and gets suspended again, comes back and suspended again uh, relatively quickly because people are sitting there mass reporting it. And that wasn't close to, uh, you know, Clubhouse was very small, nothing compared to Twitter. So yeah, it just seems right. more logical. Yeah, it, it, it seems more logical, logical than a human, than a yeah. human sitting there for a hundred times over multiple hours doing it again and again. It just sounds humanly impossible. You know, they do yeah. have a job to do. They'll yeah. do it every hour. For sure. Um, for sure. So based so, on that, I want to first give credit. One point, though. What Paul is also reporting is that Taylor Lorenz wasn't like a normal user. She had access to an internal system. And he also reported that she, the, the Twitter engineers assist, assisting her laughed and said, wow, she's a heavy user. Yeah, so I want to uh, I, I wanna make sure I, I do two things. Number one, uh, first I want to applaud Sarah for asking a question saying that, we don't have any proof. And I think Slamani can give credit to Sarah here when she said we don't have proof. Well, this is a perfect example uh, of how us not having proof, um, of, of how we just proved that there isn't enough proof in this particular case. So that's number one. Number two is I want to give credit to this fucking space. Uh, no, first, Rob, you coming up and being so honest about it, much respect, man. Deserves a follow and, and um, you've just gained my respect and the respect of the audience. Number yeah, three, great guy. This, this space is fucking epic. This is how you do journalism. And Kim, you were, you know, Kim, this is how you fucking run a space and break things down. So, and Suleiman, you usually do this a lot this time. You know, I was... if, if, you, if you weren't shitting on Suleiman all the time, I, I, I think you're right. Um, and and Slayman, usually you're the one that breaks things down more than I. And and um, this is like one of my first times where I do it. I've got the patience to break it down myself. And it's such a good feeling when you come to a conclusion. Um, but yeah, the conclusion from this, and then um, we can kind of uh, take a little jab at Paul with with a big love heart. That Paul, um, if, I know that wasn't a story you really wanted to cover, but uh, you know we dug into it for you. And maybe you can add a bit more information in the thread. We'll crop that part for you, send it through to you, and summarize it. Slamani you can do it with the team to help Paul out because I'm sure he seems like a very fact-based person, and he'll add wanna he'll want to add the information. But yeah, man, I'm I'm really happy as to how this concluded. Um, and and most last point, the most important point, this does not discredit the entire thread whatsoever. The thread had multiple points, multiple points of concern. We just focus on one particular aspect, an important aspect nonetheless. Um, and it is still possible, even though me and Simon don't think it's plausible anymore. We kind of changed our opinion, but it's still very possible that this was someone manually doing it within Twitter. It wasn't mass reporting. Um, but yeah, this is my conclusion from what well, we just I, heard. Yeah, Simon. I, I agree with think? that. No, no, I agree with what you said. The only thing I'd say is um, what it clearly shows is, and it's still the point there, that she was and had a position of power and she used her influence. So even if it was a scenario where at the exact same time, which is probably more likely as well, so I, I, I can see that that point's more stronger. So even if it is 
more uh, was happened simultaneously at the exact same time where all of her fans were randomly all decided to report for a continuously five and a half hours to right even if that happened and i assume that because again this is not my forte so i'm assuming you there isn't like a button someone's pressing but is someone and it's not possible for even someone man, to, like over yeah 100 plus times in, in a few no, hours but is that how it works others. so no just question to you because you're like uh, you know about this stuff so is it that someone's pressing a button to basically reactivate mm-hmm. or can someone write like a code to make sure it's happening simultaneously it could be no there's still uh, that's what i'm saying it's still possible that it was manually done it could be a, not one person but it could be a tweet a team within twitter it could have been automated within twitter system i definitely don't know enough we could talk to someone from censorship that's but we could it kind of goes I, back to, yeah it could be it could be automated so i'm saying this, uh, we wouldn't discount that i think but when you have two possible explanations i think it's important and i'm sure paul will add it to the thread to say so hey there's two so possible explanations. Autom- so if it can be automated so again like i'm saying this is not my forte so i'm just on yeah, if it can book. be automated, that's what then, I'm saying. If it can be automated, I'm, I'm sure someone in Twitter, someone in Twitter could have automated the suspension. Whenever this account gets unsuspended, suspend it yeah. again. This is so very, if, very if possible. possible. If that's possible, then for me, that's more likely. The the issue though, like that we're not like, discussing. Then why not make it a permanent ban as Twitter can do? Why would somebody sit there and do it a hundred times? That's no, no, actually so a very good point. Sense. Sense. No, 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 no. Why no, no, not permanent? I'll explain it. I'll explain it. So that that one's an easy one because, yeah, like I said. If it's the argument that someone's there pressing the button for five and a half hours, right, then I think your your position's more stronger. But if it is that you can automate it for five and a half hours to make sure that the person is continuously suspended, then I think her having that access, being a heavy user, having internal access is a more stronger, plausible position. In terms of permanent suspension, because, again, you the, the process into it is you suspend. To permanently suspend someone, you're going to have to meet even more standards. So it essentially shows that they didn't go full for the full uh, uh, permanent suspension. No, but I'm sure they're not about. Look, we've gone through, but but Simon, we've gone through so many suspension, so many uh, examples of people getting suspended throughout the Twitter files and other spaces we did, and and that's purely on the space. I've seen it beforehand as well. I know people that got suspended. I've never seen an instance like this. And again, we've gone through suspensions because of censorship, and it was never like this. We've never covered on the space a suspension based on mass reporting. Um, so that's this one is an anomaly. The way this was suspended is very different to the others that no, were suspended we due to censorship. We do, but no, it could we be, we do, no, we it could be. Wait, hold on. Let me just add. Let me add. But it, let me finish. Let me. For fuck's sake, bro. Can I finish? Uh, well, all I want to say is at the end is it's still very, it's still plausible, and I think we should add, make sure we make this clear. It's still very plausible. Someone put in something automatic within Twitter to suspend it automatically every time it gets brought back. What did you want to say, Slaman? That it kept uh, interrupting. The, the only thing I was going to say was we, you clarified it anyway, so that's fine. Okay, oh, okay. see, that's maybe good not to interrupt me. Yeah, go ahead, Chief. Uh, yeah, Chief, go Just ahead. learning from you, bro. Yeah, the uh, the one thing, like, we, we have the fact that the, tw- the Twitter internal messaging showed that there was no violation with the account. There is no spam. There is no harassment, abuse, whatever. The TOS on the account had no violation so the question goes if twitter internally said there were no violations for the account why was the account banned so there had to be by definition someone yeah true but chief 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 we just gave you the two possible explanations one of them is someone uh requested by taylor loran someone or a team of people to ban it that's one so it was done because of uh, corruption and the second one is mass reporting so it was mass reported but without an actual reason 
and that's why I kept getting suspended. But I think Paul should have spoken to someone that deals with censorship before writing a, a, such an impl incriminating thread. Um, and I think to, to incriminate Taylor Lorenz with requesting Twitter to ban this account, Twitter acting on that request, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, trash or uh, slam man, but that's what I understand the thread implies, to make such an implication without having direct evidence to back it up um, uh, is, uh, is not uh, fair. And I'm not sure what you guys think trash. I, want, uh, I yeah, agree I, with you to the extent that these questions that we're asking, we, he should have asked those questions. But uh, but again, go ahead. Okay, yeah. So uh, I think that your two summations are great. And, and to Sarah's credit, we do not have direct proof. However, I've gone through all the Twitter files. I've seen how this works. Uh, this is why I keep pointing out this uh, global uh, escalations team, uh, this United Escalations, um, how they actually handle Taylor Lorenz, right? So like she- You're moving away. So it's just three questions. No. Sorry, I'll let, I'll let you finish your point. Sorry, bro. I want to go back. To, I just want to get your thoughts on that first point and then I'll let you make this new point unless I'm misunderstanding. But sorry, just one question. Do you okay. think on that particular tweet, tweet number four, do you think we have enough information if you were in Paul's position, do we have an, enough information to implicate Taylor Lorenz just in this particular point of banning, of requesting Twitter to, to suspend Floof and Twitter acting on her request? Do we have information to imply uh, such a scenario? Slay man and uh, trash. Should that even be included? Uh, should that scenario even be included in the thread based on the facts and the information that we have? Uh, yeah. Trash, I'll let you answer it. Slay man, I'll let you answer directly if that should be included in the first place. So I think it should be, uh, and, and here's why. I think that you could say that there was direct reasoning. And and again, I'll, I'll answer you directly, and I'll finish up with what I'm saying because it'll back up what I'm saying. Uh, if you look at number four and you look at tweet number two, for the record, Taylor Renz was born October 21st, 1984, in New York, New York, making her 37 years old. She will be 38 in 16 days. Wish her a happy birthday. So I suspect this is what Taylor used to directly say that she was being doxxed. And this is why she was able to prioritize and escalate this to the escalations team. The reason I'm bringing that up is because of that she did have with kid gloves, as you can see right here in tweet 13. Um, that they actually have this built out through their engagement center and their engagement team that she is supposed to be handled as a special case. So any request that she makes, boom, it's gone. Now, I will say that Sarah's theory is probably more plausible. As it went viral, it became a mass reporting event. But I think the impetus where's was... The, where's the, so tr real question, Sarah. Uh, where's the evidence that when you mass report an account which hasn't violated any policies, that automatically that account is suspended? I can tell I you, can tell you that. I can, I yeah, can answer that. Um, I want evidence. Very common, Simon. No, no, that's Simon, Simon. This is... You guys are asking oh, for minutia evidence. Simon, Simon, Simon. I'm being nicey. Let me just do this nicely. Simon, I'm just telling you, like, uh, we can go out and get evidence, but I'm saying in general, because I know this, I've seen this so many times, and I mean this not... In, and I, I don't want to sit there butting heads with you, and you're like, give me evidence. Give me. No, I just mean it genuinely, man. Like, this is something very, very common. For an account that doesn't have a lot of followers, very common. I've seen it happen yeah. all the time in front of my eyes. Um, it's very easy to get it suspended. Very, very easy. I'll just get a lot of bunch of people. Uh, so I want evidence that you, when you must report an account I'll, over a period of time for a, for a, that, it automatically suspends I, that I account for five hours. That, I'm just... man, I, I, I can answer that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You are obviously have never been mass reported. 
um when you I, I, I have been mass reported that's why i'm asking the then question you would know you, that when... you maybe never wrote you so sarah like you've probably never written anything controversial but i do it all the time <laughs> I, I and you know what I, I don't write yeah but it doesn't go it doesn't go maybe it doesn't go viral enough to be mass reported because you're my, fucking nobody my, he my, was being contacted my, by my tim tweets, pool and all these guys my tweets bro tim pool bro my tweets go i'll get millions and millions of views what are you talking about yeah you're so, talking about post elon hold on you're talking about post elon musk yeah yeah, post Elon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, okay, like okay. you, Mario, post Wait, Elon. But to, I guess, no, I never you know, said me hey, getting suspended. I've used me as a success. Oh, go ahead, Trash. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So, tweet five. Uh, Fear the Floops account is temporarily unavailable because it violates the Twitter media policy. That specifically tells you the reason. And that's why I believe that Taylor Lorenz got this whole train started, but it was a mass report. You didn't yeah. answer. Yeah, I thought. Uh, yeah, so can you someone tell, tell Trash yeah. about how, like how. Sorry, tell Simon about how easy it is to mass report accounts. It, it, well, I, I was one of them. Like I said, I've been banned all the time um, because I would engage into, you know, trans arguments with like Stanford professors. And that's when I got mass reported in mass death threats for just. Yeah, but then, but then wait, again, wait. like I can see why you would get suspended because what I mean is if but, you're saying something against the trans community in the previous regime, yeah. that would be something. No, so, so Simon, I know, I know groups, Simon, Simon, I know groups that do that. They do that for people. You could pay them and they go mass report an account and get it suspended. Yeah. And I've but, seen them, ha I've seen it happen to a lot of people. There are DMs and even if that, that, will, come on, guys. that you can join and them. Even, it, even, like, genuine oh, question, God. like, even when that account doesn't, one sec, well, even if, when that account doesn't violate any policy. Yeah, the, the procedure is... Yeah, 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 yeah. Trash, yes, you can... You can pay. Okay. All right, guys, can we all stop talking for a sec? Tr I'll, I'll ask you, Simon, and then Trash is trying to make a point. So I'll get Trash to make a point right after I ask Simon. It's ask you a question. Yes, Simon, it's very, very, very common. Like, I can connect you. Bob, speak to Bob's from the team, man. He'll tell you how easy it is and how unfair it is. I had my account, my Instagram account, got suspended for eight months because of a fucker that didn't like me for another reason, a business, uh, just for business purposes. He banned my account for eight months because it was an account I barely used, and it was just a personal Instagram account. Um, but anyway, so and I know for a fact he requested it because I've seen the requests. But this is one like, this is so fucking common. Like talking something is very common knowledge. Uh, Trash, go ahead. Yeah, thank you. So again, uh, reading tweet five <laughs> one more time. So you guys have the. Uh, it was a temporarily unavailable because it violates a Twitter media policy. What the Twitter media policy actually is is it's sharing graphic or violent adult nudity, sexual behavior within live video or profile header, listing banner images or community cover photos. So what it's saying is the reason that they use this in a mass reporting is because that that algorithm is set specifically after a certain number of reports to automatically suspend the account because they're afraid of like child child graphic scenes or murder or sexual uh, rape, things like that. And so they want that taken down so they can evaluate it, which is why his account kept getting brought back because they were mass reporting under the media policy, even though it was not violating the media policy at all because they knew how the algorithm worked. That's why I believe Taylor Lorenz was the impetus that started all this, but a mass reporting was the end of this. The, the question for Flute, though, it's like, so how long what was this, because I'm not sure if he answered this or question before, but like, how long was this mass reporting going on for? Like, is it reasonable to say for an entire week he'd be mass reported and his account kept getting like banned? Like, like what, what's the time period for this? I'm not sure. Yeah, so let me ask uh, Rob, how long has you, have you been getting reported, uh, sorry, suspended, unsuspended, suspended, unsuspended? Well, that account is is permanently suspended. It was banned. Yeah, it is. Um, and oh, I would on. say, so Edward, sorry, Rob, didn't you say uh, that you deactivated it? I did, and then I reactivated it the next morning. Oh, 
Okay, now you add this. What a twist. Okay, so you deactivated it, but then the next morning you reactivated it, and that's when it got permanently suspended. Uh, no, it was still active and getting reported, not nearly at that rate or volume for the next, I, I can't, I, I don't want to say how long, because I, I want to be technically correct, and I can't, it was a period of, of days of, or weeks, 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 weeks-ish, um, and then it got suspended because I made a joke about Anna Navarro from The View uh, tweeting out, happy birthday, anal. Okay, so, so before going to the happy birthday anal, sorry, Simon. Before going happy, in, in those weeks before the happy birthday anal tweet that got you suspended, <laughs> just, no, of course you're going to get suspended. But it's like you're asking, you're asking. No, no, it did. No, no, no. <laughs> she, she tweeted it. She tweeted out a picture of somebody that wrote in the sand, happy birthday, Anna, and they put an exclamation no, joking, point, joking. and it clearly okay, said I, I, anal. Okay, okay, Rob, Rob. Just going back to the point. <laughs> just going back to the point. So within those weeks before you got permanently suspended because of the anal tweet, um, how off were you still getting suspended and unsuspended still, or kind of eased up near the end and stopped happening? It, it it wasn't like constant, like every five minutes. It was every few hours. There you go. Okay, holy shit. Okay, so Sarah, can you you gotta stop doing that? Okay, so going back, how and then. Uh, did it ever go unsuspended? So it didn't get suspended for like days on end or no? Um, no, I believe I got a seven-day ban at, at some point in there. And I can't remember for what. Um, the one for that, something else as well. Okay. For something else as well. One, I can remember I have, I have a lot of them screen capped of just they said I violated the media policy but didn't say what it was. One time they did tell me what it was because they made me delete it and it was my header image which was my cat shooting a 249 saw. No violence or anything. It's just a cat shooting a 249 saw, and they said that's violence. Okay, so, so one more question, Rob. Is um, During that period, those few weeks, was the whole Taylor Lorenz thing in that thread, which included Taylor Lorenz, was that still going viral and gaining a lot of traction, or kind of died off and people moved on? Uh, I deleted the thread. It just it, it was bringing way too much when of do everything. Delete, when do you delete it? Honestly, I don't know. I think I deleted it when I reactivated my account or something. Um, some either the next day or so within a day or two. One, one second, one second. So you deleted the post that was yes. reported. Yes. And even then, your account was getting suspended and unsuspended for weeks afterwards. Correct. And I deleted my entire timeline to try and alleviate that, and it still was getting suspended. All right. So a suspension expert. Do you want to guys explain that to me then, Sarah? A mass reporting. How does yeah, that the mass reporting. I don't know. No, I don't think Sarah's a suspension expert. The mass reporting kept so you, up. Yeah, so it could be. So, you, so, so it could be Simon. It could be. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, like, if so it could be still the mass reporting ongoing. Like, when someone starts getting mass reported, it just starts spreading like wildfire. Or it could be something. The same explanations are plausible. Someone put in something automatic. Mass reporting is ongoing, or someone doing it manually. Um, so the, 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 the same reasons are there. That could be. So wait, no, could no, be no. Like, so what, what, one second. So I can basically report your profile as a poster. Oh yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay, no problem. Uh, I'll say like here's the thing. Like, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't report people because it's lame, isn't it? It's like weak ass stuff. Sorry. You don't need to report people to do one plus one equals two, bro. Uh, but go ahead, chief. I'll say this, like, because I mean, like, I, I, I was so I was mass reported. I was like banned for like a year or two basically off twitter so the mass reporting that that is uh definitely possible 
the question though it's like how because you know, for me when i was mashboard i was banned i i had a permanent permanent ban on it for like a year or two and then i got reinstated so wh whether or not this reporting was a long-term thing and um if there's any like communication that directly shows yeah, usually yeah chief chief usually usually uh, that's a fair point like if you if you get mass reported enough times you get permanently i don't know actually like i'm some pretend, like, i just don't know I don't know. Suspension. The the moderating so, procedures so will change over from, time. This is one well, evidence let me, from Sarah let me, Paul, right? This one evidence. No, but we want. But Samad, we we need evidence both sides because like, I can't tell you if you get mass report. But hold on, um, Rob, you said sorry to interrupt you, Chief, but just quickly, Rob, you said that you were getting mass reported. How do you know you were getting mass reported? Because my account would get locked. Um, I would have to go and find the email, and it would say your account has been locked. Uh, and I, the frustrating part of it was they almost never told me why I didn't get anything, even, even the policy, I not alone the, what I did, but even the policy that I violated, it was just, your account has been suspended. Would you like to appeal this? Yes. And I would appeal it and say, you know, you get a free tech space. And I would say, I don't know why I'm being reported. I've and I think on most of them after that first day, I had deleted my entire timeline. Like I had no tweets. I went I in got, and I got, used back, it. Back to back to sorry, Rob. Back to the question. But how did you know that you were getting mass reported? Well, because I would get it reactivated, and then it would get it would get taken down again, and my account would be locked. I'd have to go into my email account, say it would say you violated you know the policy. Would you like to appeal this? So it was just that I was getting my account locked over and over and over. Yeah, so I think the conclusion, um, I, I just, guys, I, I think the conclusion just seems, maybe Chief, Sarah, Dustin, quick thoughts on what we've heard so far, and then we'll kind of conclude it. Yeah, so the, the I mean, for, for context, like, I, I kind of fear I was mass support because people were, like, replying to me who I had never, like, seen before, and, like, a lot of them were negative. Uh, then I just saw, like, I, I was pretty much banned for, like, a year or two. So, um, you know, I, I think that the, the short answer for this whole thing, it's that there, there, as of right now, there's no direct, like, you know, screenshot that shows Taylor communicating to, uh, the, the, the GET saying ban this account and then them comply. We don't have that yet. However, yeah, if there was, if there was that request, sorry, chief, sorry, continue. I shouldn't have interrupted. Sorry, man. So like if there was if if we had that that's one thing we don't have that but given that there is a GT relationship already that we can point to that that's kind of where suspicion kind of arises and the fact that um the the way I guess that it was getting the way it was locked seems different than when I was when I was probably the you know getting that lockout I didn't have a lockout I just got one message saying I'm gone basically I mean him to have his account getting back at least you know then getting banned again. Back the band. That's different. That was my final message, by the way. When it did get locked, it was like, you're locked. That's it. Okay. When I lost my account. Yeah. It just seems the way the way that like the way that, that Well he just Chief, he just gave he just gave the same example. You said, like, hey, this is how I got suspended when I got uh, mass reported. Uh, and he's like, Yep, I got suspended exactly the same way at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, regardless unless we have direct you know, picture of that communication. I think, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I would say, uh, you know what, Chief? I'm gonna actually going to push back this time on the other side and say um, I still think it's more plausible it was internal for the same reason, as you said, it actually had that influence. Um, 
and then and the argument is like, hey, but we should have some sort of communication. Yeah, but if it was an employee at Twitter, she could be just WhatsApping him privately. Uh, right. We don't know. Uh, if that employee is listening to us right now, shitting himself, saying hopefully they won't expose me, hit me up. Give me the proof that it was you. We can keep your identity anonymous. Make this juicier. Yeah. Uh, we've that, had this happen before. But uh, like, it's still very plausible. I just The reason I keep pushing towards the mass reporting it just I think that 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 possibility was not included. That context was not included in the thread, and I think it should have. And it's not as conclusive as the thread made it out to be. And we all kind of went through the thread and did not really question that part. So uh, I, I gave us credit. I'm going to take back that credit. We should have questioned that part before Rob came in and kind of gave us his story. Um, Sarah, uh, Ryan, oh, and Dustin, your th- yes, Mario, Sarah, hey, I credit. just Mario. I no, no, but Sarah doesn't. But someone, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Yes, that was me, Mario. Hey, sorry. I was getting disconnected, reconnected. I just hit up one of my buddies who worked at Facebook. He was in a higher-up position there. And I asked him about this whole mass reporting thing, how it works on their platform. And he said one of the – there's a kind of a – there's a tr- auto-trigger that happens if an account gets mass reported at a high volume just to protect it. They will suspend it automatically. And then there will be internal reviews that go on to be able to unsuspend it or undo it, or if you submit the right document, there's auto-triggers that happen. So there are possibilities that the account kept getting suspended and unsuspended because of these mass reportings. And then this was the auto-trigger going off. I don't know what Twitter's is, but for on Facebook side of things, this is what no, I know. That it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's the same on Twitter. Uh, but the reason I didn't mention it is like, I don't know how it works. Like, how many auto-triggers can you have before it stops auto-triggering? Because the way it would usually work is that when you get auto-triggered, it... it um, um, Remember, we work with a lot of clients as well, and these businesses do this to each other. Like it's pretty fucking dirty. But when you get auto, when it gets auto triggered, um, and then it gets manually checked, next time there's a mass reporting, it won't be suspended as quickly. Um, but we also know that these um, the the, sen- the censorship or the the, the 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 reporting procedures for all social media media platforms are far from perfect. That means it could easily be abused, mistakes could easily happen, system could easily crack, there could be glitches. These are very, very common. And there's multiple, like we're, we're sitting there breaking this down. There's examples of people getting suspended, and you, Rob, you gave us a few examples, for stupid shit. Um, so sometimes you just got to give, you got to just remind, uh, uh, remind uh, sometimes you got to remember that the system itself, the reporting process system, whatever, is very, very imperfect. Um, but I appreciate you mentioning that, Ryan. Um, Dustin and Sarah. Dustin, you want to go first? I know you've been waiting for a while. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, so I, I'd be curious to ask Paul Thacker why he isolated Taylor Lorenz out, like why he made that editorial decision. Because I think as you guys have exposed, right, like it wasn't completely buttoned up. And my guess is it was an engagement decision, like an editorial decision, than it was like to showcase what he was given as far as the media's special access and not just the media broadly but the censorship reporters like ben collins like um taylor lorenz like brandy zandrosny uh like oliver darcy at cnn right uh in the other thread that he did it it kind of encapsulates how they had special access within twitter so that the regular procedures weren't followed which causes the kind of confusion we're saying tonight right when we're talking about rob and these other situations is that it, what's clear is that the regular procedures were overridden because these media censors had special access. And the really difficult for, part for the people who are being censored is that when those normal policies and procedures are overridden, 
it's really hard to get the internal communications and what really happened in order to defend yourself from whatever suspension or shadow banning was the end result of being targeted by whether it was Ben Collins or Taylor Lorenz mm. or somebody else. And that's the... Yeah, exactly. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a valid point. Like, why Taylor Lorenz? And now we've got a lot more questions to ask. Uh, what was his name? The journalist's name? Um, Paul. Uh, Paul. Paul. So we got more... Yeah, so so we got more information, more questions, more direct questions we can ask Paul. Maybe we'll see. We'll talk to him behind the scenes, see if it's worth covering this in a future space. Why Taylor Lorenz? Why didn't you cover that other scenario? So, uh, and I think I want to kind of criticize the team and, and uh, you know, I'm not going to name them other than Slayman and the rest of the team. And myself, we've invited Rob Province ourselves. He's in the fucking screenshot yet. Yeah, we didn't invite him until he reached out to us. Usually we're pretty good at that. So for the team, um, you got to, you know, we got to step it up. We made a fuck up today. Um, I mean, Sarah, I mean, final... just, to back, just to back the team up that you're attacking, we literally decided like 20 or 30 minutes before the space we were going to do it. Ah, uh, bro. Well, I got high standards, so instead of trying to, you always want to be the guy that sounds good and just fuck. Stop chasing engagement. Shit. I'm, I'm saying facts. The people, bro. I've I'm got high. Exactly. You're a man of the people. You'll say whatever shit the people want to hear, so they engage with you. I'll just give them facts. If the people don't like it, I'll tell them the hard fucking truth. If my team doesn't like what I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna not gonna encourage them if they made a mistake. I'll say, hey guys, we made a fucking mistake. Um, but at least I'm not calling out their names. Jesus. Every time you you have an opportunity to get some clicks and say something that would go well with the people, even though it doesn't make any fucking sense, you jump there and, and get your soundbite. Fuck. Um, Sarah, any final words? I think it was pretty epic. And credit to you. Someone says credit to Sarah because she said, hey, we don't have proof. <laughs> yeah, but people do this in our space every time. You just landed a lucky one, maybe. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I do think that happened because it, I think it back on it, her argument was quite weak at the beginning. But when the when she came exactly, out, exactly, I think she just got she's got lucky. She didn't argument. she oh, didn't go she didn't she uh, Sarah, you didn't go, guys. We don't have proof. Look at tweet number four. It doesn't really show any direct correlation with Taylor Rice making the, the this. And let's reach out to Paul directly, who could uh, so we can better understand the story. Because how what if he was mass reported? That would have been a good argument. Either way, though, you're probably the closest to it. So, so more credit no, than any I, of us. No, I completely stand by it that it was mass reporting. I don't believe it was Taylor Lorenz on the phone with some Twitter employee that was hitting a button a thousand times. That's absurd. Um, the fact that Paul Thacker didn't even reach out to Rob when Rob was... That's crazy. Hold on, Rob, Rob. Yeah, did Paul Thacker reach... Paul, hold on. Rob, did Paul Thacker reach out to you? Um, no, he he didn't well, reach out to well, me, well, but I mean, profile, he? So he my, yeah, it's, I mean, no, he, no, no, he, hold on. My fear the proof account is banned. Um, yeah, so yeah, but not about you're in the guys, guys, you're in the screenshot. Yeah, that's true. And that's why I say that. So I meant he's in the screenshot. Hold on, Sarah, just let me. So I meant he's in the screenshot. You talk about journalism integrity, just so I meant, What do you have to say about that? Say, man. <laughs> no, which screenshot? Which screenshot are you talking about? Screenshot number four. Are you really asking which screenshot, man? Are you, hold on, hold on, hold on, guys, guys. Hold on, hold on. Are you asking, guys? Are you asking which screenshot? I even said it in the space, and I. Sp Did you even read screenshot four? Yeah, I've read four. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I don't yeah, think you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I get you. Now. He was there. Yeah. What do you think no, of no, that? You're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry, I've been too focused on, uh, focused on managing the space, but yeah. 
It's okay, I won't give you shit because uh, I would give it's an easy one for me, but I won't because you're usually no, you're no, that's really a good that's at this a stuff. Like, no, no, I accept it. Respect. I like, I like, you know what I like the most? Like, what really, uh, I'm not going to make a silly joke here, but what really, you know, makes me happy uh, is when you actually own up to a mistake because yeah, you're, admit, and you do it behind it, you do it. Let me finish, let me finish, let me give you credit. Let me, yeah, I know, I know, but let me finish. You, you rarely do it, and you do it more behind the scenes than you do it publicly. But knowing your ego and how intelligent you think you are, um, and I'll let you stay in that bubble, it just makes it hard for someone with really high ego and they think they're the smartest person in the world, which again, that's you. It's very hard for them to admit mistakes. So when you admit it, it just takes more courage than a person like Rob that is a realistic person, is not living in a delusion and knows like, hey, he's just the average Joe. Um, right, anyway, uh, moving no, away no, from your delusion, Slayman. No, no, no. Your thoughts on Paul? You're can I ask you a question? I'll let you comment. I'll let you comment, but can I ask you? Can I ask you a question no, no, though? No, no, uh, no, I'll let you respond. No, I'll let you no, respond. No, I'll let you respond. No, no, I'm gonna respond to this first because you're gonna derail it. So first of all, I do admit I'm wrong, but I'm rarely wrong. In this scenario, it was real time. We were trying to figure things out. That's the only difference. Go ahead, Mario. Yeah, it was in real time. You couldn't see his fucking name. Anyway, I don't want to criticize you for this. These slip-ups happen. Uh, but silly. Uh, the question I have, what do you think of Paul himself, who wrote the thread, who had all the time in the world, why do you think, and he put the screenshot there, for Paul not to reach out to, to Rob is, is, is concerning, no? Uh, it's disappointing, to be honest. Um, so if you, even, even when you look at it, like, like some of the, these points that we've figured out, like what I normally do is when I, when I write things, I'll write and then I'll leave it for like a day, except when, when I'm doing it for you because it's like a rush. But my own ones, I write it and then leave it for a day or two and just think about what all the counter arguments, all the weak spots in it, and then come to that. So he's obviously not done that because Sarah was saying, so, so this is the point. So what Sarah was saying, look, we, we don't see the words from Twitter saying, now, now, okay, Todd Taylor, we now accept you and we're going to ban. I believe that was a weak argument. But for example, the mass banning one, the argument that came much later when in the conversation, that one is a more stronger argument and that's the point so it took us what like an hour or so to get to that argument and again it was discussions and we had robin here so it made it easier but ordinarily that's what journalism is you're literally trying to figure out what the weaknesses are so i i believe that he did fail in doing that yeah and and uh, i uh, and draw uh, uh sorry not Rob, paul paul just we're giving you very open feedback here i think you you know we've looked at your work beforehand you do great work and you seem like a really genuine honest guy so slip ups do happen with any journalist and we're saying this is a slip up by the way we don't know maybe paul has more information we don't have um but i think i'm i'm you know i like how we break things down we don't follow things blindly and i think we did a good job we did a average job we should have spotted this before uh, before rob but for rob not to have been contacted even if it comes out that taylor lorenz and there is proof that taylor lorenz uh did send that request the proof shouldn't been in that thread and the most basic thing to do is reach out to the main person in the story, which is Rob. Um, Millie, any thoughts? Suddenly everyone's up on stage. Millie, Ari, everyone's up. Texas Lindsay. <laughs> what happened, everyone? Millie? Hello, everyone. Um, so hey, I want to draw your guys' attention to something I noticed on tweet number six. So if you look at what's happening here in this email, it seems to be that there's a person named Lyriel who's contacting Twitter and she's citing Taylor Lorenz as a reporter at one of her partners. So that's interesting. Um, when you look at who is, who is Lyriel and she notice she signs down there, Lyriel Higa news partnerships. So 
Which tweet? Sorry, which tweet is that? Number six. So if you look okay. up Lyriel Higa and that news partnerships, um, what you find, um, just Googling it, journalist.org, Lyriel Higa, she's a senior partner manager for U.S. News at Twitter, responsible for strategic partnerships with digital and print newsrooms in yeah, the United yeah, we, States. We, yeah. Yeah. She was previously deputy director of audience at New York Times Opinion, where she established their Twitter spaces and live video chat. So she does seem to be somebody, uh, g- given that she was a senior partner manager for U.S. News at Twitter, she does seem to be somewhat affiliated with Twitter on a professional level. But it is interesting that what she's noting in this this email is that Taylor Lorenz, a reporter at one of my partners... So she does seem to have some kind of relationship with Taylor Lorenz. Um, and she seems to be reaching out to, to flag content that Taylor's pushing into her direction. And she does seem to have pull at Twitter. So, yeah, so even so though that I don't one, think we, there's we, a direct communique, I think you have a, a person who clearly has a, a relationship with Twitter that Taylor is pushing info to to then get it banned, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. We- no, no, we've we've talked about it. like we've talked about it a lot. That um, it's it's unquestionable. Taylor did have too much influence, and my concern is the the, the imperfections in 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 those social media platforms. The ability to unless in 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 any really any system that we build, corruption will exist. And I think social media platforms have that. We've seen that in the Twitter files. We saw that today in Taylor, Taylor Lorenz's influence on those, and I've seen it even things outside Twitter files where people have too much influence in those social media platforms. It's actually an example of a guy, I don't want to name it, but there's a, an influencer that you all know got an account suspended for, you know, that account did wrong things, but they got suspended just out of vendetta, uh, out of a business uh, mis- uh, business issue they had. Um, and the story is very, very public. Um, and we know how he did it. We know who he, could, uh, who he contacted on Twitter, paid him a lot of money to get an account suspended. And that's recent. When I say recent, I mean the last couple of months, and uh, not couple of months, probably five months ago. Uh, post Elon Musk, and that you know these things will continue to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a valid point, and uh, it's though it just doesn't doesn't apply to the you know concern we we're kind of wrapping up with, which is why Rob wasn't contacted, and, and there isn't enough evidence to say Taylor Lorenz got floof, the floof account suspended. Uh, we'll I give agree the mic to Chief and Sarah. If anybody knows Elon, can somebody try and get my cat account back? That'd be great. I don't think that that Taylor was able to necessarily get it. As as far as we know, we haven't seen the evidence that we can state that that's a fact. Lindsay, help with that. We can state that Taylor (laughs) had too much info. So so everyone's speaking. Yeah, Texas, I'll let you jump in. So yeah, Millie, I I agree. I think the the point of... of, um, um, uh, Taylor Lorenz having too much influence is uh, pretty evident from what we've seen, and so valid. Even Sarah is putting a hundred percent emoji, so agrees there. Uh, Texas, you were jumping in, and I think Ari was jumping in. Go ahead, Texas. Yeah. So I actually worked. I went with Paul multiple times to Twitter and worked on the Twitter files with him. And I, I, I did recommend to Paul that he reach out to our contact to get your account um, unsuspended. Um, I don't know if he did that, but I'm happy to reach out to the engineer that we worked with to help get your account back. I, I remember seeing that. your thread when it went viral. So, <laughs> and I know you were in the queue earlier um, in spaces, but we we wrapped before I could bring you up. So I'm sorry I didn't realize that was you. 
in the in the audience but yeah so it the thing about the uh, news partnerships is they selected a handful of journalists to um partner with them to report misinformation so when that email sign she's not one of my that woman saying she's not one of my partners she's she has a network of partners that they all reach out to one person at twitter to report misinformation they have reporters that they're using as like field agents to report misinformation and censor people so that that's what was going on it's so shocking that you would have the media being tattletales on the public i just that to me is um was was unbelievable to to discover uh texas just quick question first i know you did a space on this before and, and hats off to you i know you've been involved in the twitter files and and um, you know other aspects of fighting censorship. So, so I want to give you a, a kudos here as well, and thanks for coming up. Uh, question to you, Texas. Do you know why Paul and, and I don't want to keep pushing that too far? You know, we've kind of butchered that point. But do you know why Paul has didn't contact uh, you or Paul didn't contact Rob while uh, doing this piece? Um, well, well, that's what I, kind of the point I was trying to make. I I didn't know who feared the the, the floop was. I know Paul has a name somewhere in a screenshot, but it's in the um, it's in the screenshot. Yeah, it's, it's a screenshot in tweet four. But yeah, go ahead. Right, right. So I pull the I I help pull the files and put everything together. Paul is the one doing the the journalism aspect by reaching out to sources. He wanted to keep that separate from for me um, when I was working with him, so that we can. Texas, you just role. you threw Paul under the bus, Texas. No, You're doing no, what no, Slime Man would do. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I joke, I joke, I joke. He was the one invited to, to do it, so he wanted to... Because I've offered to reach out to sources, but he wanted to be the person that handles that. So, you know, he has his own um, way and approach of, of handling it, and and then I have, I have mine. So... Um, but I can I can definitely reach out to no, you. No, all good. I'll, I'll ping him. All good. Well, I, I never throw you. anyone under the bus, but Texas, I've got a question for you. I was you know joking. Paul... I know. You do the opposite. Yeah, yeah. But Texas, I've got a question for you. Um, you know, um, this. Do you, I don't know if you heard the debate that we were having, whether this was mass reporting or whether someone, based on what Taylor Lorenz was saying, had basically coded it in where he was continued to be suspended. Based on your experience of being in Twitter and like the research you're doing, do you have any more information on what it could be more, or what's more plausible? So, um, it, people got suspended and censored for various reasons. Sometimes they were just suspended for straight up AI, um, and there was no human interaction. But in some cases, people did have a backdoor, um, so to speak, or contacts, friends at Twitter that they would reach out to, and then those emails would get forwarded along to Trust and Safety. And um, as Paul hinted in the, the files that he dropped um, for Taylor was she had, uh, you know, each person has an account um, with all their emails and everything attached to it in the Twitter system. And she has a long track record of um, reporting or complaining or whatever attached to her account. So that's why she was seen as a mass reporter, so to speak. Uh, so so Sarah, quick final. Well, thank you, Texas. Sarah, quick final words. And then I want to get. I want to ask Patrick a question. Let me bring Patrick up. Patrick, come up. I got one question for you before I end the space. Come up, bro. Uh, yeah. So, so go ahead, Sarah. Great point, Sarah. It won't let. Me, it wouldn't let me unmute. I'm so sorry. Best point you made, Sarah. It wouldn't let me unmute. I, I love this point. All right. Now that Sarah's done, uh, let me get Patrick up. No, I'm joking. Go ahead, Sarah. 
Oh my gosh. Uh Sarah, we can't hear you. Sarah, you can't, we can't hear you, Sarah. You, you keep, I don't know why. You just... This is the best punch, <laughs> I'm Sarah. joking. <laughs> the best punch Sarah's no. made all day. Uh, just for the audience, I've just been uh, uh, muting Sarah nonstop. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Sarah. Thank you. If you mute me again, I swear I'm going to dox you. Um, um, I just want to point out that didn't Elon... Wait, 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 wait. Don't be attacking my boy like that. <laughs> Only I'm allowed to smash him. Don't be doxing him. There's nothing to dox, dox about him, all How right? do you know I was talking about Mario, bro? I could have been talking about you, Trash. You don't know. There's nothing to dox about me. I'm open. Everyone knows everything about me. I don't hide nothing. Yeah, yeah, you're the top G. Everybody knows. Um, I wanted to point out that didn't Elon Musk say in his interview the other day that uh, when a journalist, when community notes hits a journalist, they should be embarrassed? Something to that effect? Somebody correct me? All right, Seth. We know where you're going Yeah, with he got Go community ahead. noted. And so I think that's important that there was a tweet that was community noted and they didn't reach out to uh, Rob. Um, I think that was important. And Rob himself said that he could not definitively say if it was mass reporting or Taylor Lorenz. I think it was lazy journalism. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't because he was mass reported. It was because um, Taylor's direct email to Twitter requesting that they look into it. And then it was gone. Hold on, Texas. No, it came back. What? Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. What, you're saying Taylor Lorenz directly requested Floof's account to be suspended? Texas, I, Lindsay? I, I digress. I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like something yes. something has transpired in this conversation before I got here. Yeah, yeah, you did, yeah, you did. So, 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 um, yeah, he's so nice. I don't want to, I don't want to put you on the spot and destroy you. Yeah, Slayman like, will just go. Slayman is like a lion. He'll just go for the attack whenever you're seeing someone too nice or too weak. So I, I'll we'll back you up. Don't worry. Here, so but... on tweet, too, no, 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 I won't pass. You're too kind. I've, you know, you've been too kind to us for the last few months. So, so Lindsay, just on tweet number four. That's why we've been critical, critical of Paul. On tweet number four, he does say, and he implies throughout the tweet that throughout the thread that Taylor Lorenz is the reason that that account floof. They did the whole thread, got suspended. Taylor Lorenz requested the suspension. But then there's no proof at all of that. And uh, Floof, who's um, Rob here below, was never contacted by Paul to kind of confirm that. And Paul, Floof, which is Rob, says that he thinks the reason he got suspended is actually mass reporting. A lot of indications that it's very plausible as mass reporting. So it wasn't Taylor Lorenz directly requesting it. Still possible, but it's not. we don't know it as a fact and not enough homework. No, uh, Rob wasn't contacted. No one from, from uh, Twitter's censorship team uh, was 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 contacted to kind of confirm this out that you know this so, looks like a someone behind the scenes doing it. So that was what the discussion for the past hour, and uh, we were yeah. a bit critical of Paul. And yeah, Mario. Does Mario, anyone so, know so, if so Taylor quick, real, had real, to be real, critical of Paul? Quick. I give him a hard time and, all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Go ahead, Trash. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So let me let me Lindsay, let's kind of clear this up. So well, here's what I think actually happened. Uh, and I said this earlier, and I, I'm standing by it. And there, the general consensus in the background, they probably agree with me, is that Taylor initiated this. She, she was the actual impetus to get the account originally taken down. Uh, it was shared around. Uh, she was making statements about it being said. But once that initial reporting happened, then there was mass reporting as it went viral, as it was picked we up. We don't know, but we don't. But trash, trash, we don't. I mean, yes, I, I mean, yes, that's what you see there. I, I disagree. That's, a, that's more weaker than Sarah's argument, because what you're basically saying is, I know, but I'm not trying to say Sarah's arguments were weak as well. But what I'm saying is, because um, you're basically saying that she 
uh, basically she reported and immediately after that because he he's saying within minutes then people are mass reporting and so therefore you have a scenario where she reports it gets suspended it comes back and then after that it's not her and then it's the mass reporting could be could due to happen i think that's the least plausible scenario i don't think so at all she was the one that picked it up so she was the one that actually picked it up and, but and this it was, is it's not picked it's it up but there's no, but, but trash. There's no proof. That's the thing that what we're saying is that there's no proof of the the story you have. There's no proof of the story that Sarah have has or anyone. Everyone's speculating, but the thread makes it seem like this is a known fact that Sarah Taylor Lorenz did it. And oh, I think Lindsay, the thread should have. Lindsay was there. Could have. Lindsay yeah, was Lindsay where there. She, she saw the file. Mm-hmm. Then Lindsay, can yeah, you say that it was definitive? Yeah, well, hold on. No. Um, Do you ha- is there any proof that Taylor Lorenz directly requested for Fluff's account to get suspended because the thread doesn't include any No, no, such we evidence? have proof of that. What you we have No, no, we have proof of that. So, hold on, hold on. Oh, okay, okay, that's important. Hold on. Okay, okay. So, Simon, where is that proof? Sorry. So, I- I'm glad you mentioned that. Where is that proof, Simon? Which so, tweet? look, what we, what we have is on tweet number four, she's asking for that account to be suspended. Now, and Sarah's initial argument was... Where is... Hold on. This- Wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. Two seconds. Sorry, sorry. Uh, where is that request direct? Where is that request from uh, Taylor? It says Same on man. there. It says the tweet number four. Can you see where it says assign all, and then it says Taylor Lorenz. Assignee all Taylor Lorenz. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So she made a request. Oh, all right. Oh, so oh, so we yes. know that Taylor Lorenz. Lindsay, yeah. So we know that Taylor Lorenz made a request, but yeah. Okay, hold on. I don't know who's talking, but two seconds. So yeah, so we know that Taylor Lorenz requested, but what you're about to say, Simon, is that we don't know that this is the reason that uh, uh, Twitter, we, we don't know, because Twitter's, when you look at it, in Twitter's system, it says that they don't agree with that request. So the only, so that's why we, it could, that's why that, we don't know that actually Taylor Lorenz is the reason, it could, her report so, could have just gone so, ignored, so but the mass report could be clear. So we know Taylor Lorenz, based on her special situation, uh, and her special access that she had is basically asking for this account to be suspended. We knew that all the way throughout. What the contention was that... And no, we, no, 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 hold on, hold on. We don't, it's not, oh sorry, 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 before you continue. No, no, there's a reason. You may, No, just for fuck's sake. There's a statement you made. Let me correct the statement. You, anyone could report. We, she didn't report because she had special access. She could have just reported using Twitter's reporting no, feature. Right. What are you saying, bro? That's, that's not right. Wait. Hold on, guys, guys. If everyone asks at the same time, I can't ask her. So let Slaman explain to me. Go ahead, Slaman. We know she has special access. We know she has special access. We've criticized it. That is obvious, and I've said it many times. But saying in that particular tweet, when you got a signee, Taylor Lorenz, that just shows she reported, but did she use a special access to report? Yes. Slaman? Let me describe the crime scene for you. Really quickly. It's a very simple crime scene. There's a dead kitten on the floor, bathed in blood, and there's uh, Lorenz standing with a shotgun. And you are asking, could it have been a thunder that struck the cat? No, that's a, that's a silly comparison. That doesn't make any sense. We've kind of gone much deeper past that. Let me, let me ask it, a question It, it again. doesn't make Did any Taylor... sense. Exactly, that's my point, Mario. It makes no fucking sense. It's no, her I'm saying your example makes no sense. You know, for that... 
No, it does make sense because there's a crime scene that has a clear connection between Lorenz and the account being uh, disabled, and you're trying to find some imaginative third party. No, we're looking. We're looking. What? But not third party. Imagine. Hold on. Kim, have you been listening to the conversation we've had for the last few hours? Yeah, I have. He talks about mass reporting and all kinds of other things. Yeah. I mean, the, the connection here is obvious, isn't it? There's one person that is on record requesting for the takedown of that account, and the account is taken down the same day. I mean, come on. Who so else should be no, responsible? No, so just the, the, and remember, this was my argument, but what uh, Rob was saying, the person whose account it is, that what was happening to his account was it was it was coming it was being suspended and then he was um, and then immediately he was getting reactivated because he was like uh, appealing it and then it would immediately get suspended and then with for five hours it happened hundreds of hundreds of times and then after that what happened was he uh, deactiv deleted the deactivated reactivated the next day and it continued happening he deleted his post and then it continued happening so their argument is that essentially. Either you've got somebody who's coded it in where it's automatically suspending, which then it's possible that was happening because of Taylor Lorenz, or it's an automatic system that was occurring. So I don't know how this works because I'm not like I'm not IT is not my thing, but that's the argument. So what would be your counter to that? Well, my IT is, IT is my thing. My account gets reported all the fucking time. In Germany, for example, they need to write to you uh, if uh, your account has been reported. I get like 12 emails from Twitter Germany every day about my account being reported. And it has been like this all the time because I'm a controversial tweeter, you know? This stuff happens. No, I don't think banning, there was ever a system... Yeah, but wait a minute. I don't think there was ever a system in place where automatically an account gets banned for mass reporting. That has never occurred. So, so Kim, if it's a small account, like a nobody account, it, the, and, and I think even if someone mentioned it on stage or someone, the DM, you got slay, man, uh, but I know this already, is that what they do is they, uh, someone mentioned it on stage, they automatically ban it, review it manually, and then decide whether to bring it back or not. So that, that I know. Uh, but when it's but that that doesn't apply for all accounts. Like if my account or your account or most people on the panel gets reported, um, it's not treated as the same as like a tiny account. I know it sounds unfair. So for to 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 ban you, Kim, a very active account that has a lot of a high social score, whatever score they have internally, it's it needs a lot more than mass reporting because obviously you're a big target. You have a lot of followers. Uh, but a very small account, it's much easier to get it suspended. What's the small account, Mario? Uh, for, for, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly how many followers. I don't know. It's not the number. It's not only the number of followers. Uh, it's not the only. Hold on, Simon. Two seconds. Kim. Kim. Wait. 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 Didn't he say he had fifteen thousand followers? Okay. Well, let me. Let me. Kim. Yeah, but I'm saying. Yeah, but if, if I was just about to say. To clarify, um, it had fifteen thousand when it started. Just to clarify, it had fifteen thousand when that all started. By the time I was gone, it had twenty-two thousand five hundred. Yeah, so, Lindsay, so what Lindsay I wanted to say is what I wanted to say with Paul and was at Twitter and nobody let her speak. That's what I'm just so confused about. Like she wrote the Twitter so, file. Yeah, what do you mean? Ari, Ari, what do you mean no one let her speak? We wanted her to speak. I was actually said I would love her to speak. No, um, I, look. I, she was up on stage. That was Texas. Um, and, and yeah, she didn't speak. Yeah, she didn't speak up. yet, but I was. No, yeah, because me and I was trying to understand something from Simon before no, going to Texas. We asked her a lot of questions. 
No, no, but that's well, not true. Well, yeah. I, 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 well, that's her own. Yeah, okay. She left. You can message her. I don't know. Hold on, hold on. Okay. You don't have to. I don't know why you're telling us she left. My my impression was that she was trying to like explain how. No, no. We asked. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. She was. One second, Mario. We asked her a lot of questions. I even asked her, and then she said, "Oh, maybe I don't understand, and maybe I could jump in the conversation a bit later." And no, that's after that, right after yeah, yeah. that, though, she was. No, but that's my point. So once, uh, well, I'll be honest with you. Once I was asking her questions, and she wasn't giving like very good clar- clarifying points, then I thought, you know what, there's not much going on here. And then I moved on. I think she didn't have context to everything that was going on. All yeah, I'm I know. Ari, Ari, I, I believe Ari, she was trying Ari, to say Ari. that yes, there was a direct line. Yeah, I know, I know. So what happens, Samantha, is that she was jumping in to say there was a direct evidence. I'm like, cool. That was like, this is a. I want to end it on that point. But there was a. There was something I was trying to understand. From, I don't have to explain this shit. There's something I was trying to explain. I understand from Slayman before because he pointed out that the request was the assignee was Taylor Lorenz. So I was trying to understand that before going to 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 Lindsay to kind of conclude it with any direct evidence because that's the most important thing. Um, but then she didn't want to wait for that and she jumped off. But th- th- I've sent her a message as soon as she jumped off. I said, hey, I'd love you to come back because I got that question for you. But you can message her about that, not us, because I'd love her back. Um, but then, Kim, what I wanted to say earlier, and I want to end this. Like I think this is, you know, we're not talking about uh, a, you know, a massive uh, corruption case here that we should spend more, any more hours on it. Uh, but what I want to say, Kim, is like uh, um, uh, the, the, the account is not only how many followers it has, how many followers it has, how long it's been around for, how many times it's been suspended, how many times it's been reported. It's, it's a whole list of indicators. But I'm not an expert. Like my knowledge is very basic, what I'm telling you. Um, but to conclude, I think I just I do want to conclude. Um, we know that it's very plausible that Taylor Lorenz is the reason her, her she had someone internal at Twitter that kept banning the account. We also know, as Rob said, the account that got banned saying it was mass reported. We know this is also a plausible explanation as well. Um, we were critical and we mentioned that to, to Lindsay and she laughed and said that, you know, I give him a hard time. That Paul should have at least contacted Rob. Um, and then Lindsay said there is direct evidence that Taylor Lorenz uh, is the person that uh, is the reason that suspended the account. Um, so, yeah, Lindsay, just, I think, tweet that out or let us know. Send it through to us. Let me see if she replied to my DM. But also, Paul should have included that in the thread if he's making these allegations, should have included that direct evidence um, that would have been probably the most important evidence. Uh, but I think that's a good summary. I was trying to uh, end the space earlier. Um, but I think that's a pretty good um, good summary of, of where we're at. I don't think I missed anything. Um, Millie, Sarah, well, any any additional points? Yeah, Slamal, I'll give you the final word. Uh, Millie, Sarah, any additional points before we wrap up? Yeah. So I think that the key here is we have to think about this, this Twitter files also in correlation with the previous Twitter files. So in the previous Twitter files, we saw how the election integrity partnership was partnering and essentially DHS was using that partnership, which consisted of journalists in other media outlets um, and, and Stanford research observatory people all to target and, and then send um, flags to Twitter in order to get content pulled and removed. Um, now, in that context, when we see, and I keep going back to uh, the, the Twitter, the tweet number six, where it shows Lirial, who works for Twitter News at Twitter News Partnerships. So that's like somebody officially working for Twitter. And I don't even understand why Twitter had a news um, Twitter news, but they do. Uh, and apparently the purpose, what they say was to spotlight the best practices in journalism and, and kind of, so they worked with other partners in journalism in order to, um, highlight what they consider to be real news. Right. And then you have 
these relationships uh, growing between um, people like Lirial and uh, Lorenz. And then you have this clear, uh, what appears to be a clear hookup, right? Like, oh, I'll hook you up um, or, or I will report things on your behalf because Taylor was a partner. It is said in that email that she was a partner. So what does that mean? Just like what we saw in the previous Twitter files with the EIP, those partners were to flag content and, and push it up the chain of command. Now, this person who's higher in the chain of command at Twitter News, she pushed it and forwarded it up so that it could get dealt with. Now, we don't have the smoking gun. We don't, sorry, we don't have the actual proof. Like, no one has the, the tweet in which we see someone saying, you need to ban and pull this person's account, particularly because Taylor said so in, in the case of uh, educated hillbilly, right, in, in his whole situation. So you're right on that, Mario. We don't have that exact thing. But I do think that we have enough surrounding evidence to where you could actually draw that conclusion. And most people would naturally, using common sense, draw that conclusion. So, so you're right, Mario. And I do agree with you sticking to journalistic ethics and saying we can't say it as a fact if we don't have that evidence. But I think most people are just drawing the conclusion because we've seen so much other evidence of basically impropriety, you know, and things that just don't seem right. Thanks, Millie. And, and Lindsay's here, so we can ask you that, that all-important question as we wrap up. I think that'll be the final question. We do have Walker Bragman, by the way, from Tweet6. He sent me a DM saying the following. He allows us to, to quote what he said. He said, it's funny that he's the journalist Elon Musk is curating for now, really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Thanks for the invite and feel free to quote me. So that was from Walker Bragman from Tweet6. Uh, but Lindsay, the question that we had, Osama, do you want to ask Lindsay the question? Yeah, yeah, Lindsay. So the question is, Lindsay, the question is this, um, and let me explain it because I, I did ask you this before and then people got upset when you didn't answer it in detail before. So, just ask the uh, question, bro. Bro, let me ask, bro. Just keep quiet. So, L Lindsay, the issue is this. We all know that Taylor Wren sent this email based on her special privileges. And based on that, we assume that it was the reason for the person getting banned. But... Um, Rob is saying that what happened was immediately after that he was getting suspended and then reinstated and then he was applying and getting reinstated and this happened continuously for almost five and a half hours and then sporadically ha continued to happen for weeks so the question is this and what the panel are trying to find out is is it is it that this was happening because Taylor Renz requested and then somehow someone was continuing to ban him and whenever he's reinstated, they continue to ban him, or there was some kind of code that continuously banned him, or is it that actually this happened because of mass reporting, and it was just coincidental that Taylor Renz made the um, application to have him suspended? They reviewed the request internally um, about whether or not he violated any rules. They found out that they, he did not violate any rules that they could find uh, that would equate to suspending his account but then he got suspended i didn't um i was not aware that he got reinstated and um over and over that was not in the files what was in the files was that this request was attached to taylor's file at at, at twitter so um for people that um bash uh paul and say that he's 
not a good journalist or scrape the bottom of the barrel. He is um, a former Hill investigator and the, won an award from the British Medical Journal for his investigative work. And um, he's pretty objective with, with his approach and, and things, but I think it is relevant. I mean, um, bottom of the barrel could be argued both ways for... Um, you know, the people no, I would, I would ignore. That, so. Yeah, Lydia, I would, I would ignore the. So the criticism of him, of of Paul, was just a, a response from someone right, I understand. in the. But in the I, I, I would, think yeah, it's I, worth defending since he's not here. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Now, I, I, and I would just want to say, like, I would say that the, the the person that is is part of the Twitter files, so just take that with a grain of salt for anyone listening. Um, but there, just uh, say, man, that they're salty. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, I, I've looked into Paul before this, seems like, and also had him on the stage and, and listened to him. Seems like a very nice guy and, and definitely tries to be objective. Um, the, there was just concern we had, and we mentioned earlier that he didn't reach out to Rob directly. But Sully, uh, did you want to respond back? She, I think Lindsay answered your question, your thoughts? Yeah, so Lindsay, so, so can you see where you basically said, and we've seen the tweet, is tweet number four, where she makes the request based on her special privileges and tries to get him suspended for sure. Um, the question becomes, though, as you said, they reviewed it and felt like he didn't breach the policy, but then he was still suspended. So now the question is, and this is what they ask everyone's trying to ascertain, that was he suspended based on that request or because of mass reporting? Because he wasn't only suspended then, but he was suspended. And then, it, as, as I explained, he kept on getting reactivated. So based on your knowledge of being inside Twitter, and Aria said that you, you, you may have this knowledge, what process do they have in place? For example, when someone's mass reporting, is this what happens? Is it like an auto auto automated system which continues to suspend him, or like what is it? If, I'm not sure if you have that information, is it, or if you have any. And I'll ask a question again. Um, if there's any direct evidence that the suspension was, and and I will ask this before I ask it one last time, was based on Taylor's request, or it's it's one of uh, it's one possibility, but there's no direct evidence that they acted on Taylor's uh, request. Well, right. They were they appeared to say it did not meet the standards for him to be suspended on that. So mass reporting could have been what um, led to his account being suspended. There was no um, direct thing saying that this is what happened and they acted on it because she requested that. So I that that we found um, that might be the case. But, um, you know, just seeing that this was one of the and we weren't just like going in there nobody went in and typed in like taylor Wynn's names we were looking at bigger um bigger accounts and and what led to their suspension like um like what led to dr j Bhattacharya's suspension and that's what led us to taylor so that's what led down that road it wasn't like we were out to get taylor lorenz like I, that's not never been on my radar or paul's we wanted to uncover like what how were these people and why were these people suspended and what was going on and what were the communications that took place Sarah do you believe well, I think it's a good summary Sarah do you believe that um, no bro let's, let's talk silly silly let's stop going in circles man I think we've butchered it enough please um, Ari I'll give you the final words no and, no so, uh, Mara, it's a fair question actually because what, what, oh, I don't on, want man. this place to end where base, well uh, just answer you can answer it then so do you think she was the reason for the Dr. Bhattacharya getting suspended um, um, I don't know, well, man. I'm, oh, you're asking Lindsay. Go ahead, Lindsay. She, so she did request um, help with that because that reporter complained about being doxxed, even though technically he doxxed himself by retweeting the same information and or sharing a screenshot of the information. But it technically wasn't doxxing in this case because it 
this was all public information for a journalist. So, um, but yes, that is what directly led to him and I believe Dr. Koldorf being um, locked out of their accounts. So they weren't suspended. They were just temporarily locked out. And it was because of the direct request from Taylor. Just, okay. So just two, one quick question. Walter Bragman is the person that did the tweet with the information of Dr. Bhattacharya. I could not be able to pronounce his name of the doctor. Um, so he, so that person, Walter Bragman, can you say, man, I'll go to you on this one because we've read the thread. Why did Walter Bragman tweet the, info, the, the, the contact details? Oh, no, Walter so Bragman, Walter Bra- he's the one who's, more, yeah, he's, the one who's, he's the one whose message you ran, read out, isn't it, Mario? Because he was the one who, who on, it was on his behalf that Lorenz got him suspended saying that Bacciara had left Bragman's contact details. Ah, oh, okay, okay, yeah, so I got it, my bad. Cool, um, I think we've butchered it enough, man. You agree before giving Ari the mic to kind of quick wrap up? Yeah, yeah, so just to quickly wrap up. I mean, no, 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 I didn't tell you to wrap up. I said, Ari, any quick words before Slaman wraps up? Thanks, Mario, and I really enjoy your spaces. Thanks for having me up here. I just, I guess, um, oh, I, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, I think something that, it really um, stood out to me with these files is just that, um, you know, the influence that Taylor had in within Twitter and that other people um, sort of knew that she had that influence. Um, I think the uh, number 13, uh, it said Lorenz had more than special reporting access to get accounts banned when, oh, sorry, no, it wasn't that one. Uh, it was, um, oh my gosh, I can't find it now but it's Probably one does. where that's yeah it's one just talking about how um she was able to reach out on other people's behalf and i think that um you know when people in the industry know that somebody has that kind of power that kind of connection with the platforms it it just it it makes everybody not want to ruffle her feathers at least you know that's my impression is that other people are like okay Taylor has this access. And so when you're talking about um, people in social media who she reports on, you know, uh, typically journalists are not allowed to, you know, give money in exchange for a story or um, they're not allowed to have these conflicts of interest. And when you look at um, um, when you look at um, something like access to the to the platforms, the level that Taylor had. In, in my eyes, that could be looked as something of value, like, you know, an exchange. Uh, um, if you get, you know, I'm not saying that she did this, but I'm saying like, if you have a connection to get someone verified at, at Twitter or Facebook back when it was, you know, the holy grail for influencers, um, and, and they know that, and you're asking them for information, and they give you that information, potentially because they think they're going to get something in return, which is a verified account or, um, you know, unbanning their account, whatever it may be. That's just a special kind of privilege that I think, you know, it, 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 it makes sense to me why people treated her the way they did in my eyes, which was that she had a lot of influence um, and that could be wielded to her in whatever favor she wanted. So that's that's just what I got out of it. So thank you for letting me speak. Thanks a lot. I appreciate coming, Ari, and uh, Lindsay as well. Well done with the thread. I'm so burnt out, Slayman. I thought we'll do a quick space today for a couple of hours. Uh, but yeah, man, wrap it up. Uh, I, we did pretty good, man. I know I keep uh, blowing smoke up our ass. We don't need more, but um, yeah, we did good. Another one, and there's like two and uh, two this week. We had the Lev Parnas one with the whole Rudy Giuliani. We'll tweet about it tomorrow. We'll do a thread about it. 
all you get credit, all the credit for that one. And then we just did this one, but that one's not that big of a, you know, it's not that major news, but uh, we kind of broke it down pretty well. And we, yeah, we you were objective about oh, it. Good job. Uh, so I don't um, want to take the credit myself. I was saying we, but okay, thanks. I, I agree. Thank you. I mean, probably Sarah, probably more than you, but uh, let's just coming back to the, uh, just to wrap up. Yeah, it was, I thought it was a really good space. Um, and just to be clear, even though we don't specifically know whether Taylor Lorenz was the direct cause of getting the um, account banned for Rob, the other people, so for example, and something which is a lot more monumental, and that's why I asked that question before we ended about Dr. Bacciara, she clearly was, and from it again, and remember, we're doing reading this in three times, so I've not sat and read it over a day and contemplated it, but it looks like she was the direct cause for get banned, getting him suspended for a period of time and that is monumental because he was somebody who spoke out against covid and one of the one of one of the very few so i would say that's much more worse and much more impactful than any other thing and that shows her direct contact with twitter and basically using her influence and her power to basically silence people great summary thank you very much everyone another great space we're doing we're planning to do um What's funny is that we read that thread um, and we thought it's 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 interesting, but it's not that major to cover. We thought we'd cover it. It's like in the next Twitter files, we'll cover two or three at a, in a, at a time. And we're planning to do Trump versus DeSantis. Um, to be honest, we <laughs> I think the reason we didn't do it, Slaman, I think we got to own up to it. The reason we didn't do it was like, fuck, we had everything planned for Trump versus DeSantis or DeSantis space because he's announcing next week his run for, for presidency. And we're like, ah, oh, we planned everything for this and we don't want to change everything. And it's just such such a difficult thing to do. And we ended up not we're not wanting to cover it. And then 30 minutes before the space, we're like, probably should. It's, it's actually an interesting story yep. and it could lead to a good debate. And we saw some updates about it. And then, you know, Trash and Slay Man and Censored Man all worked together with the team, with Mariana and everyone else. To prepare, we prepared a pretty great good space. The, great and, job by the team to do it in such a short period of time. Well done, guys. You know, you're taking your position as a cause for granted, man. You're not really appreciating it. <laughs> a, it you, you, you've, you've, you've earned it, and now you're about to throw it away if you keep doing this, your little snippets. Um, not snippets, what do you call them? Highlights. Um, but yeah, trash, that final words, man, before soundbite. I end the space. Soundbites, yeah. No, I really, I really, I'm glad we did this one. I, I, I kind of missed the boat where we did not include Ben Collins into this, because again, this is what I was talking about earlier in the space, where it is all related. I wish we would have done that. Uh, but no, I really appreciate you uh, pivoting when you asked me, like, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, no, we need to do this one. Tay-Tay is a hot commodity on Twitter. We definitely need to do this one. So I was glad that we did it. Tay-Tay. Is that Taylor Lorenz? Tay-Tay? Yeah. <laughs> who, has, who has more hate? Uh, who's hated more, Taylor Lorenz or the Krasensteins right now? <laughs> who's getting more hate? The Krasensteins. I don't know, man. I yes, don't like Tay-Tay. We should – I want to – I want to do a whole space on the crest side. Actually, we why who who really who's really? Oh no 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 no! Kim's here. All right, I'm not gonna go down that path. We'll do it in another space. <laughs> really appreciate. I didn't see Kim here because I know that'll take another couple of hours. We'll do another space um, where we really dig into this story because I'm getting so many DMs about it. But great space. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks to all the panelists and and thanks for.
holy cow, it's so much better. Uh, OpenAI has its own app now, officially. And it's really good. Um, yeah, you just go to the App Store and download it. Again, we, we're not affiliated with them at all. In fact, we're going to talk shit about them in a few minutes. Because um, Twitter is talking shit about them, so we'll repeat what Twitter is saying. Um, but the iOS app is actually legit. Like, you can even use it like Siri to have voice. All right, while everybody's waiting, I'll tell you what I've been up to this morning. I downloaded the ChatGPT iOS app. Not a sponsor or anything. Just interesting. And holy cow, it's so much better. Uh, OpenAI has its own app now, officially. And it's really good. Um, yeah, you just go to the App Store and download it. Again, we... We're not affiliated with them at all. In fact, we're going to talk shit about them in a few minutes. Because um, Twitter is talking shit about them, so we'll repeat what Twitter is saying. Um, but the iOS app is actually legit. Like, you can even use it like Siri to have voice. It's crazy. I am a little worried that they know everything I'm going to be doing on my phone. That's kind of scary. But yeah, outside of that, not bad. Yeah, we're probably going to wait like maybe three or four more minutes before people jump on. Lots of news to go through. Like way better. Because the Bing Chat app is like, um, but it's connected to iOS too. Yeah, but again, it provides search results instead of... That's interesting. Yeah, you just like, want, I, you just I, want a I, if, I, if I wanted to use Yahoo.com, I would use Yahoo. You know what I mean? Like, it, it feels like... Search feels like Yahoo.com now or MSN, like back in the day. I just want my question answered. I want some sources that I can double check. And it does all of that. I don't need all of the other stuff. I feel like if you're still searching for search, uh, you know... Uh, you, well, you, I mean, so I guess this is this might be a good thing to talk about later. But what you're saying, I don't want all that. I want an app that does this. You're describing in my head the Bing Chat app because it does like it, I turn it on precise mode. I just ask a question, it answers that very specific question, and gives sources underneath. To yeah, yeah, but 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 I've used it. I have the Bing app as well. Uh, just try using the OpenAI one. You'll see like the user interface is like incredibly better. Bing is still trying to make money from ads and shit, and it's like. Guys, like I don't, I, I don't want any of that. And the precise versus not precise, and all of that. I want to be able to talk to it, and I want to be able to like prompt it the way I like to prompt things. So, like usually, um, I'll use prompts like, "Assume I'm a scientist, right? Assume I'm an expert. How would you explain to me your decision making behind X, Y, or Z?" And it's able to talk to me in that way. Whereas what Bing does is it actually takes the prompt and uh, you know, it, it actually hilariously does TFIDF, which is a type of, uh, you know, confirmation or transformation of the prompt itself. So if you actually look in the Bing app, it'll tell you the words it used to search. And it'll be like some of the words that you had in your... So they're like changing your prompt 
to make it quote unquote more precise or to make, and I'm like, no, my prompts are always precise. And even if you do that again, like when you're doing your search on Bing, you'll see the actual words they took and then they use that. And so to me, I wanted to use the, the real prompts that I'm talking about and the uh, affect specifically that I want. I want it to talk to me like I'm not just like a regular person, that I'm actually someone who knows what he's talking about. And I think that or like to, I'll have to compare him because yeah. like my, my brother's a dentist. And so I was like, ask me a question that only a dentist would know that's And it was doing it was like he's like, that's cr that's crazy. Like, that's exactly what I would have told someone. So I'll, I'll have to compare him. Yeah, yeah, you'll see like the difference really in the in the prompt side of things. And I wanted to tell me how I want it, not just like what I want. That's that's actually the main point. Alan, uh, I, I can hear you chewing, my friend. Uh, I don't know what you're chewing, but uh, no, I, I need to know what app you're using. I'm chewing oh. because I don't understand which app, which chat GB, which which one are you using? Oh, there's like a bunch of weird ones. There's uh, thanks for for letting me know. I was like, oh, is he like on on there just? chewing gum um open ai has the official open ai chat gpt app now and the official chat gpt app is is on the app store there's been some versions of it before but this is the most updated version and like bing and uh some of the some of the other people they've included whisper which is the audio version so you can just talk to it but you know it's really to me i don't need some but what what bing is trying to do uh, so, Alan, I hope that answered your question. OpenAI, chat. GPT. No, no, you gave me two two different things, ultimate and something else. OpenAI. OpenAI. Chat GPT. Okay. C-H-A-T-G-P-T. Uh, uh, Thank you. Thank you All very right, much. You got, you got it. And I would go for the, it says on the app, the official uh chat gpt app and then when you look at it it should have open ai as its developer both of those things are critical there's a ton of copycats uh and so this is you know the app that everybody's kind of or you know the web version has gone obviously viral this ios version is much easier to use so justin what i was trying to say earlier is bing does a really good job of telling me what i need to know like a really good job but it's not telling it to me how I want it to tell it to me. So that's been the difference between search versus what OpenAI does. Is like if I want to tell to tell me, uh, you know, how fucking Shakespeare would have said it, then I, I that that's my fucking decision. You know what I mean? And I want <laughs> sometimes you want something something weird like that, like uh, or you know. And, and so Bing is still doing search. OpenAI is truly, in my opinion, generative. Where if I'm in a fight with my wife and I need a good text message to send her, I can just ask this app now to generate that for me. Like you can't do that with Bing Search, in my opinion. Hopefully that was helpful. Uh, uh, and, and I do not use, just in case my wife is listening, I do not use ChatGPT for our fights. Uh, but you know, the the idea really here is like that's what's more exciting to me more than anything else. Uh, you know, it's it's really around. You know, can we? To me, search is no longer a problem. I can search in like a million different ways, but to generate something is much more interesting. So I don't know. I mean, I've never used Bing to specifically generate messages. Like what would you, what would I write in this situation? Um, but um, or, so think of it as more like fill in the blanks, but yeah, that just for everybody that's joining, uh, I know I went on a little bit of a tangent, but 
super interesting. Open AI's new app uh, is uh, is pretty legit. I actually really enjoy it. Yeah, the, um, one of the things I used when I first downloaded Bing just to mess with it because um, it, it uses some of the features or whatever from OpenAI. I don't understand the details, but um, is I live in Iowa. Our gas, uh, or no, it's I live. I live in Iowa. I drive 20 miles to work every day. My car gets 30 miles per gallon average. Um, how much will I pay annually in gas tax? So it like literally pulled all the numbers from the correct sources, calculated the gas tax, and gave me an answer. Like that's that was one of the first tests I gave it. Which is oh man, funny. that's still a search function, Justin. Oh man, I, I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna use Justin as like a good example. Yeah, that's that, what I'm saying. Is like I don't understand the like I'll need. I, to, I did I know. Use, we're gonna I did we're gonna use, talk about this. We're I did talk use about Chat this. GPT, uh, and I was like, eh. like you know, I didn't put pour a ton of time into it, but I was like, I don't really see how, at least for my uses, what I was using it using it for. Aren't you uh, in PR? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So uh, let's say that you have a customer that you want to generate in their voice. What if it could look up all the different articles that have been written in that voice? And based on that, generate, uh, based on the bullet points that you put in there, their voice of what it looks like as a first draft that you can then edit. You could use this chat GPT app to do that in like 30 seconds. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. So, because, yeah, because Bing caps out at about, I don't know, what is it, like a couple, like 100 characters or something. Yeah, but it doesn't Bing also super doesn't, generate, it doesn't generate that entire press release. Yeah, correct. And that's that's a really good point because I would never use ChatGPT to do that stuff. I still don't believe in it's and I don't believe it's oh, good enough yet. No. Oh, no. You not even a first draft, Justin? No. Uh yeah. You, I don't know. You know. I would try ChatGPT4. It's very good. Exactly. I was like, dude, yeah, yeah you're missing out I'm, there. I'm I'm all about it, right? Like wow, I would love cool. I, I think writing writing press releases are absolutely awful and I think they're, you know, I I hate them. So, I actually tell my clients don't do them. So, I would love to use it for that. I'm not opposed to it at all, but I just um when I did like the functions I'm trying so far, I find that it uses a lot of words that are kind of common because it's basing its patterns off other Yeah, but you're using releases. the wrong prompts. I'll push back. Are you using yeah, the Yeah, no, that's the fine. That, that very well could be. Yeah, so like, the, the, and I'll explain to you what I mean by that. So you have to be incredibly specific, and there's a lot of tone-related things that are, they, they are, so think about what you're thinking in your head as you're writing in terms of like, oh, I want to write this in this tone, in this voice. Uh, now you can actually tell it to do that and you can actually say, hey, I want to use your vo the vocabulary at this reading level. And it will actually take all of that into account. So, uh, and, and by the way, the more you play with it, now it has memory. So the more you edit it on there, it'll learn your voice and the way you like to speak. So it's as if you have 10 Justins, which sounds scary, but you have 10 Justins running around uh, uh, writing. And I know press releases probably are useless, especially in the age of AI. But, you know, uh, but putting together uh, more tailored, more personalized versions of what people are doing when they're doing outreach, when they're doing outbound. What is happening right now is, and I don't mean to say this in a, in a, in, in a you know, in an overly doom and gloom way, creative energy when it comes to actually generate, like no one's, very few people think of PR as a, a place where ChatGPT will not completely disrupt it. Like, like if you're sitting in PR and you think that it's not going to affect PR, I think, uh, you know, I would say like you haven't really tested the essence of it yet. 
It oh, is. I absolutely think it's going to change the entire industry, right? Like, you know, I've, and I, I use it heavily. Like, for example, I'll say uh, instead of a tool like Muckrack, which a lot of PRs are familiar with, I'll just tell it, hey, who are the top 10 journalists writing on this You're still topic? still using it for search, Justin. Yeah, I, well, but, that's, but that's, that's the bulk of the time. that it, That's like the bulk. So understanding who I'm pitching and understanding them at a very deep human level is the bulk of my time. And now I should clarify this with I... Uh, I do PR very, very differently, what probably most people think sounds like a time waster. But m- most of my time is spent really understanding a person's writing style, why they write the way they do, the certain words they use. It's a lot of nuanced stuff. And like in, I'll use their phrasing back at them so that they exactly. feel safe. So, when so they, this is all, there's a lot of things that are very nuanced. Yeah, so, so just to be clear, and we'll move on now, uh, but I was going to say that um, – and maybe Alex or somebody else can also jump in. But what I was going to say was that the beauty of ChatGPT is not that it's making search better. I just want to be very, very clear. If that's what you think it's doing or that's what anybody no, that's that. having, that, it's actually in generating new content, actually, is the thing, the generative side of things. Generate new information. Uh, it's not even searching the internet and providing it in a concise, summarized way. Some people really like that function, but actually there's better ways to do that much, much better ways than using this because it has le- there are ways that you can do that without having as many hallucinations, uh, which for people that are listening, hallucinations are, it just makes up the answer uh, and thinks it's the right answer. Uh, you know, there's much, much better models. Uh, and, and you know, like the, the entire search paradigm has been built on uh, an algorithm called TFIDF. And you can use that with some things that look like OpenAI but actually aren't. And you can have reinforcement learning to improve that. That's not the issue. The thing about generative AI that's super exciting is the transformer technology, which is actually allowing us to generate using inputs and coming up with unique outputs. Those outputs are what's exciting. And that's what I think is very, and it's very, very relevant to our conversation around Twitter and Microsoft. Uh, Wanted to uh, let anybody else weigh in. If I'm completely off base outside of Justin, does anybody else, does anybody disagree with me about sort of my my underlying supposition. If not, we're going to move to this crazy news around, you know, uh, Twitter and Microsoft continuing to tussle. There's a lot of background, ba- a lot of baggage around this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, this would be maybe good for another room sometime, but I would love to dig into the nuance of language and how I use it and why it works, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I, you know, I, don't, I don't want to embarrass you in your own room today, of course, so we'll just let it go. Sure, man. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, I also don't want you shilling, so we're gonna we're gonna move on. Just kidding. All right, so let's get this done. So you know, just to be very very clear, uh, you know, we are not gonna take sides in this conversation in terms of uh, you know who's right, who's wrong. But I do want people to know the information uh, around this, what I would call big issue. Uh, I think Alan got dropped down, uh, which is, uh, you know, which is around the, 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 the background of Elon Musk and OpenAI and now Elon Musk and Microsoft. Uh, and again, if I uh, misspeak, I did a little bit of research on this, but if I misspeak, please do correct me. So Elon Musk was originally involved with OpenAI as one of the founders of OpenAI uh, he uh, invested about a hundred. He donated a hundred million dollars, uh, and was in, very instrumental in the early days. Uh, OpenAI at that time was a nonprofit. They spun off a for-profit uh, arm, 
which was then backed by Microsoft. Microsoft uh, and Satya Nadella uh, have now used OpenAI and integrated into their Bing search, which is now an and Internet Explorer or Edge, whatever they call it now. Um, and it has become uh, a lot of people have switched over to that uh, because it, it integrates all of these tools from OpenAI. OpenAI is also building plugins, uh, which I think are the, probably the most exciting part of it, where now you can use the rest of the internet and build agents. And so clearly, Microsoft has gotten significant benefit from OpenAI. So the question becomes, what's going on between Twitter and uh, and OpenAI? Well, one, I want again, I'm trying to give full context. This is not I'm not going to just talk about, you know, the uh, the letter, because I, I think it's it's completely unreasonable to just talk about the letter. You know, Satya Nadella was actually reached out to by uh, by Musk, uh, you know, uh, uh, when uh, he was fundraising. And let, let's just say that uh, it, it was not the best conversation, uh, but. Oh, hold on. Must just tweeted. Oh, I think no. This is an old tweet. I was I was looking for this uh, information. So, uh, so this so you know it did not go well. They didn't end up investing. Um, and he said, "Oh, I'll get back to you on Microsoft Teams or something." I can't remember something of that sort. Uh, but uh, I was looking for the original information. But uh, yesterday, a lawyer for for Twitter owner Elon Musk accused Microsoft of misusing the services data and demand and an audit from the software giant. The letter was addressing a pretty narrow set of uh, alleged infractions by Microsoft, uh, specifically around their utilization of the API. Um, and just so people know, you can go and get analytics off of the API today, right? Sprout Social and others use it all the time. And so, you know, I think the the key here is to understand uh, that Twitter believes that their API was used inappropriately to train OpenAI. That is the crux of it. There's a lot more details around that. Uh, you know, uh, it overused the services data, such as exceeding reasonable request volume or excessive abuse, uh, excessive usage. So they're they're coming up with funny little terms because nobody saw this coming, right? And so um, uh, they were using Twitter outside of the terms of agreement of the API. That is the crux of the argument. But this is not all that it's about. It, there's obviously a much broader conversation here on X.AI. But I wanted to start with like just the basis of this. You know, one, you know, the, the legal basis is, is obviously outside of the scope of this. But from a business perspective, is this smart of Twitter to do? Does it make sense for Twitter to sue Microsoft right now? Depends on what they have, right? Like, do they actually ha have good evidence outlining they did this? Like, I'm, I'm unclear on if they actually have sufficient evidence to show that they broke some laws. So according to the articles that I've read, they actually, you know, the Microsoft. So to give you some con, uh, yeah, the, the, according to the, the evidence that I've seen, Microsoft retrieved more than 26 billion tweets in 2022 alone. So through the API. And that volume according to Twitter, is outside of the bounds of what their services agreement allows. So that is the point that they're making. Is It's the volume it does, it does of what they've done. 
Say again, Rob. You cut in and out a little. Sorry, I'm rugging. I'm just in the car. The, the, I, I, that does seem pretty excessive. Is it coming? Yeah, back Rob. Here, Rob, I might have to. Yeah. So that was across the entire year. Um, Rob, you're cutting in and out a lot. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to. Yeah, that's across the entire year. Um, but uh, the. Uh, so, so you know, the only challenge is how vague this letter was. And uh, I am confused about what the strategy here is. Is it just uh, to, to try to, you know, go after Microsoft? Is it a personal vendetta? I actually think it's a personal vendetta, which is probably what's becoming very obvious in the way I'm saying it. But Alex, wanted your thoughts on this. You know, what do you, what do you think about the letter that's gone out? Are you concerned around uh, Twitter you know, wasting their time chasing Microsoft? Or do you think this is, a, this is a viable strategy? Alex? Hello? All right. Uh, Alan, I know I know that... Uh, oh, there you go, Alex. Oh, Alex got kicked off. What just happened? Hold on. Let me bring him back up. It's definitely Friday. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, go ahead, Alex. Sorry, what was, I didn't get the prompt. Yeah, yeah, no, the question was, uh, you know, what do you think about this this letter that was sent out? Do you think that there's a viable strategy here? What is Twitter doing here? Clearly, we keep hearing how Twitter doesn't have time uh, or, or money to spend on things, but yet we're they're going after Microsoft. That doesn't seem like a very smart idea. Yeah, I don't know. I've not looked at the uh, issue very closely, but I heard the earlier discussion about whether they're breaking some kind of law or something. I can't think of anything like that. It would have to be something in their terms of service where, you know, we've given you API access to get certain data and you're allowed to use it on certain terms and you've used it on terms that you're not allowed to use it on. This yeah, goes back to a this goes back to a bigger point though, which is uh, Elon. Obviously, he's been consistent, right? He's been saying that warning about AI, warning about AI, but not until uh, OpenAI, you know, ChatGPT came out and got all those users. Not until then did he start going to um, the White House and going to you know lawmakers to talk about uh, putting a hold on this thing. So I am kind of I mean I'm a huge Elon fan. I'm a big fan of what he's done with Twitter. I'm a Tesla shareholder, but I am a little concerned that maybe he has this temptation to use the law to slow down some competition because sometimes that's what that's what regulations do sometimes. Some bigger companies like to use regulations to slow down disruptors. So I kind of wonder if maybe that's in the back of his mind. Certainly can't prove that. I don't have any evidence of that. He's never said that, but I do have that concern. And this is kind of a maybe a continuation of that. Yeah, I mean, again, I I'm just not familiar with uh, with why. So again, just to kind of remind everybody, there's been a broad push across the industry to try to slow down the development of AI uh, because there are concerns around safety and, and and I actually think partially around copyright. But in reality, incumbents do this all the time, right? Like they want things to slow down. So, Rob, you know, uh, I don't know if your audio is better now, but, you know, is this just another effort to slow down AI? Or do you think that I, I, there's a part of me that thinks that maybe 
Musk is trying to get regulations out that, uh, you know, he wants court cases that that stop companies from just taking information from your website and using it to train their AI. Uh, you know, I think that might be a large part of it. Yeah, I don't know if my audio is better now. Way better, way better. Perfect, yeah. So I think there's two prongs to this. The first is that 100%, the letter that was originally sent by all those CEOs and Elon and others, you know, just smacks of competition slowing. There was no way anybody was going to turn anything off or slow things down to accommodate competition catching up. Broader point here is that this has got less to do with AIs, in my opinion, it's got less to do with AI's production and more to do with stopping open AI's production and, and maybe Google as well in terms of um, slowing them down. This, this, There's two reasons I would think that Elon is doing this. The first is to try and paint Microsoft and open AI as the bad guys. That would be a good, that'd be a good PR kind of move. The second is to probably try and get disclosure because that would be very useful to know, like exactly what they used, why they used it, because they'd have to disclose not only the information they had, but what they did with it, which would be very helpful to him in developing a competitor. So that seems like a very good use of money to me, um, but I don't think there's probably much he can do in terms of grounds. If there's been some policy violation, then that's going to that's gonna resolve itself with essentially a settlement for money because of the data drawdown, additional data drawdown, they were outside of that usage. So that's going to be a money settlement, which Microsoft is probably going to be more than happy to pay to try and settle this before it gets to disclosure. And if if Elon then says, I don't want you to settle, I want to go to court, then we know he's going for disclosure of information at that point. That would be my guess. I don't know, but that's my that would be my sort of uh, theory on that. Yeah. Adam, I've seen that you've been tweeting about this. Uh, did you have any insight for us? I do, actually. Uh, so, um, there, I think it was uh, approximately 100 billion tweets that were analyzed uh, pre-Elon uh, purchase. And uh, so the amount of data that exists on tw- Twitter, um, and to give that, you know, freely... Or, yeah, without any cost, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have to stop that. I mean, the, he paid forty. But Adam, I'll push back. They already have it. They already have it. Exactly. Okay, so, so this is this is why that, Twitter was that, losing money before. We've established that, but yeah, he already has. The, they already have the data, so they can't like claw that back. That's what brings the lawsuit. So, uh, and then. Now he's going to use uh, the AI he's developing to in order to uh, train uh, train it basically uh, f- uh, further. I would say, if that makes sense. No, that's super. That's super helpful. And again, um, you know, uh, you know, for people that are are not aware, you know, Twitter is a very exponential uh, platform. So every day they're generating more and more and more information. And really, I think Twitter, comparing Twitter to the rest of the Internet, Twitter is as quick, you know, is a very quick way for 
people to find out what's going on in the news. So it's it's to the minute, to the second. You can get this information. And you know, we were talking a little bit about X.AI when when the announcement first came in about Truth GPT, which, by the way, I still think is an awful name. But uh, but you know, I think uh, it might also be affecting my liberal sensibilities. But I was going to say that you know, it's the, provocative. <laughs> it's provocative. It's like uh, uh, from Zoolander when he's like, "It's provocative." Uh, but I was going to say that you know, ultimately, while that sounds great, you know, the the thing that that makes it really interesting, in my opinion, is the fact that it would be probably the most up to date AI, uh, because if it's being trained real time on Twitter data. And let's say that they can stop uh, uh, OpenAI from accessing Twitter data in real time. Then perhaps it can uh, it can serve as the an AI generated news source and really affect corporate media. But this fight with Microsoft might just be around: Hey, you've done this already to us. We're going to get some sort of cash settlement. We need the cash. And do we stop them from continuing to do this so that we have some edge? Uh, with our new platform that we're going to be building that essentially will be what I would consider a clone. I think it's, I think it's just a little bit more than that. I think it's got, you know, at the moment, we're having huge conversations on these spaces and others about trust of AI platforms and where they're going and stuff. This seems to me like if you're opening up a competitor and you have the, the data that, would, you know, that was trained on and you think that you've got at least a smither or something that could, slither or something that could get out in the public that discredits your main competitor that's going to make people or make people feel like they distrust that more then that's a huge benefit for you if you're launching competitive products that would just be my 10 cents on that i think that's that's kind of it's got to be one of them i definitely think it's disclosure and i definitely think it's just to stick it to them and try and make it so that they're less trustworthy in the eyes of the pub i also think that there's something really interesting going on which is with more lawsuits around you know information on your website being used to train AI, I do wonder if it's going to lead to a little bit more clarity around where where's the the line, right? Like, if, if people are spending a ton of time putting together information uh, and content, and then that content gets scraped into the into some generalized source, right? Like, I mean, I just think about people that have like newsletters and um, even articles, and they're putting content for SEO on their websites. And they're spending all this time and money and effort, um, and then ChatGPT just takes it and puts it in. And you know, even though Justin is right that it's not equivalent to a content generating person that's in like a, a human that's really really highly skilled, it's gonna get there. I would say within twelve to eighteen months, it'll be better than most human humans at generating content when it comes to like written content that's non niche. So like you know, when it comes to generalized content. You know, a simple example of this is if I wanted OpenAI to generate uh, uh, some information for patients around allergic rhinitis, it could potentially generate a really good version around the diagnosis and treatment of allergic rhinitis. Uh, I'm giving this example because we actually tried it. And, uh, you know, it generates the first version and then you can edit it within like 30 seconds instead of generating the whole thing. And so, you know, it does a pretty good job of that, but sometimes it hallucinates. But now with GPT-4, it doesn't hallucinate in medical stuff that much at all anymore. And so, you know, you can generate the first version of the content and then make sure that a licensed professional reviews it and make sure to update it. So, you know, now suddenly the work, you still have to generate, uh, edit the content, but the generative part of it can become significantly reduced. Well, that's all great until you start asking yourself, well, where did the first version of that come from? 
right? It didn't just come out of nothing, right? And so I think for a lot of people that create content, uh, I'm not one of those, but you know, the people that actually do the hard work of creating written content, these large language models, there's no regulation stopping it from scraping their information and putting it into a general one and then saying, hey, this is generative. It's not just copying. Um, that's know. the that's the key right there is uh, we're kind of back at that era. I, I worked for iHeart for a short period. It was very, very part time. I had a radio show there. And I remember when I came in, I was like, wait, why? Why are some of our website like I can't rank for SEO purposes? I can't rank for certain terms. And one of the guys who knew about web, he said, oh, yeah, years ago when Google was out, they literally blocked search engine traffic because they didn't want Google stealing their data. So the result was. Um, we could not show up and search. Now, that's they've, they've since fixed that. But I think we're probably going to go through that same phase again where people start to block AIs with like the, a robots.txt file. But um, like I'm just telling my clients, hey, you know, the, the AI is a giant robot in a box and it knows what's in the box really well, better than you. But outside of the box, it doesn't know anything. And so <clears throat> if we trust companies like Microsoft, I mean, if Microsoft works with content creators, they're going to do great, right? They're going to do really, really great. If they don't, I imagine everyone will start to block them out and it'll be a hard road. So the working strategy for my clients right now is um, you need to be the one to put fresh inputs into the box to teach the robot, here's some new information you didn't know yesterday. And if you were the one who is constantly feeding new information into the box, into the robot's head, you are the one that gets sourced all the time. So that's basically the, but if there's any information in the robot's head that is already known, um, don't, don't waste your time on that. So for example, like in SEO, people call it like the skyscraper technique, which is take a piece that's ranking really well, make it deeper, make it better, you know, get more resources in there. And basically people just Google stuff and make a deeper piece. Uh, AI search has effectively eliminated that strategy, which is good because that's just junk crap content. No one wants to, when their car's broken down on the side of the road, no one wants to like do a quick Google search for how to jumpstart their car and have a three year history of the automobile. Right. So it'll be better for everyone. Well, one question I have for Brian and Neely, uh, is Brian, you know, uh, or, or Neely actually first, uh, are you starting to think about all the con like because you generate really high quality content uh you know and your team is working on reports you you're, you guys are thinking about things very very differently um but like if if these ai systems can just scrape your information and include it into a larger <laughs> uh, the, the larger ether as i'd call it like in the back right put it in their code base you know does that worry you do you start thinking about putting things behind a paywall how do you stop all of this. I mean, this is like a, a more generalized question because Twitter is making us ask this question right now, aren't, aren't they? So for me, um, you know, it's not uncommon for me to be in a boardroom meeting and I'm sharing, you know, some sort of economic insight that maybe is not out there in the public domain. And I get this, there's this awkward moment that occurs where someone in the board will say, okay, how come we've not heard this before yet? <laughs> right? Like, they're like, how, how did two chicks in a calculator figure this out? We haven't heard this or read this elsewhere. And my response to them is the same as it is to AI. Ina Garten has had the same access to flour, sugar, milk, and butter that I have. Her pancakes will always be better. Okay, her pancakes will absolutely always be better. I happen to be able to paint pretty decent synthesis around consumer insights with economic data. 
been doing it for 26 and a half years. I know where the bodies are buried. Now, can AI figure that out? Yep, they probably could. Um, can they deliver it with trustworthiness, um, kind of insights as to what to do? Because we speak sell side, right? We speak boardroom. Can, maybe eventually it could be there. Well, they could just read all of your old work and speak like we, you. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we, all of our works pay, we don't have it in the ether. We actually pay there you all go. it all. That's what so, I was trying to get to. Yeah, we pay all it all. Um, but in just for our, the clients who retain us, you know, not even clients who project us. So, like, it's so, so my question like, is, my audience is like, you know, 10. But, but what if, what if it got in a subscription, one subscription for your, for all of the different things and maybe somehow use all of your Microsoft Word information? If you use Microsoft Word, I don't know what you use to, to put these reports together. I have no idea. Tablets, Sanskrit. Tablets. Yeah. So, so, you know, like what if it could actually get access to the source data and was able? He just, he just completely missed that, by the way. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Justin. You know, okay. I'm just moving on. You, I, my, my point no, is, though. I mean, Okay, it's fine. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not fatalistic about it because I think where AI is going to help me as an individual is it gives me less time of trying to find what I need to know and more time for me to wonder. And that's the difference. I find I that so be, interesting. Neely. I happen so, to be a reasonably good wonderer. But, but Neely, that's still search. It's not the generative side of all of the stuff that's happening. Uh, I, I somewhat disagree with you on that. You don't consider that so? It is, it is interesting because uh, Donish's priorities are like creation. And Neely, you and my priorities are getting the information we need. I this, is, it's, uh, this is actually a really fascinating discussion. So uh, I, I think there, people, that's the delineation, I, right? I, I think that people uh, are potentially, in my opinion, underestimating where we're going to be in five years in terms of what these AI systems can generate and create. And I think that's what I'm pushing back at. I'm not, is, I'm, I want to be really clear, Donish. I am not underestimating AI. I'm telling you, AI is going to find me more um, minutes in my back pocket to do what it is that I do well. So my and, question is, do you think that in... In five years, you're going to use you're you're not actually going to generate first drafts of things at all, and that AI is going to generate the first draft, and then you will edit it. Or do you think that you will still be using it for search functions, where you're getting all of the information? It does a really good job of getting you the specific information that you're interested in, getting you all the ingredients, and then you're still going to be cooking. Like that's what I'm trying to understand because I think the way it's sounding from the other side is that you think like, look. It's going to help me get better ingredients. It's going to help me get better insights. And then I'm still going to be the one cooking. And what I'm telling you is that someday, you know, you may not need to be the one cooking. You might be the one that's supervising 10 things cooking at the same time. So there's a difference in mentality there. And so I'm trying to show that because that's the crux of the argument of what's going on, why people are saying, hold on, this is bigger than we think it is, because just a better search or better analytics or better um, information gathering is not what people are worried about. That is not super scary, like at all. Right. And so if that's what you think is going to happen in the world, then I can understand why you're not worried at all. But if it's hold on, this can ultimately generate music better than Drake. This can generate writings by using Neely's voice and com combining it with Justin's voice and making a new voice. Right. Like, those are the things I think people are really interested in. And, you know, I can understand why people who have built their entire careers on, you know, writing really, really high quality content 
can't even imagine that that's going to happen. But like, it's in my opinion, sort of like the people that worked at IBM and were computers there, which was like actual mathematicians, essentially thinking that the computer will never get there. It's like sort of that's the issue, I think. Let me put one final point on it. And let's go back to Aristotle. To me, what what gets to yes in decision making is trustworthiness, which is around authenticity, rigor and logic, right, as well as empathy. I don't think AI is going to fully unlock authenticity or empathy. I think it will do better, but I think there's still a human component that we require with trustworthiness, that authenticity and empathy can only be bridged with human. I do believe AI will be able to significantly amp up the logic and rigor component of the Aristotelian three. And I do believe that AI will ultimately lead to more trustworthiness but in the hands and integrated with humans. So that's, I, like, to me, it's around trustworthiness. And fair, humans uh, you know, still require part of that. I think that's a fair, fair commentary. And, and so, Brian uh, and Ed, you know, I wanted to get the other side. I don't know if you agree with me here around the generative side. But, Brian, I saw you do 100. So I wanted to get the other side of it. I, I, you know, I, I understand Neely's point around that. But I, I still want to. Well, I want to add on to that real quickly and then go to then we can talk to Brian and Ed. But just briefly, um, there's a really amazing book, Don, Dan Ariely. He's an incredible researcher. And basically his whole premise in several of his books is how humans are irrational. We think we're rational. But we're extremely irrational. And we make and, and part of that irrational behavior is the ability to make connections across industries that no one ever no one else actually sees. And I would dare to say a robot would never see. So because it's irrational. So if you could talk to a sentient AI that, you know, that has feelings and emotions, and they'd say the robot would say to you, How did you make a connection between these two totally unrelated things? Your response would be, I don't know. It just occurred to me. And I think that I don't know part, that subconscious part of the brain is what, because we can't describe it and we don't understand it, is what we're discounting in this conversation. I've reached out to uh, Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman. Um, he's a real renowned psychologist guy, brain guy. And I was like, dude, we need your voice in this conversation because you know all the stuff that is not being talked about in these spaces. So I'm trying. To, he's like, I don't know, man. I, I'll, I'll look into this. So I'm trying to get him on one of these stages, but I think right, that could provide that. a lot of perspective. Uh, so Brian, you know, wanted to get other other voices in here too. Uh, Brian or Ed, you know, how do you guys think about the role of AI in terms of actual and, and you know, especially like with your own content specifically? So you know, Neely mentioned that most of our content is either private with customers or behind a paywall. You know, are you guys worried about putting your content out there for free? I know you guys have some free content. Like, what if it's being used to train AI? Are you concerned about that? So, yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. I, I don't know if I'd say I'm really concerned. Like, I, I, don't, I don't tweet for a career, so I think I'm kind of separated from the issue. I'm not relying on getting paid from my tweets. I, I used to run a, a news site, a media site, hillreporter.com, uh, back in the day. And if I was running that today, I would I would definitely be afraid. I'd I'd be like, it, it's crazy how quickly people can just take a couple snippets from a couple news articles and rewrite an article. And there's like no way at all to tell that this was taken from one site or the other. So it's definitely going to, it's definitely going to be a problem uh, sooner rather than later. An AI, can tell though. An AI knows though. Uh, Justin, let, let well, Brian for sure. Go ahead. Brian. Well, so, so, so 
you're saying AI knows that it's taken from somewhere else. Is that what you're arguing? Just yeah, yeah, I guess that, that was a so, so, like, like, like I, I, I think that AI AI can tell to some extent right now. But if you say you wrote a program, and you said take take like a sentence from New York Times related to this article, a sentence from Washington Post, sentence from New York Post, and combine this for a paragraph and use different vocabulary. It's pretty hard for the AI to distinguish that. I, I mean, it's, there's going to be so much that comes about. I think where it gets interesting is when AI gets more personalized. So like everybody's going to have their own AI bot that helps them out. And what, that ha what will happen is that AI will learn how you write, how you tweet, the things you say, the, the, the tone that you say them in. And that's going to be a useful tool. Uh, I've tried asking ChatGPT to create a tweet around a topic, and you can tell it's, it's nothing like I write. It's, it's just boring and bland. And even if you change the prompt to be more like, you know, like you know, use different words to prompt it to write in a different style, it's still, it's, I'm not going to say it's easy to tell, but if you know me, you know that I didn't tweet that way. And I can tell from replies in my com in my comments to my tweets that several people are using ChatGPT. It's, it's, it stands out. They're longer tweets. They're very boring and, you know, like to the point. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I think it's going to change things. It depends where you're standing. Like for me, I don't, I'm not worried about it, but I'm also not relying on Twitter revenue for my career. So if I was, I think I would be a little bit more concerned. So, so one really simple uh, thing to remember is that we're trying to compare what computers, it's, it's, it's analogous to comparing what computers would end up becoming when we, all we have is Pong. Like, we don't know what the hell is coming. Uh, and people, I think that- People drastically, know, people are, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. People are drastically underestimating how fast this is gonna progress. I, I mean, when, when you have all these companies competing against each other and all these companies jumping in, I mean, Apple's jumping into it. Twitter and Elon are jumping into it. You have Google, you have Microsoft, you have OpenAI. It's, it's just gonna explode. And like competition leads to innovation at a more rapid rate and AI is already rapidly increasing its skill base. If you want to call it that, I can't imagine what the next three or four years are going to bring. Yeah. And I'm just speaking from one side of this. Working theories are nice. Yeah. So I can walk. Yeah. Working theories are helpful, but like people trying to understand theory, what, theory. What... sorry, a working theory would be nice for a change. What do you mean? Theory on your phone. Yeah, but working yeah. Siri. I thought you said theory. Sorry. Well, well Apple's. Uh, I just read an article that Apple's Apple's really investing now in AI. They obviously they missed the boat with Siri. I mean, that, that was a perfect opportunity. Also, Amazon with with their Echo devices. I, I mean, you would think they I would have think been that, more ahead of it. That Apple's underlying framework did not like around security and uh, around privacy. It kind of uh, slowed down their AI development. And I think that it kind of speaks to the fact that the only way to speed up development of AI is by <laughs> intruding on privacy and security. And I think that's the underlying challenge is Apple is trying to stay true to its values while also not falling completely far behind. You know, one thing I will say, just so uh, people are aware, 
you know, the, the, their, so my area of expertise actually academically was uh, active learning, which is uh, part of semi-supervised reinforcement learning. And so I actually worked very strong that that was my academic work in medicine. And so, you know, this is an area of expertise. So that's why I'm, I'm speaking from a you guys have you, you guys need to understand. I'll, I'll give you a very, very simple example. Audiograms, which is, again, my area of interest. Uh, you know, we have been working on trying to improve the audiogram at a crazy level. Uh previously in my research uh, when I was at WashU. And uh, people kept on trying many, many different techniques where humans were being augmented. And ultimately, the technique that has come out is using, you know, reinforcement learning through human feedback, which is the Oracle strategy, which is what actually is underlying the real improvements in AI with open AI. When they're using these tools, it's getting incredibly better. We can get down to like a few hertz worth of uh, information for some context with audiograms today with humans, uh, it's thousands and thousands of hertz difference between one tone and another. And you can't tell what your hearing is between a certain tone and another one. With AI, we can do it down to single hertz. So we can know if specific hair cells have died. I mean, it's like crazy. It's like uh, the level of information that you're getting from AI is not just better than humans, it is impossible for humans. When you look at the work that Google did with computer vision on retinas, they could look at someone's retina and tell whether that retina was uh, a, a male or a female just by looking at the retina. Do you know what percentage of doctors can do that? Zero. It's not something that can actually be done. So, you know, we have no idea what's coming. We have never been in this situation before. And I think that, um, you know, uh, thinking about it at, from a, hey, look at it today. So I agree with Brian that today it, it kind of is not very exciting. But with enough information and Brian kept on feeding it its own information, I think we would see it develop significantly. And I think you just have to go back to people that were there for the early days of computers and you see where it was then and where it is now, this is going to be even faster and more exponential. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. And I want to go to Jeff in a little bit, but uh, Jeff, uh, you know, obviously you're an expert in this space, but um, Trevor, I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, you weighed in as well, because I think a lot of people are underestimating AI. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I do. I, I think one of the things that's going to be really, really fun to watch over the next couple of years is the, the delineation between AI and automation. <laughs> has been up for debate for several years, right? Like uh, RPA, uh, process automation, implementation into companies that, you know, were kind of lackadaisical in terms of the adoption of technology in a certain sphere, um, where that, that margin of time or productivity has been completely missed in a vast number of industries. And I think there's, there's kind of a crux here where eventually you are going to start to see process automation start becoming a more common place in small to mid-sized companies that find, you know, really obscure mundane tasks that are now taken over by, by you know, some sort of automation process. But in order to do so, you have to have AI that can help generate the process automation. I think that's something that is even more interesting to me because, if you can have industry specialized AIs that understand context a little bit more relevant to a, a specific problem, 
now the AIs can actually generate some sort of uh, reduction of mundane and allow human interaction into things that are a little bit more complicated and abstract. So I think there's there's something to be said for the fact that we all kind of you know think of the the big scary AI and the generative, but I think the gen- the generative aspect that becomes most interesting is when you have a continuous cycle of a work process in a day that you don't necessarily have the time or effort to be able to have a side project to automate. That's where AI can have a huge influence on a reduction of layman skills or redundancies that I don't think we're necessarily highlighting. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that. So, Jeff, do you agree about the generative comments on generative AI? Uh, what Trevor just mentioned? I do. I do. I think it's going to continue to accelerate and it's going to be huge. And just, I think what, you know, what you see happening right now, just in terms of the solutions, uh, I mean, I think ChatGPT may have mentioned this earlier, released a ton of plugins yesterday. You know, if you go to bar.google.com and, and use their solution, it's already connected, you know, to the internet. So you're getting real time um, feedback on things. I think it's going to be huge. The area that I employed it a lot is in the manufacturing environment in terms of, you know, started in quality control. uh, And it's really kind of moved now into, into the robotics and automation element. Yeah. You know, I wanted to want, go ahead, Trevor. Why don't you respond? And then I want to go to Robert on his thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to ask Jeff, you know, I think, um, you know, the quality control space, one of the things that I think you were bringing up, Doctor, is that the, you know, we don't even know what we don't know in terms of spectrum, right? I think it's interesting to think about, like, um, the way that humans, you know, see light, I think is a great example of what AI is going to begin to start to normalize um, as something that's easy. So I'm, I'm curious for Jeff, like, where, where do you think that we go from here in terms of kind of the obscurities that perhaps we may not have ever recognized that have been right in front of our face this entire time that now AI can kind of perhaps tie some of these um, unrecognizable variables and bring them to the forefront. Yeah. One of the big things was in, um, you know, like in manufacturing these, like the physical, um, you know, so, you know, basically doing unit by unit optical characterization, like before the assembly is complete and then actually comparing, like, for example, the position of a screw to, you know, the RF performance of that device and actually being able, you know, intra-manufacturing process to be able to say like, hey, look, you know, when when these are when these screws are not properly torqued, you know, your 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 output power is is drifting. And and you know, before that would have been a unit that was, you know, closed up and moved to the bottom of the line and then you know, then it tests and it failed and it have to go to the repair bin. And now you, you can do active alignment and you could, you, you can correct these things before they ever hit uh, a backlog or a repair pile. So, I mean, in the manufacturing environment, it, it's, it's been actually uh, way before generative. It's been, it's been in use, but it's, it's, it's really, it's really kind of uh, accelerated. I would say in the last uh, three to four years, so I think you're going to be able to, you know, really take just a, a whole other step in terms of defect prevention and and just accelerating the product development process. Yeah, and and so for we have a lot of people listening now, so I just want to make sure to to plug this. If you are working on an AI company 
reach out to Mario and his team. They're actually working with some of these companies and the VC funds that support them. Uh, they're also doing some Shark Tank style pitches, not just for AI companies, for other companies as well. So feel free to reach out to Mario, UDM him, um, and he's working with them uh, closely to help them build community and try to get access to more more investors and 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 information. So uh, you know, I, I wanted to switch the conversation over to something that is incredibly poignant right now, which I don't know if this is a victory lap yet. Um, I'm not sure where we go, but you know, we have Robert Wolf up here. Uh, so I wanted to ask him about the debt ceiling. I know it's a pretty hard turn, but it's an important one. Uh, you know, it seems like both sides are at the table, Robert, uh, and they're negotiating actively. Uh, you know, I was interested in your thoughts around Biden cutting his trip short and skipping the quad meeting, but Overall, what are your thoughts on this debt ceiling conversation? Are we going to see resolution next week, in your opinion? Yes. <laughs> to answer <laughs> in one word, as I've said all along, yes. Um, we're not going to have um, a failure of our nation, even though we always like to go close to the edge. Uh, I've made a few comments about this on the past. I don't view this that similar to 2011. Um, or to, you know, when the last time we went through this, um, as I mentioned at that point, uh, Boehner had, you know, a 24 seat majority in the house. This is a four or five seat. I don't think we're going to see, sorry guys, a trillion dollar digital coin. I don't think we're going to see the 14th amendment. I don't think we're going to have all these different bells and whistles to try to do something in a nonpartisan way. It's going to be Robert, no bricks. No, nope. nope. it's going to be it's going to be, you know, they're going to pass the debt ceiling and you're going to have, um, you know, spins from both sides. Biden's going to be clear that they passed the debt ceiling cleanly and he didn't negotiate on it. And then McCarthy's going to say that they got some changes for the budget, whether it's giving back some covid money, whether they look at 2022 baseline whether they, I don't think they're going to change the work week stuff. And I think the vote's going to end up being a combination of Democrats without some of the progressives, Republicans without the Freedom Caucus. Um, you know, it will feel ugly for the next few days, you know, bitching and moaning. You'll have, you know, everyone on the bully pulpit saying, you know, the Freedom Caucus members or the progressive members yelling and screaming that this doesn't work. But at the end of the day, we've passed it 78 times in the last 60 years, 49 times with a Republican president, 29 times with a Democratic president. This will pass. And then they'll go into the budget and there'll be some some changes. My guess is military will be upped a little, which the progressives won't like. Um discretionary non-military will probably get hit a little and so you know there'll be a little give and take but it will pass but you know it won't feel good do you think robert that there's going to be any impact on growth with what the with the you know if it was a completely clean bill then you know none of the uh current entitlements would be removed are there going to be is there going to be anything that would actually affect the economy in any way i mean there's been some talk with deers uh, well, uh, earnings this morning that it might there might be some something related to to farming and farming subsidies. Yeah. It, it, any anything that comes to your mind that you're worried so, about? So let me just be clear. From my perspective, it will be a clean debt ceiling vote. Um, 
and you won't, you know, that's just my view. This is going to be, you know, that's what the vote's going to be on. How, how do you define that, Robert, for, for our, for our well, listeners? I mean, you know, everybody here, they, while being the best looking uh, listeners on Twitter, they, they don't always know right. what we're talking about. The, meaning sure. when there's a vote, the budget will not be attached to it. So this will be a clean debt ceiling vote. That being said, the Republicans will say that, you know, with respect to the upcoming budget, you know, there'll be COVID money coming back. There'll be some things, but it will be tangential to the debt ceiling. Um, that's just my opinion. But either way, the debt ceiling will be uh, passed. With respect to um, your view on GDP, actually, you know, you know me, I think inflation is going to have a much longer tail. I think the things we should be looking at is whether it's the infrastructure bill, the CHIPS Act, you know, even what Musk was saying the other day about the Inflation Reduction Act and tax credits with respect to now that Tesla is even part of the tax credits for EV and, and, and clean and, and electric cars. All of these things is going to add to growth. Um, infrastructure. I, I actually interviewed Anita Dunn yesterday at the SALT conference. Uh, she's the senior advisor for Biden. And, you know, one thing I mentioned is, you know, with all the infrastructure spend, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm just reiterating with many of you know, you know, during COVID, we had durable goods inflation, right? Peloton, computers, furniture. Now we have service sector inflation, mainly wages labor a tight labor market with that type of thing if you had infrastructure which is the fastest multiplier of gdp growth gdp growth for every dollar spent it's a 1.6 times multiplier you're gonna in my opinion even see a little more um you know inflation with respect to wages and so yeah i i don't think it's gonna i, I don't think what the the sideshow you know comedy going on in capitol hill is going to really impact gdp at all so just a bunch of uh, it's just a bunch of populist rhetoric on both sides yelling and screaming talking about politically though oh trevor go ahead i wanted to go to ed real quick before you go trevor just really quick ed you know from a political perspective look with mccarthy bargaining a deal yeah it could hurt republicans but it won't hurt any of the candidates directly with biden on the other side orchestrating this deal despite and by the way i will show my political leanings i think people have been underestimating his ability to get deals done and i think this is another example of how he's getting deals done and negotiating deals but ed you know is he going to lose even more face with the primary voters you know because there, there is a challenger out there i don't completely agree with the challenger i don't even know if they're going to run a full primary process but is, you know, we saw Bernie come out. We saw other people come out. Ed, are you concerned that the Democratic Party is going to turn on Biden for uh, for making a deal? I don't think so. And I, I mean, the primary, it's really worthless, right? I mean, there's no chance that Biden is not reelected in the primaries. Uh, I, I think like I agree with you. I think Biden is good at making deals. I also think that him and McCarthy are probably going to like kind of agree to both take the win here. I think I agree with Robert. They're both going to kind of claim to have won, but I, I don't think either one of them are really going to be opposed to the other one taking some of the credit. I think that's probably going to be part of the deal itself. Yeah, you know, uh, Trevor, do you agree? 
And just wanted yeah. to get your thoughts also broadly. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I was going to actually ask because we, we had some of this discussion yesterday, but to, to Robert, um, you know, you bring up an interesting point about the, you know, the wage inflation, obviously, and, you know, the specific correlation to, um, you know, direct construction. Um, as, as you know, material prices have been fairly parabolic the last uh, three to four years. And now we're starting to see, you know, material prices come down and we're also seeing the inverse with with uh, labor where labor has seen, you know, quite an increase. So I, I'm curious, you know, as, as we start pushing the narrative of more infrastructure spending, is that going to tighten the cost for builders even more like generic home builder and commercial builders that are already fighting wage inflation from, um, you know, a labor perspective or a trade perspective. And now you're going to even have an, a more immediate price war with general contractors and, you know, generic infrastructure uh, uh, milestones that, that the government's wanting to push. Just curious of your thoughts on that. You know, it's an interesting point. I haven't put too much time into thinking, but my probably somewhat uninformed answer would be yes. Um, I think you'll have some supply chain um, concerns and, and some people start looking at pre-purchasing. The, only, the answer would be yes, but for it's hard for me to assess what's going to happen in commercial real estate, um, new projects, getting funding. But certainly, you know, the overwhelming amount of infrastructure spend. And then look at the CHIPS Act. I think there was, there's been over like $400 billion of private sector investment into manufacturing in the CHIPS Act too. If you look at the CHIPS Act and then you look at, the stuff that's going to happen with the Inflation Reduction Act, predominantly on the climate action side, with all the tax credits going to, you know, build build clean energy stuff and renewables, all of those type of spends, yes, different materials and somewhat, but all those different type of spends happening the same time is one of my reasons I think inflation has a long tail and why I don't think we're going to go into a recession. I think the jobs market's buoyant. You know, we've seen, if we're being blunt, retail sales came in stronger, consumer credit confidence came in stronger. So, I mean, consumer sales. So we're starting, you know, we haven't seen, you know, we've seen inflation come off the peak, but no one's seen the slowdown. Robert, you're not seeing a slowdown in consumer discretionary? Well, look what happened in retail sales the other day. Retail sales decelerated, Robert. Only with now. Year over year, unadjusted basis. Right, but, but, but. Wasn't that- from a high single digit in January down to flat in April? It's empirically it it's twenty five percent of GDP and it's decelerated. Just a question. D- what I thought that it came in, it, yes, decelerated, just like inflation has decelerated. But isn't wasn't retail sales one higher than expected? Number two, wasn't the spending um, more than expected on lo- non large purchases? Uh. If you're referring to PCE, yeah, before it gets revised, and that's always the problem with government data when you're in the middle of a cycle shift is, you know, the data gets revised. We're going to see it with jobs. Jobs has definitely been revised, um, and we're going to also see it with retail sales. In fact, the Census Bureau not only um, lowered the March numbers, they lowered the last 10 years of data, particularly the post-pandemic numbers with with their most recent revision. So um, I I... 
only because I swim in this data do I yeah, know no, no, this data. But and, and I understand how the, the media will sometimes take the seasonally adjusted month over month numbers. Yeah. But the way that retailers report it and what they're actually reporting today. And Foot Locker is a great example. I mean, Foot Locker is down 25% right now pre-market because of sales slowdown since March. And other than the grocery dominant you know, retailer that is Walmart, pretty much every retailer, Home Depot included, has talked about softness this spring. So empirically, retail sales is in fact in a deceleration mode. So to Robert's point, though, I, I guess the assumption is that as the government gets closer to really deploying large amounts of infrastructure dollars, do we think that the lag between, you know, this deployment of funds and infrastructure is going to be enough to, let's say, Art Laffer's notion of trickle down? You know, is that is that going to, to you know, brace enough confidence where there's support for, oh, OK, now we have infrastructure spending, you know, people are starting to get, you know, blue collar jobs that are fairly well paying. And you also have price competition on the wage impact of that. Right. So there's I think there's there's some element of as the government deploys this capital to reroute infrastructure and improve it, um, that there are going to be some sort of tailwinds that help, you know, I think some concerns or fears about financing, about stability within, um, you know, builder sediment, etc. that maybe we haven't taken into account, you know, over the last, you know, six months when we've been having discussions about commercial real estate. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to go back to retail, though. Robert, does that change your perspective on recessionary pressures? If you're nope. seeing retail, uh, retail slow down this significantly? No, <laughs> it doesn't. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm not questioning what, what she was saying. She's an economist and this is what she lives and does all day. And I'm not questioning that there's a slowdown. My only point is, is it's not slow enough. The labor market is still tight. Yes, there's going to be revisions, but in, in my opinion, the, the one underlying thing that will continually be in front of us is inflation is going to be at 4% or north for the foreseeable future. And I think, and, and you know, I could easily be wrong, I think actually wages is going to outperform um, inflation. And so I think it stays there a bit longer. Um, and so I think as long as wages kind of stay somewhat buoyant and the labor market stays somewhat buoyant, you know, I, I think we're going to see spending, you know, stay somewhat buoyant. I'm not saying it's going to go where we were. I just think it's I don't think we're going to be in a recessionary mode. But that's, you know, that's the flip of a coin we're in. Right. You Rob, ask Rob, one person, they say something else. Rob, I got a question very, for really you. funny. I mean, we went from. Uh, hey, uh, uh, Jay, the other thing I just want to add on consumer confidence and just the consumer in general, you are going to see. I mean, someone brought up the Biden thing. Biden's not even going to really be campaigning until early 24. There is no primary for him. Who's ever running has zero chance right now. I was named after Robert F. Kennedy. Okay, just so everyone's clear. My, I'm Robert, born in 62. My brother's John, born in 1960. I was vice chairman of the Robert F. Kennedy Center. I'm a huge fan of the Kennedys. He's not going anywhere in this election. 
Marion Williamson's not going anywhere. Marion Williams not going anywhere in this election. Biden, as someone said earlier, he is going to be the Democratic candidate and won't even be campaigning till 24. And so he's going to just be out on the road touting infrastructure, CHIPS Act, manufacturing, all these things that will give some wind in the back on what I would say is the naysayers on the economy. And I just think that will be a larger bully pulpit at this time. I just think that the average Democratic voter is struggling with the fact that, you know, our uh, that the president that that, that is uh, it, that that we're supposed to be supporting is going to be eighty six at the end of the next. Yeah, term. it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, well, Robert, it does Robert, the Democratic voter. Robert, you're that saying there's a there's no campaign strategy difference from his last campaign to this one. Wink. No, wink. I didn't say that at all. I said no. There's a huge. Well, you difference. have a lot more to like. No, no. Time out. Time out. I did not say that. He's no, the, no it, it was a joke. No, it was, I, no, no, no I, I, <laughs> I know it was. That, I thought that was no. clear. <laughs> no, I know it was. And you gave me a softball, so I'm going to hit it out of the park. He's the okay. president of the United States. He's not candidate. He's not. He's the incumbent. Makes a huge difference when you're the president. And, and the Democratic Party and the president's going to take advantage of him being the incumbent. That's all I'm saying. And so it's no different than President Obama. He didn't campaign until about a year later after uh, when he was the incumbent. That's my point is not about political politics here. My point is that when you're the incumbent, you're actually just going to keep touting. And I think to someone's point earlier, he's just going to keep touting his legislative victories that were bipartisan. Chips Act bipartisan, Infrastructure Act bipartisan. I think that's what he's just going to keep telling. Yeah, it's I mean, a shame that one, one of the best, heard, one of the best what jobs. What I did learn is that I need hey, better. Everybody, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All, 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 everybody can't speak at the same time. So we're going to go to Eugene next, and then, uh, and then uh, back to Robert. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi. Thanks. Um, you know, one of the best jobs is uh, being former president of the United States. Um, and it's a shame that given, you know, given the age uh, that that uh, is going to become less and less something that Biden gets to enjoy. Um, Robert, a question, you know, I, I'm actually more in your camp around um, where inflation is headed, uh, I think, uh, generally around where your numbers are, maybe even higher. But, you know, we've been talking a bit about AI and AI is, you know, has the potential to be extremely deflationary, right? And you know, people are worrying not about yeah. the destruction of blue collar jobs this time, where the you know the, the early stage of the internet, Web one, Web two, was a destructor of jobs in the blue collar sector. Now with AI where it is, it's going to be destructive to the white collar sector. How do you see AI and its forces affecting inflation over the long run? Yeah, so it's a great question, and I've been listening to a incredible group of smart people on this call um, before you guys let me chime in. I I probably have a different take. Um, and I'm going to just, I, I think the question is how, how long is long before it impacts the job, the jobs market and inflation and growth. I'm, I'm just going to bring you back a little that, you know, I was one of the first individuals that started a a drone service company and we were, you know, all hyped drones was going to change the future on how, you know, and and change jobs, whether it's looking at utility lines and pipelines and, and um, disaster recovery and all these things that was going to change. And, 
And for five years, you know, we raised a ton of money and it was, you know, amazing things we could do with, you know, whether it's looking at anti-poaching in Africa. I can't tell you the use cases for drones. Regulation slowed it down to a snail's ass pace. Couldn't fly beyond line of sight. Couldn't fly near airports. Couldn't fly near urban areas because of, you know, privacy. You couldn't believe how regulation stalled so many ways to use it. We saw the opposite of that with crypto, where, you know, regulation had allowed the lack of regulation. In some ways, you could argue, let it become the Wild West. You know, we've seen it with social media, where lack of regulation in some ways has allowed it to be, you know, these open forums, whereas news companies, you know, have to live by a different regulation you know so regulation has been slow to catch up some ways that's prohibitive in some ways that allows for this open architecture it's hard for me to assess what that means for ai how fast it's going to move and where regulation comes in or doesn't come in um and so the only thing I would say is I, I don't think it's going to impact the jobs market as fast as we think. And, and let me just segue kind of off topic. But I remember when I was running UBS and we kept acquiring, you know, different financial institutions and I became the COO and I was technologically illiterate. So I had to have a big learning curve. And the one thing I learned is no one likes to decommission anything. So you keep on having new things, but you don't decommission what, what was old because you're scared to unplug something or you're scared to change something. So yes, AI is going to move incredibly quickly, but that doesn't mean all of a sudden, you know, the guy who climbs the utility pole, okay, isn't the one that's turning the screw as opposed to the drone that's inspecting it. So my only point is things sometimes go slower than we think. Change goes slower. And so the question, long-winded, I apologize, is when you say how long, I don't know how long, but I think it will be longer than what we think. Yeah, and, and Jay, I know that you had a separate question or comment uh, around what Robert was talking about, but I wanted to let you weigh in. Yeah. So on AI, you kind of have to look forward and I, you know, I think the drone comments are very astute. I also think that, you know, with crypto, you saw the government kind of let people do whatever they wanted. And now, you know, you see what happened to Silvergate and SBNY and how they're coming after yeah. everyone. Um, the, the interesting thing is that with AI, unle unless it's regulated, I think it does pose a, a very, actually a near-term risk to jobs. You saw the IBM announced that 8,500 employees um, were going to be let go and their jobs were going to be automated. And I actually actually think that, you know, Wendy's with their strategy, um, frankly, I think every data entry job in any every call center job in the country eventually could be automated if it's not for regulations. And that's just the very tip of the iceberg. So, you know, it may take several years. It, you know, it could actually even be regulated. But if it's not regulated and you let the free markets do what they need to do, I think it poses a bigger risk than 
than a lot of people realize. And I'm saying this as someone that's not the best technological, you know, I'm not a coder. Uh, I'm, I'm not a technologist. Um, but I think I think it is a deflationary force. And it kind of ties into the fact that, you know, in, while inflation is relatively stable now, we could see deflationary forces over the next couple of years. And I think the consumer data is is showing you that things are slowing down, whether it's airfare data, prices are coming, are slowing down, whether it's even Walmart yesterday, the beat was on grocery. It wasn't on, it wasn't on, um, you know, general merchandise. General merchandise margins were down very materially, and they actually talked about a weaker consumer. And let's not forget that student loan payments on average $400 a month uh, for the average U.S. Uh, consumer are starting uh, probably at the end of the summer. So, you know, I think going into the second half of the year, you know, and not, and then let's look at LEI. LEI is down 8% year over year, down 13 months in a row. It is the fastest decline and longest decline since April of 2007. And I know we're coming off of high growth numbers, but the interesting thing to note the LEI is it would have even been lower. Do you know what held up the LEI? Stock prices. Stock prices were the biggest con positive contributor to LEI. If you didn't have positive stock prices, we'd be even lower. Yeah, sorry, Robert. Did you have a response to that, or no. do you just think that we're over? We're, we're 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 perhaps. I mean, here's here's the thing that's really interesting is that people that study this every day believe uh, they even they fall into two camps, and that's why I wanted to bring Shakar up. So Shakar actually is a technologist. He works at Copy AI, which is interesting uh, because we were just talking about uh, PR and and content generation, and they've been doing this and they're growing at a crazy rapid pace. Uh, uh, you know, I just know Shakar separately, but uh, you know, Shakar, do you agree with Jay's supposition that we're actually going to see deflationary forces from this, or do you agree with Robert that's going to take longer than we think? I agree with Jay. I think we're going to see massive deflationary forces. And honestly, I think the main thing that's preventing that from happening much quicker um, is one, obviously, you know, the regulatory question, because I think a lot of companies are waiting to see, you know, really what's going to happen there. Um, but really, it's just fundamentally the adoption curve. I mean, we've seen this impact already happen within tech. Um, what we know about tech is they tend to adopt tech faster. Um, what I'm seeing in my day to day and Literally, you know, I spend a lot of my time working with customers, helping them actually, you know, deploy these kinds of use cases live in production um, is, you know, even typical laggards are recognizing this moment. And I think a big part of that is really the and massive, you know, growth of ChatGPT. Um, now that the genie is out of the bottle and people recognize what's possible, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see a quicker adoption realistically because the, the massive transformative impact this can have on industries. Now, there's kind of two sides of this deflationary argument, because I think on one hand, yeah, you know, things being faster or cheaper to be able to produce would have, you know, uh, top down price pressure uh, that, you know, theoretically should make goods cheaper and, you know, better to be able to afford uh, for a typical consumer. Um, I think the other thing, though, to realize is that when you think about these macro trends and how they're colliding, there could be massive other impacts on the economy. And, and, and Robert, I'm, I'm super curious on your take on this. So take like the VC market as an example. Um, what we're seeing, right, is typically these companies are investing in software because there's massive ROI, typically easy to build a moat. You know, there's gains in the long run because it's hard to replicate. If the cost of producing code 
and the cost of producing software goes to zero. And at the same time, we're seeing trends like, you know, plugins for GPT actually driving, um, you know, a, a different internet experience than what we're typically accustomed to. Then long run, right? What does that mean about investing in software? Taking a step further, um, you know, just very, very native to copy AI, we are, you know, 36 people with 8 million users. Um, and we've done that in 28 months. And a big part of our growth strategy is really just leveraging AI to be able to scale. So what does that mean for late stage VC? Is there really even a point to, you know, raising these giant series D, series E rounds? Um, not saying that, you know, that's going to be the, the massive impact on the economy. The point here is that I think that there's unintended consequences and, you know, hard to, hard to anticipate impacts um, because of the transformative nature of this, right? This is not just, you know, infrastructure moving to the cloud. Anyways, that's my rant. Yeah, Robert, your thoughts? I think it's very thoughtful. <laughs> I need to think about it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, unintended consequences always comes with change, some for the good, some for the bad. I think my point is not at all that, whether it's chat chatbots or AI or however we think of machine learning and robotics, isn't going to change the labor force. My point was more of the timetable. And, That's uh, and and so I just want to be clear on that. I also f want to equally be clear that, you know, productivity gains. We've always kept talking about productivity gains over the last nth years, especially when we went to a shared, the, we, you know, we had a decade of the shared economy, Uber and Airbnb and, you know, all these different things. Oh, it's going to impact the labor market like we've never seen the shared economy because of all the productivity gains. Actually, the labor market went up. My, my only point is there's always new things coming that adds more jobs. We, you know, s startups, entrepreneurialism, it still drives so much of, of, of you know, the future and jobs. So my, my only point is that as skills change, new jobs come. I am a little less pessimistic on the impact of AI on the overall labor force. Um, I think it's great we have productivity gains, but I think new things come up from it. And so I, I'm, I'm not as, I'm probably not as concerned as I should be. And, um, you know, which is why one of the reasons I like coming on these calls to, to listen to smart people who live it, live this 24 seven and I don't. So no, it's fascinating. And uh, honestly, I wanted to get another voice in here. Cal, thank you for joining us. I just uh, want to let you know, guys, I have to hop in the next two minutes. I apologize. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Cal, you know, you were uh, you were at Best Buy. You were CEO of Best Buy Asia. You've also invested, I'm sure, in AI companies, uh, Advantage, and then now what you're doing. You know, um, you know, what are your thoughts, one, on the retail data, on what, you know, Target and Walmart and, and you know, and con consumer discretionary? Are you concerned about early recession fears. And then what Shakar and Robert were talking about around AI and, you know, our earlier conversation around AI, just putting it all in context around where do you think inflation is going to go? And, you know, do you think that AI is going to have an impact? Yes. So here's the, here's the thing. What a, what a wonderful group of people, um, different points of view. I, long term, I'm, I'm with Robert, right? I, I think, I think uh, uh, especially the U.S., you know, it's going to be different in different countries. But I, I think we'll 
we'll get through this and 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 it will create new jobs different kind of jobs and and a kind of total restructuring of how we think about blue collar white collar physical work empathy work all that kind of stuff that's going to happen right so value will eventually but but we're going to have this like I, I don't know how long this disruptive period is going to be and it's going to be very disruptive um and the reason why i i said that oh let me just go back to the retail thing i nearly spot on on what you said about retail i i think discretionary spending is is uh uh, really on on really tough right now. You pro- you've actually seen public signals from Cory Berry as well from from Best Buy recently. Um, you know those are discretionary goods, and that's where people go first and and downgrade or you know don't upgrade. But then upgrade cycle will come next year and the year after. She signaled that to on consumer electronics, which is a good signal for discretionary items generally. Uh, um, and home improvement slightly different, but you know because you kind of do home improvements when you when you're feeling. Uh, like you might not have a job next year or the year after, maybe. So it's got slightly different dynamics. But how much you spend is, is, uh, uh, is, is definitely, you know, it's an indicator. And I think uh, uh, so. So Neil is dead on on that. But what I'd say uh, um, is, you know, the blue collar jobs is what I'm watching right now. I used to be a consultant. I used to be a partner in a couple of consulting firms. We created our own consulting firm, etc. I used to be at KPMG. You know, the, it, these firms are going to suffer. Big time. And right now, in the short term, next three or four years, there's a little bit of complacency because people are confused. So uh, they'll go to their nearest consultant who are hanging out in the offices, the account managers and all those people. Say, hey, what, what do I do about what do I do about AI? What do, and they'll be they'll be churning out all kinds of, you know, uh, chat GPT documents to tell them about what AI, AI is going to do. Right. And, and maybe listening to this call and coming back to them with some insights. But they'll be like running really fast. And that's what they're all doing. All the consulting companies, that's what they're doing. And you see some of McKinsey's reports, really drab reports that are coming out on AI. But it's classic. They're using their old formula to tell people about what is actually going to disrupt them. Right. Which is very interesting. But, you know, so it'll it'll take a take a little bit of time but the signals are there pwc almost like signal that it's over by doing doing the deal with ai and microsoft who's going to create most of the value there it's it's you know it's not the leveraged consultants that they've hired from mba schools for uh you know uh for 60,000 a year and they're going to leverage them at at, at 100,000 that's just not going to happen right something different is going to happen and i think i think you said it or somebody said it earlier where you know maybe what you have is these, these, uh, uh, you, you, there was a cooking analogy. I think Neely had it earlier. But you had all this, uh, you know, you're gonna, you, you, you could manage a bunch of cooks doing interesting things, and that's a different job. That's orchestration. That's, you know, and th- those jobs will emerge. But, um, but I really do think that the blue collar, and then that, my view on the economy is, what happens is the blue collar jobs are are the ones that, uh, sorry, the white collar jobs are the ones that I got that confused. Sorry, the white collar jobs are the ones that we all like, kind of hold on. Because they spend money, you take the jobs. You know that they're they're spending money in 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 uh, you know at Home Depot or buying consumer electronics. But guess what happens? The the highest earning person, the consultant, loses their job. They're earning like two hundred thousand a year from IBM or something. Now you've got this kind of oh boy, our family's not going to earn that much money. I you know we were like we were all set right, but it's not going to happen. And then you start reducing it. So I think it's going to be deflationary in the sense that people will spend less. Um, and and they will start worrying about you know whether they can pay their mortgages etc. Because these jobs there's a lot of them and they pay a lot of money uh, for very mediocre amounts of value that people create. It's just the fact we all know it. There's middle management layers um, and and that's we're starting to see that and that is going to be so disruptive. 
Anyway, yes. I hope that helps. I, I'd love to, to jump in on this. Oh, hold on, Shikar. I just want to let Robert weigh in before he's got to jump off. But, uh, I, I, I just want to let all you brilliant guys know I used for Mother's Day cards chat GPT. And it got very mixed reviews. I just want to let you all know that <laughs> that Hallmark may be in trouble. <laughs> Only joking. Listen, That's I appreciate you guys letting me join in and chime. No, chime I appreciate you coming on, Robert. Always, always a pleasure. And I will say, that I look we forward all... to next week when we pass the debt ceiling, and I can you can say Robert just said yes. Oh God! Here we go, another victory lap. Robert just comes. I, up I hope I hope we lap. pass it, but you guys saw the Bernie Sanders and then the right wing backlash yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I if we're eventually going to we do know it. that the the progressives. This is what I said earlier. You're going to have progressives vote now, and you're going to have the Freedom Caucus vote now, and it's going to be bipartisan because you're going to get the 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 left and right, which is still the majority of 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 the of the house center left and center right. But you know, you'll probably lose what the freedom caucus is 75 votes. So there's no question that Hakeem Jeffries is going to have to come up with, you know, uh, you know, probably everyone outside the progressive group to, to make sure this passes. Hey, Robert, before you head out, can I add something to your earlier point? You said something that I want everyone to hear. Um, you mentioned that, um, this will create new jobs we can't perceive, we can't imagine. And to that point, in the Industrial Revolution, it brought on the advent of free time. I tweeted this at you. And we could have never seen the growth of the entertainment industry and professional sports that right now make up like a few trillion dollars, a few trillion dollars collectively. So to that point, who knows what we're going to see. And it's still the only thing you watch live. <laughs> For the most for now, part. for now. Yeah. <laughs> Although I saw, e I saw ESPN may go to streaming too, and even uh, come off cable. But there we go. I appreciate. So uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks, uh, I love listening to what you guys have to say. It's great learning for me. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, yeah. Robert. Thanks. Uh, so you know, on that note, I know that there are a few comments to close. Shakar, I'll let you go next, and then Eugene, you get to close today. So Shakar, go ahead. So uh, I, I love that segue that we just landed on because I think, you know, in, in my bearishness on what I think is gonna, AI is going to do in the short run, uh, what's lost is that I'm actually a, a complete AI optimist. I think, you know, the bigger picture here is actually the opportunities that AI is going to create in the long run. And when you think about, you know, what it takes to be able to start and build a company today, uh, a lot of the people, a lot of the smart uh, McKinsey consultants that uh, Cal referenced, right, are, are absolutely great folks that would love to be able to, you know, build their own companies, but the scarcity of VC capital or, you know, the limitations of their own budgets or, you know, time investments are really what's limiting them from doing that. So to that end, I think, you know, we are going to see massive transformation. We're going to see more companies be born, more opportunities be created. And that's something that everyone should be excited about. Um, that's going to create a massive excess in the world. I think fundamentally, if I'm, you know, seeing the world of software correctly, um, what that could mean, right, is a future in which software is just in time. Uh, people don't buy enterprise apps in the same way that they think about enterprise apps today, where you have to wait for feature releases. Instead, you know, you can literally just describe what you want and software is assembled on the fly to be able to, you know, solve your problem. 
Um, that like micro trend, um, you know, maybe sounds a little far fetched today, but living and breathing this space, I, I'm, I'm super bullish on the fact that it's going to fundamentally change a lot about the way that we interact with, you know, most systems. So that, that sounds like I'm, an incredible future. Uh, Eugene, uh, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. I am also similar in Shakar's camp in the sense that I'm a short term. I believe that there's going to be a lot of creative destruction a la Schumpeter in the short term and um, quite a lot of opportunities in the long run. I think there's going to be a uh, AI is going to be a great thing for uh, just human, uh, just, I guess, human progress overall. Uh, but I think the times that are dark ahead are going to be tough and it's hard to see what the timing is going to be like, um, you know, specifically on the VC market. I mean, for anyone who's used ChatGPT to code um, is, I mean, it, it codes pretty darn well. I mean, it has a lot of specific mistakes, but if you have somebody who just knows even the barest thing about software, you can actually get it to do an amazing amount of stuff, right? Like one person, one developer created Angry Birds, recreated it in two hours using Unity, right? So the thing can code in C Sharp, right? And it can code in a lot of other things. So, um, you know, like the whole question, I think Shakar and some others brought this up earlier, but it's like you have... Um, VCs who raise all these large funds, uh, certainly in the, you know, in the COVID inflation era. And basically, um, you know, instead of needing 50 people to get into an MVP, you need like an order of magnitude less than that, right? Anywhere between one to five people can produce the kind of MVPs that 50 people could earlier. And, you know, you think the VC market and the tech market is actually sort of the early indicator of what's going to happen in the economy, right? Like our research shows that VC-backed companies, even though they're a small part of GDP in the beginning, eventually grow to become a greater than 20% uh, of US GDP in the long run, right? So um, that's kind of an incredible thing to think about. And if you can say that you could start the company at less, what are going to be the impacts to, you know, I mean, a company has five people instead of 50, that's 45 people, let's say, just in the early stage, just in the early stage of people who are no longer needed, what's going to happen? And then another thing I worry about is, you know, I, uh, where is that going to happen, right? So, you know, the U.S. and particularly Silicon Valley, center of innovation, right? I mean, I've been on here, you know, singing Silicon Valley's praises relative to even other uh, parts of the U.S. geography, even places like New York as being just the center of innovation, particularly with AI. But now the question is going to be like, well, what about, you know, when you can have th these few people, like, why do those people have to come from those places? Like, what about Africa, right, which has the youngest demographics, and uh, why, why aren't these some kids in Uganda going to just, you know, you know, start to eat all of our lunches, um, at least in Silicon Valley, right? So I guess that's an open question. Actually, I don't have a strong view on that, but I think it's an open question maybe for another time. No, I appreciate that. On that positive, optimistic slash negative note, uh, we will head on out. Thank you so much, everybody, uh, for joining us. We'll be back on Monday, 8 a.m. Eastern. And I think Mario has a space tonight that might be a finance-related space. So uh, please feel free to follow everybody that's on stage. Thank you, everybody, for coming up. Appreciate you all. See you Monday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. Thanks.